listening to the bomb hole. It's going to be very hot. It's going to be very uncomfortable for everybody. Good going to slide down them big hills. You know what I mean? On the big, nice burgundy snowboard. All right. Welcome to another episode of The Bomb Hole, which is presented by Pub Beer. Now, first things first, Stony Buds, how are we doing? So good, my dog. Solid. Whew. Uh, to my left, we got Brian Fox in the booth. Brian, how we doing? I'm doing well. Well, Brian, we are happy to have you here today. Uh, for our listeners that don't know who you are and what you've done, I wrote a little uh, wrote a little book report. So Brian, which is spelled as a Y, by the way, but Brian is a staple in our snowboard community. He's over 11 video parts deep. In addition, he's produced several impactful projects such as Life in General, Mediocre Madness, The Rascals, etc. He's got he's actually got some comp results. People may not know this. He's got third at their Ultra Selection. He is co-founder of Drink Water, and he's got a strong anti-energy drink stance, which we will get into. That'll be fun. He's a designer of boards. He's a board collector. He's a snowboarder that cares about our sport and the stewardship of our sport. All in all, he's a ripping human. So, uh, yeah, Brian's an interesting one. So let's get right into it. Uh, first things first, Brian grew up in Ramona, not where the average snowboarder's from. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? I don't even know where Ramona is. Yeah, it's a, it's a small town, maybe East County, San Diego. How's my, how's this? Pretty good? Yeah, Mike sounds good. Um... East County, San Diego, um, probably 40,000 people, something like that. Um, I wouldn't even say it's a suburb. It's rural. It's like a farming town. It's cool, though. It's really beautiful, um, bordered by a bunch of, like, BLM land, national parks. So growing up there was amazing, probably until you're, like, 14, and you're kind of like, oh, you got to drive to everything, you know. There's no real conveniences, but... uh yeah, it was great. I don't know. I, everyone is like, it's so funny when everyone talks about where they grew up. It's like, well, what's your perspective? You know, it's the only place you grew up. So I don't know. It was great. You know. Yeah. yeah, it was like very safe and, and uh, I don't know, provided us a lot of opportunity to be like creative little adventurer kids or whatever. But Well, I want to lean into the fact that you grew up in a little desert town and you became a professional snowboarder, whereas the average professional snowboarder maybe grew up in a mountain town and their dad was a ski patroller and they basically lived at the mountain. Like for you, I imagine it wasn't easy to get up to the hill. Yeah. I mean, it didn't even exist for a really good chunk of my childhood. Um, I don't, I didn't snowboard till I was 13 for the first time, 12 or 13, but my mom's from Hawaii. And, uh, so she loved the beach. So we would, you know, we were like little beach kids, like swim in the you know boogie board and then kind of eventually you start surfing and a friend of my dad's kid had a skateboard we want a skateboard you know didn't know anything about the industry got a little toy played on the toy you know whatever and then basically like skateboarding and surfing captivated us but we didn't care about the industries around it you know we we're just like oh these are fun things to do but we didn't totally follow them like we we're like i'm a surfer i'm a skateboarder we kind of just did them because we we're southern california and then um a kid that i went to high school with he had like a much older brother 
And he was basically that older brother who like got us into punk, was like, BMX, this is what's cool in BMX, this is what's cool in skateboarding. And and he one day was like, yo, you want to ditch whatever and go to my house for lunch and puts on Meltdown Project, Mac Dog. I swear when it like, yes, dude, when it like, I, I could paint his like living room right now. We're just sitting on the couch, VHS goes in, that that opening section or whatever where it's like it's a dead kennedy song holiday in cambodia and it like captivated me in a way that like nothing from skateboarding or surfing had and i was just like i like have to do this at that point i'd maybe seen snow once so it was just like straight foreign object style where i was like what the fuck is this like i have to do this so bad so the next winter that kid his family was like going to mountain high and he's like you want to go snowboarding so I just went and it seemed pretty easy, you know, like compared to surfing and skateboarding, which are hard, no bindings. And it's just like, it's difficult to progress on those things. And I felt like after run like four or whatever, I hit a jump or, so, you know, got air. And I was like, holy fuck, I've never got air on my surfboard or skateboard. This thing is insane. Like, this is what I want to do. But I didn't, you know, like even with that, because my parents didn't ski or snowboard, it would just kind of be like, uh, this kid's going, maybe I could go with him and convince my parents to rent me stuff. Like, it just wasn't part of our life or whatever. Then my brother got his license, and that, like, it's like, oh, shit. We, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that pretty much. I mean, also, my parents were, they're psycho-supportive. They're, like, the most amazing, caring, like, it's just that they weren't into that thing. So they would, they had, they have taken us to the mountain and, Whatever, like they would try and facilitate it, but it wasn't. Your bro said that your mom would bring you to the mountain and then go like antiquing while you guys were riding. <laughs> yeah, like I remember one time she took us to Mountain High. She's she's a first grade teacher, and she uh, she was like, "Well, I'll, I guess I'll just sit in the car and grade and do grades for my kids." You know, like no interest, which is pretty reasonable being from Hawaii and being from Southern California. You're like, I'm not trying to be cold, like. Like this sucks. <laughs> it doesn't even get that cold in Mount High anyway. How, yeah, far, how yeah. far was Mount High? It's about three hours. Oh, so not not too bad. No, it's like it's doable, but it's pretty difficult day trip. Yeah, and until you your brother had that license, I mean, it was really far away. And even then, like you know, we had this weird rule when we were kids that because um, at first they let us go when Steve got his license, the two of us, and then he he got fucked up. I don't know if he broke his arm or blew out his knee or something where he couldn't drive us home. So we had to like maybe stay in Big Bear or something. So then they had this rule where like you have to have another person who can drive if the two of you are going to go up to, to Big Bear or Mountain High. And that's when we started hating posers because we basically like no one really from our school snowboarded. So we would like go around the school to anyone who looked like they might and be like, you want to go snowboarding this weekend? They're like, I don't really snowboard. I'm like, why the fuck do you have a forum shirt on? Like... <laughs> Uh. Posers Yeah Initial hate for posers Um, But yeah I don't know It's it's a weird place obviously But I also do I like find some I think I got like Some sort of a fire inside Because it wasn't For me It wasn't given to me It wasn't like Yeah we're a ski family And you can just be like Yeah I don't know if I like it It's like No my brother and I Were like this is our shit This is what It's like all we want to do, all we think about, all we care about, like, and that drove both of us, you know, he moved to Oregon and then I moved, you know, it's like, 
because it was ours and because it wasn't easy, it felt it it felt worthwhile or something. Yeah, special, especially in that environment. <clears throat> now, I want to dive into a hard-hitting topic right away. Uh, I've known you for a long time, and I've always known you as somebody that doesn't drink booze. And uh, I believe you've never drank in your entire life. No. And I'd like to ask, why is that? When I was young, my... I don't, I don't know. It's such a weird, it's very strange because I know he's going to watch this and I love him more than anything. So I don't want him to feel like I'm disrespecting him. But my dad, uh, you know, is this amazing man that I love as much as I could love anything on earth. And uh, when I was a kid, there was an, enough times that he would drink or get drunk that affected me. And it's weird when you get become an adult and you look back on your life and maybe... I made tons of those things bigger deals than they were, but they were enough that like my brother and I have both never drank. And yeah, we like, it affected us in some way that we went like, okay, I'm, I don't want to do that because when he's sober, he's like the coolest, most interesting, like dynamic human. And when he's drunk, he's just not. So it was just this kind of example of like, well, probably not going to do that. And like, it's like why I'm a professional snowboarder. Like, I'm crazy addicted to shit. Like, I'm so, so narrow-minded. And like, once I want something, have an interest in something, like something, it, I'm so obsessive that it's like, well, yeah, clearly, I'll be the same way. And especially now too, as the shit goes on, I look at it and I'm like, I wouldn't be chill with alcohol. I probably wouldn't be chill with other drugs. I, I just don't. I'm not like none of my homers can be. Brian's such a chill guy. He's like so medium. It's like probably most of these stories or anything that we talk about. It's like, yeah, that dude's obsessive. He's totally committed to what he thinks or cares about. So if you add that into drugs, alcohol, substance abuse, it's like I just decided young, like, well, that's just not going to be part of my story. And then I got into like secondary I got into punk and I you know probably because I didn't drink definitely was attracted to like minor thread or like the straight edge I never went like straight edge guy I never was like aggressive about it it was more just like that music spoke to me of like being an individual being it's not self-righteous but almost like self-assured that like you can think of and feel a certain way and be proud of it and and not be super concerned with what every person thinks of you. There's there's something really powerful there because the industry norm in action sports is that you fucking party and you're a wild guy. We get fucked up and we smoke weed and and it's fucking awesome, actually. All those things <laughs> yeah, are it, all, it looks amazing. All, all of those <laughs> things are awesome. I've done all the all the things. I've and, done and, all the and, things. And, but, and they're they're awesome. But it is like it's I, I would go as far as saying it's fucking encouraged. Right? It's encouraged. It's encouraged. Sure. And, and so if you really take think you're you know, you like punk rock and you're going against the norm by saying, No, I don't drink. And in my opinion, that's fucking punk rock. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's two sides to punk rock, though. You know, it's not they're not all straight edge. Yeah, but no. I'm saying punk rock and the fact that you're going oh, against the norm. Yeah, yeah. You're going True. against the norm. You're saying, oh, you like this? Fuck you. I'm doing this. Yeah, you throw yeah. an event. There's yeah. a party. 
right after they're hand in hand. So yeah. I guess you're right. It's it's going against the norm as punk, not straight edge punk. Yeah, yeah. Is what I mean. Yeah, I think I mean for sure. Also, you know, the, these activities, the cultures around surfing, snowboarding, and skateboarding are also every single person that I ever adored as a professional was like a clear individual. None of the none of the people that I ever was like, oh, I I really fuck with that dude were generic pros who were good it was more just like no i like this person because he's uniquely him and he has his perspective his point of view and so i think that emboldened me too to, as a young kid to be like all of these things that i like and these people that i look up to whether they're doing drugs or not they still seem like they're promoting like you know uh, a mentality that you can be confident in yourself as a unique individual and not just like a pawn to the masses of like this is how I fit in and be comfortable and be a generic you know medium level person that everyone likes or something whatever that word you know so yeah I don't know still don't do it and uh you know I think as I look back I'd I would love to not love but you know I see humans who can handle those things and be mature about alcohol consumption or drugs or whatever or anything really and and you're like oh that's a that's probably like a good existence to not be captive to that stuff but for me I probably knew that I was going to be captive to it and um yeah I just I don't know I guess I just decided it wasn't going to be a story my story and oh yeah it's cool though because you're you're uh very comfortable I think what you said there like kind of to highlight is Comfortable in your own skin as an individual, right? Mm -hmm. And not not conforming to fit in so you're accepted, but comfortable in your own skin as an individual, uh, I think is really powerful. I think that's those are some really awesome words. But um What's the the I I like love it, the Tupac quote. He's like, If you got more than ten friends, you're a fucking liar or something like that. <laughs> is that a real quote? <laughs> I don't know. It's just like yeah, yeah. it's some like general so like that. If you're trying to like please too many people uh, to fit into their scene, like you ain't being true to yourself or whatever. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, that's that's like everyone's like self confirming of the like it's fine that I'm an asshole because I'm myself or whatever. Mm -hmm. So there's uh, there's levels. To so all you never shit. had a drop of alcohol? No, I've actually tried like uh, I've tried like most alcohol. You know, a sip of it just. I mean, that's the shitty part, too, about being sober and, and kind of abstaining from all this stuff is, like, I'm a super curious person. Like, every other part of my life, I want to, like, learn about things and be informed and be like, how does that feel? What does that do? Like, what could I get from this? What is, like, what could be my interactions with this travel or this thing or these people and, and not to close myself off to stuff? So sometimes I'm like, God, it sucks that this thing that's so universally shared, I have closed myself up. So sometimes, like, yeah, if I'm with my lady and we're somewhere and she's like, you have to try this cider. It's like 4,000-year-old <laughs> process of, like, it's in the barrel. I'm like, I'll try, I'll, like, take a sip of it and be like, yeah, it's tastes. Swash it around and spit like, it out. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know. It's just like, that tastes like shit. But. Page two, Patreon question with Scotty Whitlake. Scotty Whitlake. Oh, God. Shall we... Uh, Mention Patreon real quick. Yeah, let's talk Patreon. We got a Patreon question. Shout out to our Patreon members that support us to do this show. Uh, if you sign up, you might get to ask a guest question. Like this amazing question from an amazing person. Scotty Whitlake 
even after all these years and all these tears, why is it you still won't eat acid with me? <laughs> that might be uh, the best question ever asked yeah. on this show from a Patreon member. Thank you, Scotty Whitlake. Thank you, Scott. Um, yeah, I, I just yeah, I don't have interest in it. I don't know. It's funny. You know, Scotty was the first... Um, the first time I ever saw cocaine was with Scotty and J2, actually. It was like during, maybe I was like 18 or 19. Went to some, he's like, oh, come to this party at my house and like roll up. And it's just like, who's who of like whitey. It was like whitey era. I was going to say whitey must have been. <laughs> it was crazy. And just rolled into his, into this living room. I don't know. I've probably painted this picture now way more like Scarface than it was, you know? But there's just like all these pros and Scotty. And Scotty's with me, kind of like babying me through his house. I'm sure he knew. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And there's just a shit ton of cocaine. People are doing cocaine. And I was just like, whoa. And he's like, are you all good? And I was like, I've just never seen cocaine before. And he's like, he was, he was more astounded that I hadn't seen cocaine than I was by seeing the cocaine. You know? like, he was just like, what? Like, <laughs> you never seen this before? <laughs> and, you know, like, Scott, Scotty's, like, gone. To, he's had a, you know, a big story in life. So, like, that's a different Scotty than he is right now. But, yeah, he, uh, him and I have this relationship. And I, I like, was wondering what, what he would ask if he asked something. And it's funny that's that. Because he's, like. Pretty much most of our relationship in the last 20 years or whatever has been arguing or, like, deep dive into, like, parts of ourselves that we probably disagree on, but we, like, love the other person in the exact same way at the end of every conversation, even if it's, like, yelling or screaming or crying or whatever. And um, it is so funny that I'm sober and he has, like, gone to the ends of the earth to basically, like, try and do every drug and... and, uh, (laughs) Sometimes when he's like explaining the like new thing that he's done or tried, I'll be sitting there and I'll be like, Yeah, I get what you're saying, but like you're not looking too put together. Like this <laughs> This isn't it like a look like it's helping you. <laughs> this isn't a good ad for ayahuasca or whatever. Like, you know, like <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like there's certain people in your life where you're like, man, that like I mean, Scotty actually is really well put together and he's like, he's internalizing everything and really doing like deep mental dives. But there's like interesting people in your life where you're like, you're just not the homie I'm taking advice from. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but it's amazing. I heard you have an incredible story. You've obviously befriended and became great pals with Scotty. But when you first met him, I heard there's a phenomenal story about meeting him. Well, I have a couple, I have like two first meetings of him. He probably doesn't remember either because, you know, that's that's like the funniest thing about like our industry and probably like so many, you know, idolatry is what it is, right? Like I had known of him and idolized him for so long that, that by the time I met him, I'm like, fool, I know you. Like I know everything or what I imagined was everything about you. And I love, I love you or what, you know, like I want to dress like you. I want to be you. I want to (laughs) like, I want to be around you. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it's so weird when so you're. True. It's so true when you get in that spot. You're like, whoa, this is really creepy. Like more than you've ever wanted to like be with a sexual. You know, like yeah. that. 
Uh, either way. So yeah, first time I met him. <laughs> either way, we're gonna uh, keep moving. Uh, I was a camper at High Cascade, and uh, like, I mean, yeah, you'll probably hear like Lance Hacker mentioned in those Patreon questions. You'll have to listen to these. I don't know if they can. Whatever. Uh, I was loose when I was young, getting hurt a shitload because I was just bad, and got knocked out at camp. Got taken down in the little basket. Greg Goulet, this is a fucking legend, like best dude ever. He ends up being the, uh, I think the like, the dude who drives me from the hill down to government camp. And in the car ride, he's like, probably just trying to make me feel better. He's like, oh, blah, blah, blah. He's like, who's your favorite snowboarder? And I was like, Scotty Whitlake is my favorite snowboarder. He's like, you know, Scotty works here. I'm like, yeah, I know Scotty works here. He's like, he's like, all right, I'll come get you a dinner. And like, maybe we could go say hi to Scotty. I'm like, whatever, mate, whatever. Guy comes up, grabs me. Greg walks me over to the Digger House, which also, like, this is probably 2002. Like, Digger House 2002 government camp is, like, straight up looking, like, road to ruin. Like, shit all over the front yard. <laughs> like, it just was, like, crazy looking scene as, like, a, I don't know, 16-year-old kid or something. <laughs> Scotty opens the door. He's like, what up? You know, like, fucked up shirt. Like, tattoos everywhere. Like, weird just dirty looking human where you're like, uh, I just, in my existence, I hadn't like interacted with people who looked that like rugged, you know, teeth all fucked up, like just looking like a drug addict. Like it, you're just like, Oh, this looks like a dude from the streets, like from a movie or whatever. And he, he, then he's like, Oh, I heard you got hurt. He's like, I've been hurt a bunch. Come in, like going to the digger house, like such a sh like weird little kid, you know, just like what the fuck. And he gave me a revival shirt. Wow. The I still have it. Wow. It's the summer before that movie came out. And I was like literally prized possession. I mean, this is literally 2000, I think 2002. So straight up 20 years ago, I have the T-shirt in my closet, like prized possession, like fully. And he was so nice and kind and chatty, whatever. So that's the first time I met him. Dude, he had worn that T-shirt for like a year. No, he had like about, a box. A he had like a <laughs> box of like you know they were probably like gonna premiere. No, I'm talking about that dirty T-shirt you talked about him wearing the white. Oh, one. oh yeah, dude, with like mean, the collar was yeah, ripped. You know what it was around 2002. Yeah. He had that T-shirt for like a year. Yeah, 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 never yeah, changed. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like that weird brown. Yeah. color that you're like, what is on that? shirt? Yeah, like, like what is that shirt scene? <laughs> yeah. He did look like a homeless person. Just bumming people out with yeah. that body odor. I can't for imagine sure. the smell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was just, I don't know. He's just, he's one of the only, re, like, very unique. Yeah. For me, straight up. Like, and I, lo I love him to, de like, in the depths of my heart, I love him as much as I could love anyone. He's a, like, straight up brother. So it's like this funny now looking back on it in this weird way of just like, damn, I like, tripped on this dude so hard but then now being like oh no this is a you know a really good solid human being but well we got a guest question from what like <laughs> here we go hello 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 ethan hello chris pretty cool show y'all got here <laughs> i really digging it uh, i'm calling in with some questions for your guest brian it's probably sitting right there making a silly face Anyway, Brian, uh, if you had to pick one, what is the single best run in the whole world? 
there's uh there's actually a correct answer for this only one correct answer you and i have probably taken a few thousand laps through there at one point through our lives anyway next question brian if if you had to pick one what would you say and why has been the single most impactful or pivotal experience that you've ever experienced in your life so far that'd be uh that'd be cool to hear i think anyway love you buddy looking forward to to hearing hearing your answer on the show all right bye (laughs) (laughs) jeez all right even that yeah. Just like that end, what, where are you sitting on the corner? <laughs> Actually, on the side of the freeway, it's got yeah. a flat tire. Side side of I eighty five. Pauses and the wow. And that last question was Oof. deep. Um, Hard hitting question. Yeah. Yeah. What a what a little lovely man. Um. So first question. He's like, I don't know. He's probably loading it two ways. I'm pretty sure he's asking me to say Ridge Run at Mount Hood Meadows is like, um a run that him and I have ridden a trillion times. And it's basically on this aspect of Mount Hood Meadows that, uh, the way it sits, the, the prevailing winds basically rip from the West and they come through the mountain and on one side are these big trees. And on the other side, there's like a bit of a ridge. So it deposits like a ton of snow that's getting ripped off those trees and just left. And it basically makes like a perfect series of maybe like 20, hits and wave like in its forehand for the two of us and then it leads into these like weird little gullies that have like little secret airs and shit um so he's probably asking for that or i don't know like some part of me was like oh maybe he's talking about the rascal but i don't think he would probably promote me to talk about the rascal on on air and that's ml baker i don't know either way if you're gonna go ride the rascal you probably know where it is and you've probably ridden it and if you don't Good fucking luck finding it. So, uh, second part of his question, he asked me, "What is the most impactful moment in my the life?" Experience or moment? I think he said. Mm. Hard hitting. Yeah, it's hard hitting. I think I'm going to go a little bit generic on on as far as like it's love. You know, I think that um, I, I think that love is. Um, pretty much at the base of like what we're all longing for and searching for and needing and and whether that's belonging or community or you know whether it's on a snowboard or whatever it's a little generic and I feel kind of cheesy right now but I do like when he said that I'm like yeah it's just love that that feeling you get from a partner from a parent or from um yeah day in the mountains like it's all uh it all leads, at least for me, back to like a feeling of love and and appreciation, I guess, for like experience with with people around you. But yeah, I don't know. It's heavy. It's a it's a like it's something I think about a lot right now, actually. And I mean, maybe that's why he teed it up because uh, I don't know. I think I've just got to this point in my life currently where like reflection has been like super powerful and and uh yeah 
I don't know. They're all also too like a cheesy snowboard podcast answer would be like going to fucking Alaska and just being like, this is this is the center of like my human experience. Just be like, whoa, that is a drug that there's no way to replicate, which is like actually when I listen to podcasts or like people who can explain like the benefits of psychedelics or MDMA or whatever they're like this is what it does this is what it makes you feel this is what it tunes you into like whenever I'm listening to these things I'm just like oh that for me personally for me to relate to that is like is is being in Alaska and being like about to drop into a line or halfway down a line and being like I'm 25 years into like a drug preparation right now and this is when I'm about to fucking hit the like juice in my arm and which makes it like some like superpower drug experience of just like it's not like I just went and bought it from this dude and I was nervous and I took it and now I'm feeling this thing and I can hear sound I can hear colors or whatever it's like no I've spent this much of my life like preparing for this moment and the second that it just fucking hits you you're like oh that's unreplicable you know um Thanks, Scotty. Yeah, I don't know. Amazing question. I feel like when you're in Alaska, you're thinking like that, but then when you're back and you're in real life, that's when maybe love would be the thing. Yeah, I mean, the bigger yeah, picture, yeah. you know? Big picture is just straight love. I mean, that's an example of love too, right? You don't get to those, you don't get to any of those places in life without like long-term commitment, long-term sacrifice, right? Like, so some people argue that like, the only way love is so powerful is because that it's it's mirrored with pain and pain is the thing that actually is is shared by all of us and and pain is the thing that will that will be sh- will be shared universally and that leads us to love leads us to longing for love leads us to commitment to others and and to community and and service to others really is just like a is that that pain is so fucking real that you're like I want to drive away from that or whatever Good stuff. Very insightful. Uh, going back to Alaska, I know we're jumping mm-hmm. ahead and we're not going in order. Uh, dude, seriously, that was so insightful. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I forget I'm we're hosting the show because I'm just listening and enjoying, <laughs> yeah, he's which is good, that's good when you know it's good. Say. Straight up, I was yeah. lost in it. So going back to Alaska, I just wanted to highlight one thing. I was watching your enlightened part <clears throat> and you're shredding AK with Travis Rice. But uh, at the top of the run, there's a clip of you and it's a GoPro clip. And it's you showing your left arm, and it's you showing your right arm. And on the inside of your left arm, it reads, what would Craig do? Referencing Craig Kelly. And then on the right arm, it said, what would Travis do? Uh, do you want to elaborate on why you wrote that? <laughs> yeah, so cheesy. It's so fun. It's cheesy. It's fucking dope. Dude. It's dope, but it's, it's, che- it's like corny thinking about it right now. But at that time, like, again, those are like this long, this like long arc of me feeling removed from like being a a pro snowboarder because I never felt like I came from it. So I've always felt kind of like I had to like fake it and be like, okay, I get to this scenario. Like I got, you know, like I'm going to show up bigger than the people around me because I think I'm bad at this. Or sometimes I'm like, I'm not as good as people like whatever. Going to Alaska, basically he calls me and he's like, yo, um, I have this budget for Quicksilver. I would, I'm going to use it to go scope this zone in Alaska that I've heard about um, that would be good for this contest series I'm going to put on. And I was like, oh, shit. And he's like, I want to do this, like, multi-stop um, 
version of they had already done natural selection in jackson years ago right like so he's like i want to do this natural but yeah keep going sit, sit natural selection no yeah. it was natural selection oh, it was natural selection right the first one i think it was called like ultra natural and then the one i did natural was selection? Yeah, it had a different yours name, was called ultra natural yeah mine was uh, ultra natural what's the, it called now natural selection natural oh, okay selection. so it was supernatural 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 is the yeah. first one in jackson and he's like i want to do a tour and i think there's a zone up there be good for it i want to go use my budget to look for it um, you should come up. And I was like, fuck. Like, I knew Travis at the po- this point, but like, definitely was like, I want to go to Alaska and I don't know if I'm capable. So I hit up instantly. When, once he called me, I hit up Scotty and I was like, yo, Travis just hit me up to go to Alaska. Let's go to Baker and I want to ride like as hard as I can for like the next 10 days or something. Like, I want to ride scary shit. I want to be like, L- let's go. And he's like, cool. So we go to Baker and basically like train, you know, like I try to not stop on anything. I try to ride full, like all the big lines off, whatever, without just imagining that like, it's, you can't go to Alaska and just like stop halfway down and be like, do I go left here? Like, (laughs) (laughs) There's no stopping. (laughs) So we do that and like go up there with him and dude, this isn't like straight wild for me to even think about we go there the guy this guy clark finds like awesome dude he basically sits us down first night and he's like hey it's snowed for like 38 days straight at the exact same temperature like i'm not even probably gonna need to dig pits it's gonna be so bomb proof and like at this point travis basically told me we're gonna barely snowboard we're just gonna be looking at stuff maybe ride a couple lines and that moment travis is like you know, like curious Travis face of like, hmm. <laughs> so then the next, I think like, I don't know, six days or something, we rode like absolutely perfect snow. Never once did snow move. Like, like I, I watched him do things that I, I, I couldn't believe, like straight up couldn't believe in person that you're like, oh, that. Uh, this is in this moment this has to be the best person who's ever done this on these things or whatever and i'm i'm like some little kid from ramona w- w- watching <laughs> it type of thing but yeah so i wrote that because craig was a huge influence to me um because in the later years of his career he appreciated so much just like riding the mountain and not performing so like all the stuff that was coming out was all these just beautiful pictures of somebody riding down the mountain, which for me coming from surfing always like really related to it. Just being like, Oh, that's so cool that he's really not. It's almost like the least posery way to snowboard. It's just like, if no one ever told you to do anything, you just ride down and he's just like the best at riding down. And then the other side is like, yeah, what would Travis do? Because, um, I get paid to do this shit, so you can't just really ride down. Like, I, you know, it's like, all right, well, you got to, like, you got to perform a little bit. Yeah, like, you know. uh, I got to keep this job. And, yeah, it was amazing. It was also, it was kind of corny, but I'm also, like, dude, I'm a showman. Like, I knew what that was going to look like. I knew how people would see it. Like, I'd be lying if I didn't know that I was going to film my arms with my GoPro before riding a run and be like, this is going to look fucking cool. Cause like, that's also my job is to like go out there and put shit out. That's like, is going to resonate with other humans that makes them want to go do stuff, makes them want to like look up to people and think like, how do I get 
inspired to go do something that puts me out of my comfort zone. So, yeah, I don't know. Dude, it's crazy. I have these couple memories where, like, at night I would go into his hotel room and he'd, like, show me GoPro videos of, like, how to ride lines. And when you're in the helicopter, like, making mental marks of, like, this rock, that thing. like, And he's like, you do everything in a series. Like, he's not a cowboy. He's, like, a fucking genius. And he's, like, looking at the mountains so meticulously of, like, I do four heel turns. I get to this thing. I go left. I do three heel turns. I drop speed, then I go back seven fucking rodeo off the, you know, like the way he looked at it was so incredible. And I'd never thought about snowboarding that way. So kind of like almost regimented and like, boom, get to rock, go left. Okay. Now after I rock, now I know that there's three spines. I go down the middle spine, you know, it was like this emotionless and calculated. Yeah. So calculated. You have to be out there else. You don't know where everyone gets lost if you're not. Yeah. I mean like that DCP story, like it's not even like, it's not even, it, it's not like, oh, maybe that could happen. It's like, that's going to happen to all of us. You're just trying your best to minimize your risk. And it was cool to obviously so lucky to have Travis be basically like babysitter slash coach. Yeah, you showing know, like, you the ropes. Yeah. And I can't imagine him not being like held back by the conditions like everyone always is, like the confidence level. There's like Must I don't have been even crazy. Yeah, I mean, we might have to text him because I don't know if we'd have to take this out. But I'll tell the story. Like, we go to this face that's illegal. It's straight up illegal. Like, our heli pilot won't take us there, so he gets a different heli pilot. Because it's too gnarly. No, no, it's it's, it's like uh, wilderness. Land. Oh, got you. Okay. okay, and we fly out to this private land. Him and Clark are basically going back and forth on, like, dude, I think it's too risky. We don't have a real helicopter. There's no back brace in this thing. Like, I can't access you. This is, like, way too heavy of terrain to be riding this far away from base. Like, all these different things. And basically, Travis is just like, no. Like, I'm going to ride it. I don't care. And he's like, do you want to go up there with me? I'm like, yeah, I'll ride this stuff, like, way over to the edge that's, like, safer. You've seen I I like put it on my Instagram maybe once a year. Have you seen the clip of me riding like big stacked pillows and halfway down I basically like start tumbling like like yeah violent sh- into a shoot is yeah, it a shoot yeah, yeah, tumble yeah, that yeah, that yeah, clip yeah. is insane yeah. yeah it's absolutely like probably <clears throat> violent violent crash and uh, this is basically right after our guide is like it's too dangerous <laughs> for us to be out here Travis and Travis is like I don't give a fuck I'm going. He ends up riding, like, I'm going to imagine, like, one of the better lines in his whole life. But it's a, it's illegal for us to be there, so he can't. Can't even put it out? No. I, I, I have it on a hard drive somewhere. I don't think it's Jeez. seen the light of day. I don't even know if this will see the light of day yeah. because maybe he'll be like, no, dude. I'm, but, um, yeah, that experience was, like, also just, yeah, it was life-changing. We'll probably have to go back to it because, it you know, that also led into, like, a whole different version of my career because – I don't know if people saw me differently because of it, but I definitely like got invited to his contest because of it. And just kind of like my sponsors were like, Oh, this dude can go ride stuff like that. We'll pay. You know, you get a different budget allotment. If sponsors are like, fuck, we can send him to Alaska and he's going to bring us back footage or whatever. So yeah, that's basically where it came from. Like I have a, I have this deep like admiration for Craig and I also have a deep admiration for Travis. The, my admiration for Travis is kind of almost private because he's like, I almost feel like 
he's on the other side of the industry from me, you know, even though we're like great friends, like his path in the industry has been like so elevated and godly and, and just like the dude and the best snowboarding that ever comes out and like the cheesy ass music and like, you know, the cheesy movie, but, but that's what it has to be for that viewer. And that's what Mm -hmm. it has to be for his level of riding. He can't like, you're going to put that shit out and have some like corny punk song. No. Next, you know, like it has to be to that level. So, like, it's funny for me because I do love Travis and I'm so inspired by him. But, like, in some ways it's almost like secret. You know, We're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about Sunbum. Our guest today, Brian, is actually a member of the Sunbum team. He is supported by Sunbum. They also support Jill Perkins. They support snowboarders. Uh, one thing that's great about Sunbum is it protects you from the sun. Even if it's winter, you can still get roasted like a Kenny Rogers chicken out there. So be sure to apply sunscreen and protect yourself from the sun. It's a great company with great people. We love working with them. They support the show, so you should support them. If you're interested in picking up the Sunbum products, I use the Mineral Stick SPF 50. Keep it in my pocket. It's great. Uh, Head on over to your local snowboard, surf, or skate shop if they have it. Pick it up there. If they don't, Head on over to sunbum.com. Use promo code BOMBHOLE for 15% off. Again, promo code BOMBHOLE for 15% off at sunbum.com. All right, we're going to talk to you guys about some socks. Jed rides them, Jill Perkins rides them, and I ride them. Of course, you know we're talking about Stance socks. If you've ever seen a pair of socks with the Icon logo on the ankle, then you know about Stance. Stance has been making some of the most comfortable, and creatively designed socks and underwear for the snowboarding community for a while. Lately, their designers have been bringing the same winning formula to clothing. They got joggers, hoodies, hats, and tees. Toe-to-head comfort and creativity. Head on over to stance.com and use promo code THEBOMBHOLE, all caps. Again, promo code THEBOMBHOLE, all caps, to save 20% off your first order. Head on over there. Get yourself a stocking stuffer. Get yourself a gift. Everybody loves socks. Get there today. Okay, Brian. Earlier, I heard you mention something, and I want to go back to what you said. You kind of talked about how you felt like you maybe had to make yourself appear bigger, or maybe you didn't deserve to be there, like you felt like you weren't good enough to be there. Uh, I want you to elaborate on this because you're a fucking pro snowboarder probably at this point with your name on your snowboard and you know making a bunch of money i think it's really interesting for our listeners to hear that even even like maybe their their pro snowboarder idols or people they look up to still maybe struggle with a little bit of um you know the com- what's the complex called where you you you're uh, talking about imposter imposter syndrome, syndrome. Right? yeah yeah no i mean i think that's like I don't know. I don't. Either way, I don't think I had imposter syndrome. I just think that I had a desire to succeed. And with any, I mean, every single person who has any job puts himself into a scenario at the start where they don't know what they're doing. And that is life. And you need to, like, be willing to learn and commit to learning and trying to learning and set yourself up into scenarios where you will progress. And I think I just, what I meant is, like, I have an understanding of what my skills and abilities are. And I know when I'm just in a scenario that's like, this is just a little bit, this is just a little more than I have. So I need to get there, 
You know what I mean? Like, there's definitely times where I've been filming. And I'm like, oh, I'm the shit. I got this all day. Like, I got this jump. I got this cliff. I got this line. Like, put the camera on. Like, I'm gonna fuck shit up. Whatever that. Like, roll it. I'm gonna slate this fucker. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I I've had that. But then there's also times in your career where you're like, whoa, th th I'm like, I like. It's not like I don't deserve to be here. It's more just like, oh shit, I'm out of my depths right now. Like this is a lot. Yeah, it's a little different from hitting a step down in in Whistler than on top of a peak with Travis. That ma that's that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Yeah, and this is also Travis coming off of um uh that's art it, that's of, all? No, art, art of, of flight. flight. Art okay. of year flight. after art of flight, he's god. He's straight up like untouchable and he was snowboarding that way like there was shit where, like, ride down the hill, back seven, natty, no one filming, you know, 80 feet or something. Just like, boom, stomp, right. And I'm just like, oh, yeah, He God. changed the game. After yeah, that. and so his, like, his actual ability and talent and brain and, and confidence and, you know, I've never, I've never been around a person who's as alpha as he is. And not in some, like, bad, weird way, but just straight up, like, this person's has an energy that's like palpable. You just feel it around him. Anyone who's ever hung out with him, you're like, this dude's not fucking around and it's not fake. He's just like, you know, we've had like really in-depth conversations about spirituality and, and understanding of like purpose and place and why and how. And like he operates in a space where he's like, yeah, I'm going up there and I'm going to impose my will on, on this place. It's not, it's not fear. It's not, Maybe, maybe, maybe. It's just like, no, we're going up there and I'm going to fuck shit up. When you see that, it's it's amazing. But it's also, if you're not in that mentality, you're like, well, I don't know if I'm going <laughs> to. Get Harrison Gordon up there with him. <laughs> He's just like, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, the line. Travis, what do you think? It could I be mean. fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, we Travis, that, that was nuts. Wow. Yeah, Travis. <laughs> Travis really going oh. bonkers. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, all right, we're at, the, we're at fucking peak B-Fox, AK. We need to figure out how the hell you got there. We got to back up the train a little bit and go, how the hell did you get from Kid and Ramona fucking sucking ass at snowboarding mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, what, what did it look like when you first started figuring out that you might be able to make it happen? I definitely didn't figure out I could make it happen, but the steps that got me from being, like, kind of weekend warrior, like my brother Steven and I, like, progressing basic, yeah, I mean... <laughs> progressing ourselves by like just trying to get better we didn't really have a big snowboard crew or anything and then once i turned 16 i started working at active which is like a snowboard shop in southern california and there was one about 45 minutes away from the town i grew up in which is like incredible that my parents even were like yeah like work at this snowboard shop 45 minutes away from this town and like because we live up in the like high desert, it's like gnarly ass, like crazy mountain road to get down into this city of Escondido to work at this place that after work I would drive back up to. Either way. So I started working there and that basically gave me an understanding of like what this industry is and totally formed my perspective on what my job is now because I saw the very end of the whole production of of the industry of like this is how it gets sold this is why all of this happens this is why it exists is like so that someone goes in the shop and buys this product and that's what we're all doing so i got basically those 
the foundation from that. And with that, I met like these amazing characters who were older than me and they were kind of like, don't fuck with this. Don't fuck. Like we only fuck with girl and chocolate. Like they, they kind of gave you that, like, Oh, it just matters what you associate with instead of just like, Oh, all brands are cool. They're just like, no, those brands aren't cool. These brands are cool. This is what you fuck with. Like, which, yeah, I think helped me through my career, but I basically met this dude, Keith. He was kind of the manager. Yeah, he's really, like, he's still a close friend of mine. And he was older. My parents knew him, trusted him. So basically he kind of, like, put me into the world, would, like, take me to Mammoth. And he hooked me up with the forum rep, this dude, Kevin Kosha, who, like, definitely was not sponsoring me. He was basically like, oh, this is a kid who works at the shop. He's going to sell the boards. I would fucking, someone would come in to buy Burton Custom I would be like, no way in hell you're leaving with a Burton Custom. <laughs> you, you are going to buy this piece of shit Peter Line forum board with like a naked woman painted on it. Like, <laughs> where the he perfect <laughs> shop kid. <laughs> oh, per- yeah. dude, I was straight loyal. Earning, like, earning those boards. Oh, yeah. Like, but in my brain, I'm like, pretty much I'm on flow for forum. <laughs> I'm probably pretty good now because this dude thinks I'm valuable. It's like, no, because you're. Uh, yeah, I was like perfect shop kid. Yeah, it's like you come into the shop. In your mind, you were sponsored though. I'm you guessing. know, I was like something. I like yeah. I, but I also felt, you know, then emboldened because, dude, then you once you're kid with next year's board at the mountain, it's like, oh fuck, I got like, you know, I gotta go. Yeah, yeah. you gotta be either you you think of something, but you also then it, it almost creates this weird vortex of like. Be careful with that. I always, when I talk to parents now who have kids who are going to be good, I'm like, don't let them be sponsored for a long time because all their friends and everyone in their community is going to like diminish their ability to progress. Mm. Target on your back. Oh my God. The second you, th- you how, how so? The second you appear to be the dude, especially before you're ready to be the dude, everyone's just like, all right, Chris, you're the dude with next year's fucking board. Like, why don't you go do uh, it? And you're yeah. like, yeah, I'm chilling. I'm just going to hit this over here mellow. And you just start playing the game of trying to look cool instead of, like, learning. So you're just like, let the kid learn as long as they possibly can. Especially when they're living their, at your house and they don't need money. Like, just let them learn until they get to the point where they actually deserve to be sponsored and can handle that pressure of being like, all right, yeah, I got this shit on my board. Like, mm-hmm. I'll go show up. So, yeah, either way, worked at Active and kind of saw the industry, felt that, like, you know, like, oh, okay, this is this is something. My brother went to college in um, Oregon, so I would go visit him. And one of the times I visited him, we went and rode Mount Hood Meadows, and it was a powder day, and it was just, I was like, all right, I'll just move here. Uh, packed up my car like two days after. I had this little shitty Subaru. Two days after um, I graduated high school, left my parents' house in Ramona. On the way up, picked up Josh Mills, who's... <laughs> will come heavy into the like story of my life picked him up he had basically his parents like signed him out of school at uh 15 so i was 18 he was 15 pick him up on the way puts his shit in my car him and i move to mount hood we live in my car that whole summer in the subaru all of our shit in it at night we'd like put it all under the car sleep in the back of the subaru put it back in the car hike up and poach the camps and then someone basically, like, led us on to, like, dude, you fools look like campers. Just, like, 
go act like you're campers. So then we just start roaming around Wendell's like we're campers, just lost little kids, stealing food, eating like skating, <laughs> eating food, and just like being, you know, little dirts. Um, and then moved to Gresham. I worked construction for my uncle up there in the fall, would save some cash, and then went to community college. Either way, this is all just whatever. But basically got to the point where I was just snowboarding a shitload. I would just ride every day. And this is, I didn't really say this, this is where I'll meet Scotty Whitlake. Because I met Corey Smith, and Corey Smith one day, like, texted me and was like, yo, you want to go up to, uh, you don't need to air horn, I don't really fuck with Corey Smith anymore. Which but. Corey Smith we talking here? Uh, Corey Smith. Spring break. Corey Spring Smith. break. Spring Corey break. Smith. Okay. Yeah. At the time, we were homies. I don't think we're homies now. He's like, whatever. I don't give a fuck. But um, he hits me up, and he's like, yo, uh, we're going to the mountain. I'll pick you up. I'm like, cool. Walk into the car, dude. Sit in the back seat. I know there's a guy in the front seat, but I can't see who it is. Some point, we turn, and there's, like, sun coming through the front windshield. Lowers the whatever, and there's that mirror on the passenger side, whatever, and it's fucking Whitlake. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. I'm just in the back of the car, like, oh, my fucking God. So Naughty the, shit. Kid. Oh, yeah. Like, and this is prime time, whatever. So meet him, and then... Pretty much from that time on, I like him and I became close. He talked, dude. This is so fucked. I always think about this when I put my foot in my binding. You know, there's all this snow in it. I just jam it in there. He's like, "Yo, dude, clean the snow out of the bottom of your, out of the bottom of your binding." I was like, "What? Oh, okay." And he's like, "Yeah, it's like butt sex, dude. You can't just shove it in there." <laughs> <laughs> he said that, huh? <laughs> the great reference. Great, I was just like, great quote right there. A, I was just like. Oh. And then I was like, th- I was like, is he talking about guys or girls? I was like, oh. <laughs> you've, had, you're, you're all, you've had butt sex. Yeah, I was like, damn, you have sex with a butt. Like, so yeah, pretty much he introduced me to butt sex and cocaine. You know, <laughs> thank you, Scotty. You know, all at once. We're learning a lot about snotty shit cake <laughs> yeah. in this one. Uh, I love that you uh, posed as a camper too. Oh, like, yeah, I didn't, I never thought of that. That's a great. You look like one. I mean, I, I posed as How a pro easy? snowboarder for a while until I made it, yeah. <laughs> what about, so th- at that point, did you start working as a digger at High Cascade? Short that, that? that next summer, yeah. Jana Mayan, I met through, um, yeah, like, um, I met Jana through, I actually met Jana through Scotty and um, Ami Vutalanen because they were working on Love Hate. And Ami was actually filming for Love Hate, and Jana was filming for it. Met her at this jump. I think maybe had met her through James Jackson earlier, and like, basically, she was a. She was close with James, and she was like, "Yo, I think I could get you a job if you want to be a digger." Hit up James, went down to to Bend, met him, and like worked on some like weird skier super park thing that they were doing. He's like, "Yeah, you and Mills could be diggers." So then, pretty much, yeah, that was like my definitely shift into the like what felt like the industry because like high cascade at that point i i always reference as like college you know you're just like you see it all there there's basically professors which are like the pros the coaches the people coming through they're basically showing you like oh this is what's going on and then there's also all of these kind of like you know other humans who work there in different departments who end up being like these are the editors of the magazines. This is a writer. This is a filmer. This is, and you just team manager. Team manager. That's where I met you. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like so much of the industry lives in those, in those summer camps. So, yeah, 
I was a digger for six summers at, at High Cascade, and, yeah, it was super, you know, um, formative for me. And, and also just hard fucking work is so good for you. It's amazing. It's amazing what that does. Um, you know, I was obviously never in the military, but there's, like, some – I can relate those experiences of, like, being a digger and you just have this like shit fucking job and you share that with these other people and you wake up at five and you go up there and do basically manual labor all day in the sun. And then, you know, I think we were getting paid $8 a day or something. Oh, not even an hour. Yeah. No, yeah. that's what it was. It was yeah. like, it was under 10 bucks, bucks a day, day but yeah. you can yeah. ride. You can ride. And like, you know, for us, we were, we got way more out of that. You know, so many of those kids, it was, it was, you know Curtis and Austin and Mills and and my buddy Paulson and this kid Peter and like all these dudes who like I didn't give a fuck I would have paid to do it you know it was, it was huge but yeah that that have you ever read an, uh, that book Tribe by Sebastian Younger he like talks about he wrote that book War either way he like dives into this this like human condition of being needed you know, and like how much that is once you leave war and you go back to society, like so much of PTSD is based on like not being needed or not needing anyone. And you're just this kind of like random human running through this world with no one really needing anything with you. And when you're in those scenarios of war, like it's very clear that like I'm with Chris, I need Chris, Chris needs me. I have a clear purpose every single day about staying alive and keeping him alive. If something happens to him, it's my responsibility. And this is like a huge kind of, you know, stretch, but I felt that way at camp where you're just like, you're with these dudes. It's very, you know, a lot of people hate on it when they're not in it. Like you guys are fucked. Like it's a gang or whatever, but it's like that gang becomes this weird little family where you're like, yeah, we're in this shit together. And, you know, for me that, that kept going for a long time with Austin and Curtis, you know, like we, we started that in, in at snowboard camp. And then that became like, it went from doing that work to then then going out into the backcountry and being like, yeah, I'm trusting my life with this person. He's trusting his life with mine. Like, um, And you get so much value out of that, you know? But, High-level street snowboarding is like that, too, international travel. Like, you get that, yeah, that bomb, sure. that feeling. Dude, you're in, like, I don't know, Eastern Europe or something. Something goes down, like... Yeah, it's pretty and much. And so they're doing the gnarliest tricks possible. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it's yeah, the same kind get, of vibe. Get people out of hectic situations where they're broken limbs and totally yeah you don't either way that that i mean that's a full that's a stretch but it just that moment was like amazing to be a digger and just feeling like yeah just feeling really connected to other humans and having this like daily goal and whatever shit but i'd like to kind of provide some perspective too because i went on to become a high cascade digger as well but there's there's a few generations before myself right and so when i look from you have like Scotty Whitlake to Nino to oh, to, to me yeah. they're like the OGs yeah, like yeah. and they're all wearing all black and they're intimidating <laughs> and you don't really fuck with them right yeah and then it went on to like you uh, Curtis Austin you know kind of phase two and like Mills I think it was Mills yeah. and yeah. so it's like these guys are P- James Jackson people you don't fuck with they're all ripping they're all wearing black they're going up they're hitting the big jump you don't really fucking talk to them. And and then and then we went on. It just felt like uh, there was there was like almost a bit of a legacy back then of like dudes that like worked really fucking hard, and then snowboarded really fucking hard, 
and they're underpaid and all these things. And I think obviously get a bad rep. All oh, those guys are dickheads. But yeah, um, from my perspective, it was cool. Like I, I looked up to you guys a lot seeing that. Yeah, I yeah. It it again. Uh, there's like there's certain parts of it that I look back on and I'm like, you know, there's embarrassing parts where you're bully, you know, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, part of your job is to bully people out of basically riding this stuff without paying. So, you know, that's also ironic because I also was the person who was living in the parking lot who was sneaking into the park, you know, so it's a little bit of, I don't totally fuck with all those things, but at that time that was part of our shit and we thought it was cool and, yeah, we looked at ourselves as this little pack of like shit stirs and and um I don't know. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I mean, Tonino for sure is like one of those people who like kind of changed the trajectory of my life. You know, you meet yeah, certain humans and he was definitely one of them where I was like, damn, like he has a compelling energy. Like some people might look at it as like mean or bad, but for me like I really love interacting with people who have compelling energy, whether whatever it is, and you go, boom, I can feel this, this person's, um, he's authentic. You know, he's like, I guess it's going back to the punk shit. You interact with somebody who's like clearly themselves and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm like moved by your energy or something, but. We got a Patreon that pertains quick, to this, quick buds? Patreon question, uh, just about your time at Hood, I guess. It's from Josh Fisher. And he says, first of all, thanks for... Fish and air horn, sorry. Give him a quick air horn. First of all, thanks for keeping guitars in video part songs. The Northwest, specifically your time on Hood, seems like a pretty formative chapter for you and your riding. Would love to hear more about that. Yeah, I mean, I guess going back to just being bad, that that was something I learned from Scotty. Scotty is funny because he's a he's a... I think he's an amazing talent, but he always would like basically say that to me where he'd be like, I wasn't as talented as these humans. So I had to work harder. I had to practice. I had to like really, you know, dial in the things I could do on in the moment, because that's what, that's basically where you become a professional is when you can go like, I feel comfortable with you filming me do this, not you filming me try this. So you need to practice a shitload. So you get into a scenario where like, I don't know if you're with Mac Dog or Whitey or whoever it is that you're like, yeah, I'm I'm comfortable that I'm going to do this right now, because there's a difference between trying something and doing it. So he basically would beat that into me of just like practice. Like if you don't think you're the biggest talent, you can make up for that by effort and hard work. So that's how I looked at it. I like I remember one time at Meadows when I was I was probably 19 or something. I rode 78 days in a row. Just like, well, that's a winter, you know, just like I just go snowboarding every single day, rain, whatever. I try tricks and crash and be shitty and just the amount of progression you can have if you can irrationally commit to something, you know, you're just like, yeah, snowboarding is not that hard. You have bindings on. Um, and that was part of summer camp, too. It's like, all right, I'm just going to snowboard all year and practice it's lame because it's like some Allen Iverson we're talking about practice (laughs) but that's what I was like I know that I'm not I'm not one of those people you know you look at the Jeds you look at that type you're just like oh you got it like they definitely practice but it's like you have an ability we're not created equal some people are way more talented than others but it's like I can fucking make up for it with hard work and, like, I actually felt that. I mean, I guess this runs into, like, 
the first real opportunity I ever had was maybe like 19. I get invited to go. It was when Forum Youngbloods was a thing, and Ricky Melnick hits me up, and he's basically like, come to Mount Hood. Um, there's a couple other young dudes. We're going to, like, hang at this house and whatever. Roll up. It's Travis Kennedy, Pat Moore, and Jake Blavelt. Dude, I went snowboarding with those guys the the first day I think of like whenever camp was open. It was during it was during summertime, and I I just left the day being like I'm I don't I don't got it like I don't have this. These dudes they were like top echelon talent. Like where you're just like I I can try my hardest all day to get a clip, but these dudes are operating at a level that I cannot fuck with, and it totally like smashed my idea of being a pro snowboarder in that moment pretty much left the house and was like, I don't even know if I ever talked to Melnick again. Wow. Yeah, I just straight was like, oh, I can't do it. I don't think I can do this that way. I can't just go. I'm not good enough to be around those talents. So then, yeah, I I, uh, I don't know at that point. I guess I just was like living in Gresham and snowboarding. It's getting better, sharpening the teeth. Yeah, sharpen the teeth or whatever. Um did Travis Kennedy have that natural talent? Fuck yeah, yeah of course, yeah. He was like, I actually, I mean, I think of all of them, Blavelt was was the clear yeah. star. Where I was like, damn, this dude's, so, you know, and this is before social media. That was I've child yeah. prodigy too. I don't know who any of these humans are, right? <laughs> yeah, so like, they were so young. I'm telling you the story right now. Everyone knows who those people are. But I rolled up, and I just in the morning, you think we're all these kids, we're all hot shit, and then you go to like a 50 foot park jump. And they are just like reeling shit off. Padded switchback nines on the I always thought part of yeah. Travis Kennedy was also his persona and his energy and his. But this is before he didn't even have that yet. He, before Travis Kennedy went that way, he was just straight like Alaskan talent, like crazy talent. And he just dressed like they did too. Like it wasn't. Oh, they true. were just young blood. Kids. Yeah, he like, hadn't developed yet. Yeah, they hadn't developed. And that's actually like. You know, Pat and I have, like, a very funny relationship. I think it's based on, like, respect at the very baseline of each other, like, loving each other, but definitely, like, kind of always at, like, this weird, like, fuck Pat or, like, fuck Brian, you know? <laughs> and I remember, like, listening to his bomb hole and him talking about hard work, and I'm like, fuck you, dude. Like, you're like a child prodigy at, like, seven sponsored by Red Bull or some shit. Like, like who were we talking about? Pat Moore. He didn't have, he he didn't didn't have, have a bomb hole. Yeah. But he had something. I listened to something where he talked yeah. about hard work or something, okay. and I was like, "Dude, what? Like, I you were like doing switchback nines at like <laughs> fucking whatever. Like, I don't yeah. know." But he is a hard fucking worker. But I'm worker. like, on top of on the top. That's why you're huge because you're a hard fucking worker and a talent. You know. And his mom ran Waterville, and he snowboarded probably every day as a yeah. kid. And so, yeah. But but we're kind of get, we're kind of getting yeah. I'm in the here. weeds. We're in the weeds. Let me yeah. let me bring it back to yeah. Mount Hood though, because I remember watching you as a kid, or not as a kid, as as that in that window where you were snowboarding <laughs> all the fucking time. You know, you're fucking. Four, five years, six years, seven years deep into digging all summer. I remember one thing you used to do. It like always resonates with me. There was a period in your life where it was before there was a rope toe or the whatever you call it, a high cascade, where you just hike jumps, which I actually think there's a gigantic benefit yeah. for hiking jumps as opposed because when you get to the top after hiking, you're like, I'm not doing another fucking warm up trick. No. I'm doing my trick. Yeah. Uh, but but you you would ride Palmer and duck the rope, hit the two big jumps. You would ride the park full speed 
you would straight line Palmer, hit both the big jumps, duck out, and go back to Palmer. And I, I like without stopping. Like you didn't stop before the jump. You rode in. Do you remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why, why were you doing that? That was fucking awesome. I, I don't know. I mean, I think I was disenchanted by like, I don't know the the scene. You know, there's like some level of like, I don't know. You, I liked to keep a little bit. I, I don't know. I like to keep a little bit of like. I don't know, not being too tied in with the rest of camp. Keep and it misty. A little misty. That probably comes from, like, the people that I looked up to. But it also came from, like, I loved being on that mountain. Like, straight up, really, really cherished my time. I think it's something that snowboarders and people who work at that camp maybe take for granted or or maybe just people in general. But it's incredible to to look back for me and be like, holy shit, I spent all day, every day outdoors on this incredible like natural thing you know like the cascades are really weird you know they're a bunch of small mountains with these huge prominent peaks like seven of them or whatever in the cascade range that you're sitting way higher than everything else so your like perspective on the world is amazing so yeah i don't know i think i just also would put music on and just get in my own zone and practice you know i don't know try and at that point probably you're talking about i already knew i was filming video parts and so i was like trying to be as good as i could or something we're gonna take a second and talk to you guys about volcom and the new program talking fit did you take a fit on the floor of the bathroom earlier i did and i actually gotta go back and rewipe yo what's up bomb hole it's juliet here and this is arrow and we're here to talk some serious fit when i'm shredding i like to wear the fern gore-tex pullover and so does arrow this is a sick quarter zip jacket it is insulated and it has a really sick design i like it because it keeps me dry when it's really wet out because it's gore-tex and it has a dope middle pocket for snacks and some dog treats hey buddy i love this jacket i like to shred the at gore-tex pant because they keep me dry they have a loose fit Arrow might like to wear it as a scarf, but the pant version is way doper. I like the black because it evens out my snowboard fit when I'm shredding. The best thing about it is the zip tech that attaches to any Volcom jacket, and it's super dope. So run to your local Volcom store to get some of these. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about the style experience, buds. Canada Snowboard is revolutionizing the big air game with their newest event, the Style Experience, with an integrated style contest component that is the perfect combination of progressive and timeless tricks, Chris. Yep, that one is going to keep the revs high, buds. Watch the best snowboarders in the world chuck carcass at the largest big air contest Canada has ever seen in the winter stronghold of Edmonton, Alberta. It's going down in the Commonwealth Stadium, boasting VIP suite options, private bars, heated tents, a vendor village, and more. Fire this one up on the evening of December 10th, Canada. The style experience is made possible through the partnership between Canada Snowboard and Explore Edmonton, presented by Toyota. Get on your most stylish winter gear and secure a spot at the winter event of the year on Ticketmaster. Okay, Brian, we're back. So uh, we got to talk video part talk. Let's get into filming. Where did it start? First, I'll give it to like, it started with seeing Meltdown Project and just like loving that 
energy and vibe, like I said, Dead Kennedys, the start of that movie. Like, I think it's Joey McGuire driving around this, like, crazy little green bug, like, doing donuts in a parking lot and just feeling like, whoa, this is, like, captivating. So I, like, wanted to be a part of that. Initial, like, straight away, I was like, whoa, this is cool. I, like, this is amazing how I feel. I want to be on the other end of it. And then, uh, yeah, I think I got good enough that, like, Louis Fountain and Scott, Louis was living in Portland and he was um, close with Scotty because I, so then I became friends with Louis and Scotty both and was snowboarding with them a bunch. Louis got me on K2 through this dude, Dan Sorcinelli, who's a rep. I think he's still a rep for K2. Good dude. And get on K2. Oh, this is actually, you're going to love this because I think he's your boy now. 3 a.m., flip phone oh, rings, boom. Open it up. I'm like, uh, hello? Just like someone's calling me at 3. He's like, hello? You know, I'm like, who is this? He's like, it's Ryan Runke. I was like, okay. He's like, I'm the new K2 team manager. I just want to let you know I'm going to make you rich and famous. <laughs> <laughs> 3 a.m. 3 a.m. Runkle. <laughs> and I was like, okay, awesome. Like, talk to you later. <laughs> he didn't call me back for like a month and a half. <laughs> I was straight up like, someone that's the best prank call I've ever got in my life. Like, that is so fucking weird. But either way, so I'm on K2 at the time. <laughs> Scotty's basically like flowing me um uh outerwear through Holden, but like I'm not on, you know, like I'm just kind of like I said, the K2 stuff, like or I mean the forum stuff kind of went away in my own ego of just being like, oh, I'm not there. And then the K2 stuff came and I was like, oh, I can fuck with Louie. And this is like, feels right. And at that same time, um, this is like really beautiful. It like might make me cry. My older brother's like my hero and he's always been like the best, uh, you know, whatever cliche older brother someone could be just like straight has my back so hard all the time. And He's like an academic. He's like a brain. He's a genius. He's like just went that way, college degree, like perfect. You know, he just always succeeded in that realm, and I never really did. But my parents wanted me to go to college, so I had this little college fund. It was like five grand, and I had probably used like a thousand bucks of it to go to community college. At some point, like unbeknownst to me, my brother sits my parents down and is like, "Yo, Brian's in this scenario with these." pro snowboarders that are around him and it seems like he could make this work but like he's not going to make it work working construction and going to community college this is his like this is his college that's actually what he wants to do that's where he wants to go like you guys should give him the rest of that college fund and tell him to use it to try and be a pro snowboarder and like that fully like would not be sitting here without that conversation of him like going to them and like you know tell you know basically just being that dude it's like such a like unthanked job like older brother you know like i didn't fuck i wouldn't i didn't have the brains to even ask for that from them or the way to communicate it so either way they came to me and they're like steve sat us down because they're just the most supporting humans on earth. They're just, Steve sat us down, and he, they, he says you could be a pro snowboarder. Like, we're going to give you the rest of your college fund. Here's four grand. Like, try and do it, buddy. Like, you don't have to work construction now or whatever. Like, 
and that basically kind of coincided with this like moment of I can remember it. I was roofing a house. I was sitting on a roof, got a phone call from Scotty. And he's like, yo, I talked to my homie. Um, he makes these movies called Neo Proto. His name's Justin Niels. And um, yeah, like, again, dude, I wouldn't be here without. He's like, and he says that, like, you could film for their new movie, which ended up being some kind of life. But he's like, so it was that the fall before some kind of life. And he's like, yeah, I talked to him, like, when they said you can be in the movie. So then I basically had this, like, weird four grand that my parents gave me as my, like, chance. Like, it all coincided, like, amazing. Like, I could paint the picture of that roof I was working on, you know, just being, like, got off the fucking phone being, like, holy shit. Like, also nervous as fuck. But, yeah, so then that kind of went into, like, uh, starting to, you know, film. And it's pretty much that that Scotty and Louie going to bat for me and, like, giving me credibility and putting maybe their necks out on the line for me to try and do it. And then, you know, my brother really showing up for me in, like, our household of, like, again, my parents don't didn't know anything about the industry, nor did they give it any value or credit. They have, and not in a negative way, they just are totally so removed from it that it made no sense. So my brother had to, like, you know, put it on a platter, you know? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, he had to sell them. Sell them yeah, he, yeah. Basically. and, like, if you've ever hung out with Steve Fox, he can fucking sell. Well, you like. know, that, I'm guessing, and you'll have to tell us, if it did, him doing that, vouching for you, must have given you that push. Like, would you say it did that? Yeah, Like, maybe. made you feel like, I can, yeah. maybe I can do this. Yeah, maybe I've never thought about it that way. But, yeah, I'm sure, I mean, so much of my life has just been straight looking for validation from him. Like, even if I was telling him to fuck off, you know, all of it is just, like, little brother mm-hmm. vibe of just, like, I just want you to love me, like, so bad. And getting that college fun, that's that's heavy. Fuck yeah. I yeah. mean, it's funny, too, now, like, I remember feeling, like, I I actually think I could live off this four grand for years. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. Yeah, that's what's that's funny. That's, like, 100 grand back when then, you were a kid. Yeah, back then, that's, like, easily 20 grand, yeah. maybe, let's yeah. say. At that age, with yeah. what your bills were. Yeah. Well, let's get into, new. first of all, Neo Proto maybe doesn't get the credit it deserves on this show. Yeah, we got to start giving him more blue, credit. Blue Box, like, fucking changed my life. And then, so, fast forward, some kind of life, you end up having opener. And I'd like to paint a picture for the listeners that don't know you as the Brian you were then, because now you're fucking whacking pow turns, you're going surfing. But back then, you're like front two and handrails, you're fucking jumping on cheese wedges, you're back lipping handrails, switch back lipping handrails. So this is this is a fucking heavy hitting part, and, and you ended up with first. How did that come to be? Yeah, I mean, again, like I said, I was in, I was a practicer. So like summer camp, everything, I was not it's not like I wasn't having fun, but I was straight up like I was running through the tricks of like do the tricks every day, do 270, back lip, learn this, learn that. Oh, that's the thing, learn that. Like, so when that call came out, I was like, let's fuck, I'm down. Like, let's go do this. And uh, my first trip with them was basically Louis. It was like some crazy storm of the century in Reno. Like, everyone saw it. And basically, Louie's like, hey, I'm driving down to Reno. He was filming for some Mac Dog movie. He's like, I'm driving down to Reno. You can get in the car with me. Um, and we basically figured out he's going to drop me off with Pyramid Hondo. Because at that time, too, like, 
Eels then left to go work for, um, to do Burning Bridges or, yeah, I think Burning Bridges. So Eels left. So now, like, even the dude who hooked me up to be in the movie, I'm like, oh, he's gone. Like, fuck. So I meet up with Pierre Minhondo. And first night, like, Louis drops me off with him. We go to this Reno college rail. And um, I think I go, not all the tricks went in the movie, but I went. Front 270 to regular, front 270 to switch, switch front 270 to switch, switch front 270 to regular, switch back lip and back lip. Like, first time filming with Pierre, and I think he was like, like, fuck yeah. You know, I could see him, like, proud dad style, you know, just like. <laughs> Stoked this guy's oh, on yeah, the crew. Like, Here we go. Who the fuck is this kid, you know? And I was feeling like, whatever, leave that rail, go to this other rail, I think Jeremy front 270 is this big like drop off rail, and I did. I think I did back lip and front, front 180 one, switch 50 50 on yep. it. So like first day, I got like five tricks filming for this movie that I think four of them or maybe five four of them went in the film. So yeah, just like it like instantly went to I was just like oh, and because of that too, I think Pierre. Um, you know, because like every project, there's a bunch of filmers. And a lot of the time, the main dude doesn't really know who's getting what. So I think for me, looking back on it, I'm like, first night, I go out with Pierre, the main dude. I get a bunch of tricks. So then at that moment, I think he goes like, oh, fuck yeah. And put, like, energy into me continuing to get shit. So, yeah, I don't know. I, like, I loved Rails. And I love, you know, like, I I I still, you know, I'll, I'll watch the shit of the kids doing the rail stuff. And, you know, um, it's not like I'm anti- rails but yeah at that time i just wanted to be so atv i wanted to have a part that i think probably just for love and scotty or something mm -hmm. you're just like yeah that's i want my part to look well-rounded i want to hit shit but i guess if you're asking about getting first part which is it's like a interesting story the it's august parts the movie's pretty much done and at this time it was all laid out i think i had second or third part nema had first part he had that crazy intro where he's like jumping off the roof or whatever. Is the camera running? Is it recording? Yeah. Start running. Yeah. Uh, so, which is like, <laughs> Nemo is such a good showman, like yeah. incredible, like performer. Um, but either way, like August comes, like movie's pretty much done. The story that I heard, I don't know if it's totally true, that Nima still like ha did end up collecting a first part bonus because he already submitted it because the movie was done. And I go up with Louie, and Louie at this time, because of robot food, was all into these handy cams and, like, filming weird fisheye shit. He used to call it selfish cam, not selfies, because he'd be like, this is my selfish cam. <laughs> you know, like, That's awesome. <laughs> Surprised that never stuck. <laughs> selfish cam. So we just roll around with, like, the selfish cam, and, and that day, he's like, oh, let's go film some stuff. It was, like, once, it was, like, really late in August. The dirt's all on the lips. Yeah, dirt on the lips. It was August. gnarly, and we film all this shit, and we're like, how cool would it be if, like, you do a trick and hand it to me and then I do a trick. And we're just up there like, you know, basically just being kids. Like I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to go try and get clips for my part. I was just like, oh, let's go. We're just filming stuff. Sent all those tapes to Pierre. I never hear anything again about the tapes. I don't know if he uses them. I don't know if he likes them. Come to the premiere. Movie starts. And, you know, for me, it's in San Diego. And like all my high school friends are there. My parents are there. Like, you know, I still have this, like, funny memory. Like, after it, my dad was like, oh, you're in the movie? Like, I thought you were filming the movie. 
Because <laughs> you'd be when saying, you say I'm filming. Going yeah, because I'd be like, oh, I'm going filming. So like to him, he's just like, oh, Brian's a filmer. He's filming snowboarding or something. Whatever. I don't know if that's really true. You know how your memories, like you mm-hmm. create a memory so many times that whatever. Either way, the movie comes on and it's like, ding, 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 and it's like me getting on the lift. And I, at the first moment, I was like, holy fuck, my shit got put in the intro. Like, like had a sink, like a heart drop of like, oh my God, I just got cut out of this movie and I have like a couple intro shots. What the? And then it's like me on the lift, getting out of the lift, doing like Palmer Point, and then it's just, and then it goes into, and I'm like, I think my brother looked to me. He's like, Holy "Fuck, dude, you have like first part," and it was a like crazy moment, you know. Of like, I don't think I cried, but I think I was like, I don't. Yeah, it just felt fucking incredible. And then, you know, this like totally changed my whole career. Also, because I had no career at that point, but it changed the way I looked at everything. It was just like I had second or third part. I put in random fucking effort, like effort on my own outside of what other people are like putting on the platter for me and that have totally affected it if i just wouldn't have done that and just been like i go filming when the filmer tells me to film second third part like maybe whole career would be different maybe you know maybe life would be different that fully changed my like ability to like look at stuff and be like i can affect my surroundings i can affect everything i have the ability to care and that care can can turn into like more. You could have been middle park guy. I mean, I ended up being kind of a middle but park guy. <laughs> that, but that, let's let's lean into that because that's what you're kind of talking about is like almost a DIY approach, yeah. right? Where it's it's not just like I, I went and I filmed myself and my buddy and I gave them the footage. I did it myself. Where the, like the snowboarding generally is, oh, we got no filmer. Shit, we can't do anything. Yeah. We're, my hands are tied. So. I feel like talking about you, DIY is in the fabric mm. of who you are. You know, whether it's, you know, designing snowboards, fucking building a house, building a tiny home, whatever, right? Um, I want you to kind of elaborate on you as a DIY person. Mm, yeah, I mean, it starts with my parents are like doers, you know? Like my dad was a small business owner and my mom was a teacher and we lived in a way that was like, yeah, I think that was, that was supported and loved and, and nurtured into us of just like not being captive to other people's. It's not like what you're given is what you can do. You know, like, I don't know. Hard work was like huge, you know, like very mega in my household of like, I'm not saying hard, hard work reigned above everything, but it was definitely like, this beaming light. Um, and I think, yeah, I took that probably in a creative way of just like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, DIY is like a old, weird, over years tomb. Same with Scotty and Louie. They affected that, you know, like. Um, Punk is in a way DIY kind of? Super, yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, how many amazing albums have probably been recorded with nothing that still affect, you know, millions when... Yeah, so DIY is definitely in my in my I don't know, in the basket of like how I see myself or what what I value. Um and snowboarding for sure is part of that as as far as like success, but yeah. I don't know. 
I like it. I just uh, watched a uh, show on the Sex Pistols. Talk about DIY. Man, these guys couldn't even play instruments when they started. <laughs> they just... <laughs> they just like, fuck it. They just know? like... Yeah, like... Uh, what's his name? Sid Vicious, when he took the job as lead singer from Johnny Rotten, yeah. never played guitar in his life. It was just like, more about... He had to look, so like... I mean, oh, you'll learn. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. They, they yeah, did learn. everything like that. It was crazy. I mean, some of that, yeah. I think that... I think you... You tap on something, which is just like you're learning. Do it yourself probably is like a corny way of just saying like, are you interested and do you desire like to learn? And yeah, I do. Yeah, you figure you like out shit learn. on your own. Yeah, figure, figure it out. Figure it yeah. out on your own, right? That's it's intoxicating like, for it sure. Yeah, yeah, like it's like yeah. whether it's a problem solving deal, like how do I build this deck? Oh, yeah. Fuck. Well, there's luckily there's some asshole on YouTube yeah, that yeah. filmed himself do the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Thank God bless that guy. Gotta yeah. love those but, assholes but, on but, YouTube. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's also that there's in in the same regard, not everybody approaches things like that. So Yeah. Yeah. That film I mean, filming was that was a dream come true. And then, you know, it was it was super lovely for me because that year, you know, I, I had already known Sean McKay and Pat McCarthy. Um and a couple of the other dudes who were filming for some kind of life. And McKay was just one of those characters where, like, he was very older brother, you know? Like, he put me in the car. He taught me, like, basically, yeah, what filming work ethic looked like, what, how the just whole deal worked. Took me to SIA. He basically gave me this little, like, uh, yeah, older brother filmer, like, here you go, buddy. Like, I'm going to... I'm going to help you with that. And that and that honestly like I don't even know if I ever gave him the thanks that he deserves for it. Um but it definitely affected the whole way I looked at younger kids the rest of my career of just like you know, it probably started with Scotty and Louie and those dudes basically like standing up for me and then basically once we were filming it was definitely like Sean McCabe basically being you know, giving of time and energy to somebody else with no um he had no upside to it mm -hmm. you know and that's like that taught me a lot about what it looked like to be like an older dude in a crew and you've gone on to mentor people like i would say maybe blake paul and griffin and and especially mediocre madness like that that era like you, it's yeah. cool you pass that on maybe taxwood you know yeah there's definitely kids that i feel um that i felt really tied to kind of as they were young and i had gotten to a point yeah in that older brother realm where you you're like i can help you and i and i want to and um our industry's so bizarre in that way because as you age um your natural like being wants to cage yourself in and and almost like protect yourself from people taking what's yours you know, you're like, these young kids are going to take my job. They're better than me. They're going to do this. And your natural instinct is to say, like, I'm going to negatively affect their careers to help mine. Like, that's what you – I th I think it at the start it feels like that. With Austin, that was kind of – that was a huge learning experience for me because he was really the first person who I was like, oh, I'm going to call this company and be like, you should film this kid and go out of my way to be like, it's so good. Kind of – full circle went to justin neils and was like yo there's this kid who's a digger who's fucking incredible like you you know we were somewhere we we're in bend i think i'm like you should come meet him we go meet him he's writing half pipe austin's an incredible half pipe writer and he had this like huge dumb helmet on 
<laughs> we leave and I'm like, yo, what do you think? I think like he could fuck shit up. And he's like, we're not filming Helmet Kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and I was, uh, and then obviously like they did. And obviously he went on to be like just an absolutely incredible talent. But it's like a funny, like once he did that and he filmed that first part and he, he had that crazy rise that kind of showed me that like me helping him and being there with him and kind of helping him with contracts or being kind of a mentor. And it actually like uplifting my career and giving me like more than taking from me. I was like, Oh no, actually this is that, that natural instinct is wrong. And the, you get so much more out of helping people um, in the end than caging yourself in and being like, I'm only going to worry about myself and anyone around me. I'm going to try and fuck over so that I can keep my spot on this team. It's like, actually like, no, that the opposite of that will coming from a 30, 39 year old professional snowboarder. Like I've probably helped like eight kids who should probably have rationally taken my job and got me fired. Like, it's not what happens. It actually is like those kids then become the ones who go to bat for you or those are, you know, like it's a, it's, it is a beautiful little cycle that I hope that those same kids pass on where they're just like, no, I, I have seen that it doesn't ruin you. It helps you. If you do it selflessly, yeah. it's going to come back tenfold. Yeah. And then if you do things for the wrong reasons, it's going to come back the other way. And yeah. you can see it out there with certain people. Dude, it's hard though. It's a weird, it's a very strange industry and there's so, we're like, so intoxicated by ego that it's very hard to manage it, it and we're not none of us are educated in it maybe more now the kids are than we were but like we're given no no tools at a young age to no manage ego to yeah no shit. self no no uh introspection no just like oh fucking everybody's gassing us up well fucking i must I'm, be the shit oh i'm the shit and <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's either way. It gotta so. be the shit. I mean, everybody's telling us that we are, so it must be true. Yeah. No, but uh, that's that's awesome. I, I have another uh, huge, huge talking point. This is huge. Maybe the biggest talking point on the entire sheet. Mm. Spinning off the toes. <laughs> Front side off the toes. Yeah. Kind of a kind of a dying art. Uh, especially dead. when you're filming. But yeah, it's pretty much dead. No, Sage is fucking with it lately. I think actually some of the new kids are. I've yeah, the new kids people, are bringing yeah. it back. Can you discuss for the layman listeners, like, what's up with that? Yeah, so basically, you know, standard operation of spinning is you enter the runway of a jump on the opposite edge of what you're going to take off. So if you're going to spin back backside, you enter the the, you know, the flat bottom of the convexity or whatever on your heel edge and then you transfer to your toe edge and spin off your off your toes backside the other way front side whatever where this is kind of the opposite you enter on your heel side and once you get to the edge of the lip you commit like your chest and body towards the lip which also feels like very frightening to like start putting energy and like and and kind of pressure like this is how you catch your edge. Like, you know, like everything that you've learned riding down the hill is like, this is not how you face your body to the mountain while applying pressure to edge. Um, but I think that was probably from Louie and Travis Parker. They mm. were like huge toe edge spinners. And um, Travis Parker, like, I mean, robot food, but I think his last part in standard 
when he was just like going absolutely insane, like whatever. So yeah, I just learned to spin off my toes and um I think even at that time it was kind of like not standard. Well, like it was like early days, toes was a standard issue. Mm-hmm. And Does then just when, 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 he, when heels came out, heels was definitely the the cool. like who, heels was cool. Yeah. Like heels is like yeah. new school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically all the dope dudes were spinning heels. Mm-hmm. And then and then you kind of brought the toe pop out of out of, out uh, of retirement. retirement, yeah, toe yeah. pop. I like that. It like um, it feels fucking incredible. Is that like, what it there's, is? Yeah, there's no there is no other like way of spinning that feels as good as like perfect, especially like perfectly groomed medium hard lip, medium hard. Um, when you apply like the right amount of pressure, you get crazy pop because you're loading torsionally your board up. You're loading it up so much onto your back foot with your front foot, like twisting your front foot into the to the lip itself. And then the second your front foot goes off, it like <laughs> ejects. You're probably off popping lip. off oh that torsional God, yeah. flex. Do you dude, remember huh? shots of V-Lay? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Dude, V-Lay, when V-Lay would spin off his toes, I only filmed with him a couple of times, but homie would drop, I'm not exaggerating, halfway down the run-in because he popped so hard. Everyone else would drop from wherever. He would go halfway down and go just as far, just popping off his toes. It's got to be that, um, like, torsional flex oh, energy. Yeah. yeah, you're, like, just, you're loading the board up. Um, yeah, loading. In a wild way. But yeah, cool. it, it, it ended up, the way that my career went and going to Canada and hitting so many drop jumps, it pretty much, like, faded out of my rapport because, like, drop jumps, you just barely are moving and you're not going. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so. Still to this day, I'll, like, hit random old homies, like, Fucking front seven off the toes, dude. Sick. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about union bindings. Everybody knows they're the best bindings. That's a fact. Okay. I run the union forces. They're great right out of the box. Nice medium flex. You know who else runs them? Buds? I, I ride them. Well, Stony Buds and of equal caliber, Travis Rice. <laughs> yeah, very equal. Yeah. So T Ricky runs them. <laughs> and you know, if T Ricky's running them, they got to be the best. Yeah. So uh, if you're interested in picking up some union bindings, head on over to their website. They also got split board bindings. They're the best for going downhill, in my opinion. In my extremely, I'm the best split board in the world opinion, I would use... Uh, the best for going uphill. The Explorer. They're the best for going downhill. Downhill. Because, you know, some split board bindings are really good for a quick transition, and maybe they, their functionality is not as great uh, on the way downhill. You can't trust Where unions them. are the best for going downhill. Facts. Anyway, if you're interested in picking up some union bindings, head on over to their website. They got their whole new line available now. Okay, Brian, let's get back into it here. We got a guest question from none other than your brother, Stephen Fox. Oh, shit. Hey, bomb hole. Big love to all y'all. Brian, one time when you were a kid, you were staying at Johnny AZ's cabin in Big Bear, and you and a famous person made a special recipe for your fellow house guests. Who was it? What'd you make? And what happened? That's good. Hi, Steve. Um, yeah, I think I'm probably like 17 at this time. And when Mills and I would go to, uh, after my brother moved away and I had my license, we would stay at my homie Johnny AZ's house in Big Bear. And he was close friends with the Whites. 
Sean, Jesse. He was close with Jesse, but obviously then Sean and Carrie. Yeah. Um, and I think it was for a Vans Triple Crown. Their family was staying there. Jesse, Sean, and Kathy, Sean's mom, myself, and uh, Mills. And, uh, yeah, we were at the store. And I was kind of a shit kid. Like, not – I wasn't bad, but I definitely – Loved to like kind of push people and be a little bit annoying, whatever. And I, we're like walking down the aisles, and uh, I like walked by X Lax, and I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, and I knew that they were the people who were staying at the house were gonna make cookies. So I go to Sean. He's like a little kid. I think he's two years younger than me. So I'm like, I'm like, "Yo, should we buy some X Lax and X Lax everyone in the house?" And he's like, "Yeah, let's do it." <laughs> Making whatever, slip X Lax in the in the cookie dough. Everyone eats it but him and I. He wakes me up crying at like two in the morning, like, I feel guilty, dude. I think I'm gonna tell my mom. And I'm like, do not tell your fucking mom, whatever. To wakes his mom up. His mom still hates me this day for sure. Like everyone gets the shits. Some <laughs> other dude was staying there who was like in the van's triple crown. And, like, I think fucked up his whole contest. Like, couldn't do the contest because he was, like... <laughs> he fucked up this guy's career, yeah. dude. And then homie, like, also fucked up. Then Sean wins the contest. Like, <laughs> oh! So, like, I don't know. X lacks the competition. Pro tip. Mom, That's though. a pro yeah. tip. And then, yeah. Kid, yeah. Uh, and then his mom hate me ever since. That's actually a too. boss move. You go to, like, uh, let's say you're competing... Oh, yeah. ...at fucking... Bank Slalom. Do, ...do tour, Bank Slalom. stay at the Oakley House yeah. like, oh, just get everybody. Like, open up all the... The Gatorades that are oh, in the yeah. like uh, communal area, yeah. dump a little X lax. Dude, all I gotta be honest, that's a low blow though. Yeah, it's pretty X, heavy. When X lax, yeah. kind of a dick move. Yeah, yeah. definitely. X lax, and there's certain things you just don't do. You don't put acid in people's yeah. food. Yeah, and yeah. Drink. You don't put mushrooms in their yeah. spaghetti. No, I regret it. Psychedelic. You know, you don't X lax people. Yeah. But whatever, you were kidding. Yeah, Sean and I did it. You still, if you do something like that, you don't tell your mom either. No, that's what I said. You fucking narc. Go you, to the you grave like, with you. You take shit. that to the grave. Yeah. All right, we're going to get into your video part resume here, Brian. Oh, snap. So let's just run through it because it's pretty fucking heavy, dude. We got a lot of videos. So we got Some Kind of Life, the inaugural offering from B-Fox. Then you got into People, We're People too. Down With People, Nice Try, and Cheers. And then I think there's the VG era, which you had Enlightened, Last Ones, Retrospect. Uh, and then you have SFD. Mm-hmm. And then there's kind of a bunch of T movies that are a little like a little bit more of a gray area because they're yeah. But there's parts you know you have yeah. Nitro hyped, Bad Seeds, Boom, Offline, Vominos, and then you had Quicksilver, Toddcast, Week of Privilege, Take It Easy, something else on the internet, Depth Perception. But those are you know there's a those are a lot of there's a lot of tricks in those videos. You, you were kind of throwing down tricks for a long time. Uh, I got a couple notables that jump out at me. Mm. Do you have any you want to talk about? <laughs> As far as tricks or as far as, like, video parts? Notable. Just either way. Whatever. Uh, no. I mean, I think generally I was just trying... I was pretty methodical about filming a video part. I, kn I knew what it took, and I knew, you know, what you would need. Um, I think we were on, like, 25 shots would be our, like... You get 25, and you're pretty much guaranteed a, a full part. But then, you know, you're all... Also, like I said, that other shit affect me. So we're always trying to film like weird stuff to like almost like pad it. <laughs> Just like I could get a couple of these things, a couple of those things. But I don't know. I don't like that period of life was very like 
film part, you know, is so singular of just like you just travel around for the five months and you just try and do every single trick you can. And, you know, um, different than like, it was li interesting listening to PMAC where he, he was cognitive of like, I have all these other little things that tricks could go to. So I'm going to film like a million cab fives and a million front threes or something. I was a little bit more of like, have that, have that, do that, have that. Like maybe I'd have a couple repetitive tricks, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, those times are like beautiful, but also probably like the least dynamic of, you know, of my like career or something. Cause it was like, Oh, go do the tricks that you can do. Yes. Before you really found out who you were and fell deeply into your authenticity, not that you weren't, but it's interesting to watch the evolution because I was watching, you know, uh, some kind of life and you're riding like a pink K2 board with a pretty fucking heinous graphic. Like, oh, yeah. and, and it's like, I'm like, Brian wouldn't be caught dead because it's like this big old weird wonky K2. And then you kind of evolved into like finding yourself. But then I believe it was enlightened. I just remember being around you. That was at that point in your life. I think I was maybe spending a little bit more time with you. Yeah around then and i think that was a was that your breakup year yeah so yeah. that that was a breakup part and i i want you to talk about like how, i don't know i i have a breakup part myself but kind of like reflect like the song and everything reflects where you are at that point in your life yeah that's interesting i don't even know if i've ever thought about it that way but yeah i had a serious partnership and uh you know she she's amazing and she was amazing and you know we don't keep in touch but it was was a huge part of my young life you know partnering with her and um she had desires that i i wasn't mature enough to like really see and we went our own separate ways and um yeah maybe maybe that part did reflect some some pent-up something but i i don't know i i think i always took filming pretty serious that one probably just has a little bit more like edge to it because I, I would you know i was sad i was super sad and let's get into sfd because i remember you did uh that one you launch a front end double in yeah that was like just a um i think at that point i knew i was falling out of love with like um repetitive trick performance you know i already knew where i was like dude what i've been doing the sa this same gig for so long like what is the point like I just kind of felt like man this is yeah I just wasn't really but then the double cork came and everyone's like can you do it in my moment and I was like all right fuck it I'm gonna go film a double cork was that a jump that it was good for did it and then I don't know if I'd say that was like the last part that I really did tricks in but basically um and I don't know if I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but maybe a little bit of like a bookend of where I was just like, okay, I don't know, do the nines, do the tens, like what? Not what's the point, but it's kind of just, I also then started being like, how could you entertain people without the twirly birds? Like, can you make things that are compelling without following the exact same guidelines as these video parts that I've been filming and then everyone's been doing for 30 years? Like, can I still inspire people and make art that I think is is worthwhile without just following what even just this community tells me I have to do to be pro. And probably, like, now that's where my homies and the kids definitely talk shit to me. I'm just like, cool, go ride down the mountain. And I'm just like, 
I'm just at the point where I'm looking at this different than you. And I can totally take that on the chin of like, yeah, I'm not, I'm just not doing that. But, um, I still feel like I'm living in a place where like I'm expressing what the mountains mean to me and what, how I interact with them. I feel really, I personally feel like I'm in love with it in a way that maybe I wasn't when I was trying tricks. I love it. You well, got the general public too. What are they identifying with? You know. Yeah, I mean, as far as like work wise, it's it's wonder. Like brands love it, and the consumer loves it. It's more like we live in an insulated community that very insulated. Yeah, like everything we are trying to do is for us. It's just like I want to improve. Like yeah, your your five ten friends. Yeah, or just like the people that you snowboard with or are around. You know, like I'm obviously a shit talker, so. Most of my friends in the industry are also shit talkers. Right now, I'm currently pretty easy to shit talk on. Of like, cool, dude. Like, you just go ride down the mountain. Like, right on. And then know? somehow it makes you so much more valuable. Well, <laughs> you're also these videos get more traction than the quote unquote yeah. trick porn videos, I mean, right? Look, like, if you, look how the, many freaking boards this guy has. Yeah, he's got a goddamn fucking. <laughs> he's got about forty boards just, every just year. Imagine with what Milo Pro Sale imagine must what look that like. Royalty dude. check looks yeah, like. Dude, Holy that royalty shit. check. The guy's got. This guy's got uh, seven colors. He's just picking single-handedly put Nitro out of business with yeah. that royalty check. Exactly. How did they even do that? Yeah. Well, uh, let, yeah. Let's talk uh, video part. You know what it's time for, bud? Oh wow! Name that video part. Name that video part is presented by Mammoth Mountain. If you're looking to get after it and want to sharpen your teeth, get those repped up, reps up, get that practice up, as Brian likes to call it. You know, learn anywhere from a, your first straight air all the way up to a uh, 2100. You could probably do it at Mammoth. If you don't want to do tricks, so much terrain to just ride around <sighs> and uh, try all these seven boards out. There's yeah. a hole in the earth that you can ride through at Mammoth. There, there really is. Yeah, so a little keyhole. There's a little keyhole. It's a giant it. mountain with so many parks, so much terrain. I heard they're going to rename the mini pipe to Stony Buds' little uh, playground of uh, unofficial half pipe. There's unofficial. People put signs up that says Buds' little mini pipe. Buds' so. mini pipe. Yeah. So if you're interested in doing some snowboarding, be sure to head out to Mammoth. It's especially good in the spring when it's slushy. You can do Same. anything there. Pre-season, spring. Yeah, getting ready for the winter. It's always yeah. good. So, uh, you know, Mammoth supports us. You should support them. Great mountain. With that being said, it's time to get into Name That Video part. Now, Brian. 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. <laughs> this is big for your core score, Brian. Yeah. If you don't get this, your core score could plummet. Yeah. Well, it doesn't matter because you just, like, give people little... Like, yeah, even if I get it wrong, you're going to give it to me. So this then guy's I get the, it the meatball yeah. tosser yeah. over yeah. here, just it's throwing true. meatballs it's around. True. It's not that fun when you look over at the person and they're bewildered. And everyone and loses. And, yeah. Yeah. I actually do hope I have no clue who it is. All right. I don't think it's a meatball, but here we go. All right. Someday, No idea. Did a skateboard part? So I didn't give you a fucking meatball. Wow, dude. This guy, he went hard on you, dude. I don't think it's that hard. I would have been able to get that. But I also wanted maybe a little more well-versed student of the game. Dude, you're like a encyclopedia what, of the game, uh, dude. 
Oh no, I'm not. No, now you're, you're not giving me shit. Oh, you know whatever it is. You're not even gonna I'm not giving him a fucking bone. I'm gonna watch him sweat. I'm watching him sweat. I'm good. I don't know who it is. You're gonna make him squirm. Ten out of ten over here. You don't want me to lead a horse to water, Mister Ten out of ten. Give him something. Dude. Ten out of ten. I'm not. He doesn't get the prize pack. Okay, no prize pack, but give him something. All right. Just to try to redeem his name. Um. Well, it's a Whitey movie. Um. I mean, I've seen that, all that, Whitey if movies. You, if you're and that listening does to that, you're, you're, there's somebody sliding down a concrete down flat down ledge mm. in that clip. Uh, he may or may not have worn a Freddy Krueger. Yeah, I know who it is now. <laughs> Play it again? Dude. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You must know who it is now. Someday, I mean, you're going to say this is a Whitlake part. That is a Whitlake part. I can't place it personally. I think you're wrong. Oh, wow. That's Whitlake and Brainstorm, brother. Play it again. <laughs> Play it backwards. That's that Tahoe Hubba leg. Yeah, no clue. Yeah, it's Whitlake and Brainstorm. Here's your here's your stupid pack. <laughs> Take your stupid pack. You've upset him today. <laughs> no, really. I honestly like right now I'm thinking like so deeply about yeah. thank you. This does look amazing. I love free stuff. There's a lot all, of nice stuff, kinds of in, stuff there. in there. A lot of I'll cool stuff. That'll in be there. available at the Milo Pro Sale. All of the items in that bag. That'll be available. Oh, at the I'm Milo. like way too much of a capitalist <laughs> to go in such a competitive space to go to the Milo. Yeah, Pro yeah, Sale. Too, the market too saturated. Cheap. Yeah, market yeah, saturated. True, too cheap. dude. That's a... damn. That is tripping me out though because so you're saying that's brainstorm. So you're saying. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, I it definitely has to be a Whitey movie because it's got the like fake. Skate what was this little skit going on? So he board slides the hub. There isn't a skit in this one. I don't. Well, think. He didn't get a skit. No, I thought brainstorm was all uh, dreams they were having. Uh, fuck, I don't remember. I actually just Are you scrubbed sure through. Brainstorm? It is brainstorm for sure. He he basically. I watched most of the part. He front three no grabs a cliff step down. It's amazing. He does like the double slide on the wooden rail. And then I think he just transfers to one. Yeah, that's the cover of Brainstorm, the wooden rail. Yeah. No, that's the that's actually the double slide down the huge Oh, that's right, man, the double slide. No, 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 that's a different part. You're, you're, that Brainstorm is the cover. It's like, isn't it in here somewhere? No. All right, cut. We'll pull up the part right cut. now. We're going to cut for a second here. Brainstorm's cover, though, is the giant double rail. Fucking yeah. Christ. Freddy Krueger, he's got like... Yeah. Here we go. I'll pull this shit up. God damn it. Is the double rail in this there? This guy can't be fucking... Here's Brainstorm. Okay, let's find Scotty Whitlake. What's the skit? Oh, dude. I'm so sorry. This... You're... You're... Um... This is wrong because it's online. Well, it's not this the is, right. This is not his part. Not the right. Not the original song. No. <laughs> this, the music's dead. Dude, I'm, I'm, I'm. This is dubbed in music. This is not the part. I, I'm sorry, but like, <laughs> this this is a this is a cover of my way. This part is a cover of my yeah, way yeah, my by way. the Sex Pistols. By the Sex Pistols. I did it my way. Like, and he's got, he's walking up the camera with oh, the yeah. blood. Yes. Oh, yeah, because you're like, it's like, you're like. Boom, motherfucker, <laughs> dude. Is this the first time Cut I'm going to break the third wall? Third fucking you're wall. Right. Is that what it, is it? Boom. 
Boom! Is that the beginning when he's like, fuck you? Yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. And so he's, that, dude, so he's on not, his way into like yeah. a fucking correctional facility. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that it is a different song. I yeah. was tripping too because that's my favorite movie, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I, I ripped it off of YouTube. You so motherfucker, you know I was tripping. I, was I literally like, was <laughs> questioning. I was questioning my whole existence and love for Scott. I'm just like, so you're telling me that Scotty has a fucking minor threat song? Like, what? Like that must have been like the song got yanked and then they reissued yeah, they it re-issued. and then they put that one up. But that's not the original. Yeah, I don't know a lot of movie yeah. songs and yeah. that's like my favorite movie. Yeah, because that, like, that, that, normally what, at the beginning you, it's got a totally different intro and he's like, "Fuck you." Yeah. Okay. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, all right. I remember this now. Crazy. Okay, that's my fault. Hey, yes. hey, hey, that's I fucked up. He was calling himself more well-versed student of the ten game. out of ten. Oh, twenty out of twenty. This is twenty twenty vision. This motherfucker doesn't even know. Right, he and fucked me up. He fucked Chris me up. Chris said cut, but this is going in. Yeah, it's all going in. It's all going in. It's all going in. People are gonna love oh, it. Damn. All right. You know what? I fucked Yo, up. Hey, I'm gonna tell a little quick story about that double rail. Scotty told me a story because I asked him about it. It tripped me out. I was like, damn, dude, that's so weird. Like, why the fuck would you go hit that thing? He's like, oh, it was right when I was hanging out with maybe... He used to film with Brad, I guess, the most. Oh, yeah. Brad Kramer. Brad Brad Kramer. Kramer. And then this, I think, Whitey was in town. And they're like, you got anything you want to hit? Like, we should go film something. And Scotty's like... He's like, I know this rail I want to hit, but I guess the people who lived at that house were always there, so there's never a time. He's like, yeah, so we'll go check it out, but there's there's always people there, so I probably can't hit it. Just like totally, at least the way he told me the story, he's like, yeah, I just knew I couldn't hit it, but I'd look badass to Whitey. Yeah, because it's some gnarly rail. He's like, do we roll up? Straight up, the people from the house drive away, and they're like, perfect, they just left. It's your time to hit it. And he was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> And then obviously Still one of the heaviest wow, films today. Yeah, what a, Who what shot a that? Rail. Who shot that? Do we know? Andy Wright. Andy did? Yeah, yeah. Andy That's Wright. That's one of the most iconic photos dude. of all time. I mean, there's yeah, a lot of he, photos. Dude, Scott really operates in a, like a very small niche of snowboarding. I think that you can compare to Mark Frank, where like very few humans in our industry are like such a like force of like unique character that you're like, yeah, you can't fake that. You can't be that other than, like, living in that. And that that picture, like, to me, feels like the personification of him, just like Freddy Krueger, yeah. double wood. No, that's like, metal. Dude, that, that was metal. No, that's double no, wood. wood. Dude. That the one wood. that goes down that to the water. Wood. That's you're why thinking it's happy so hour. crazy. So happy hour is when he fucks oh, his yeah, face Oh, yeah, the double wood. I know yeah. the double wood one. Yeah, double yeah, wood is Freddy Krueger. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, like, that's the brainstorm cover. Nobody was even sliding yeah, yeah. sideways on wood yeah, at that point. Oh, yeah, that was psycho, dude. Psycho. Yeah, 100%. Deadly. I don't even know if he landed. Like, they cut when he, like, hits the ground. It was so quick. We got part two and name that video part. This is for our listeners. If you know the video part, uh, we pick our winner on Instagram. So comment on the photo of Brian's ugly face. Uh, Beautiful face. When we his episode comes out, we'll post a thumbnail picture. First person to comment, the song gets a prize pack. It will be nothing similar to the prize pack yeah. Brian received. It will be very mediocre. couple stickers. Um, don't get your hopes up. Here we go. Yeah, three stickers maybe. Great video part. Okay, thank you guys for playing. Yeah, but also like... <laughs> Name that video part. Name that video part. 
make the, sure to fact check. This guy just won name that video part. He did. He than, fucked me up. Better than anyone has ever won it. He fucked me up. What a, what a beautiful oh. day today is. Damn. I got to take that one on the chin, boys. That was a, I'll take a big old L. On Dude, that. I was going big straight. L. I was. You don't know how depleted I was mentally in that moment of like, holy fuck. I thought there was a Mandela effect going on or something. I didn't know what was going on. <laughs> I think there was a conspiracy theory conspiracy about it. Conspiracy theories, dude. I was like about ready to put a tinfoil hat on over here. You know what I think it's time for, buds? I think uh, it's the time to talk about energy drinks with this guy. Oh, yeah. Let's get into it. I heard you're a humongous fan of fan. all of the energy drinks. Yeah. No. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, there's. I think most people either who have been a fan of mine for long enough know that I'm not. <clears throat> I don't know. And again, it's like funny now, like saying all this stuff, it comes from probably my influence as a child of kind of pushing myself away from stuff on purpose and then also punk music and then Scotty and Louie. You know, Scotty and Louie both are people who operated their careers like very inside of their own box, comfort level, what they, you know, neither of them can you ever point to anything that that I think they would have said was outside of their, you know, morals and ethics or whatever. So I was influenced by them and... Yeah, I don't know. I just think that stuff is straight trash. I think everybody who takes the paycheck agrees. I think everybody in the industry um, wouldn't fuck with it without the money. And and that, to me, is gross, especially when the end game is to try and um, mostly influence, like, people who can be influenced, which... Sometimes they're children. Sometimes they're people who have like a lower education level. Sometimes it's just based off idolatry for like these false gods of like whether it's pro athlete or, you know, whatever it is. So for me being a position where I know what my job is, which is like I connect myself to a brand, my likeness, and I know that I am being used by them to sell their product to people. That is my job. There's a bunch of other ways I can justify it, but at the end of the day, if you are taking money from an energy drink and they are using your likeness to sell their product and you know that this product is fucking terrible for human beings and extremely terrible for children, I, like, it still baffles me that it's so prevalent. Like, honestly, like, and it's corny as fuck. All of them are corny. Corny. Like, I... I don't I don't know there is no upside to it. There's a bunch of stuff that you can rationalize and be like, oh, this thing's cool, that thing's cool, whatever. But the only upside is for their promotion. It's just like they pump money into the industry. I would argue that our industry is like hurt by the fact that all those shitty, like lame companies pump money into it because then it makes us less attractive to legitimate companies. Because you look at it and it's like juvenile, it's lame. Every best dude has some dumb shit on their head. They look corny. Like, it's just not... I don't think that it's a good look for our industry, even if, you know, like... Fuck, when I was watching... Um, I don't know who Stan came on here, and he was, like, kind of propping out that energy drinks, like, help support the industry. What would it be without him? I'm like, I think that the industry would be way fucking healthier without him. I, I yeah I don't know I'm going on a rant obviously but I I have never sat down with anyone who makes a good argument 
for it, for supporting energy drinks. Nor have I ever seen a person who rode for an energy drink, got fired or quit, ever support them ever again. Ever wear their logo ever again. Ever have their product in their house ever again. I mean, I've seen some dudes take three sips to get a little energy and put it put it down. <laughs> I've seen that recently, all right, all right. actually. So, so what about, like what, what about the, the fact of the matter of people being able to buy live, a house, buy a house, snowboard without having to work a job for just putting a fucking sticker on their head? Not everybody has seven pro models. But do you think it's chicken or the egg? Like, like, like I listened to... Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, I get it. Like, I have kids that I love immensely. Like, half of that list that you just rifled off now ride for energy drinks. And, yeah, it pains me. And, yeah, at the end of the day, I want them to be supported and, and financially paid for their skill and ability and what they're putting into the industry. And I get it. And I, I understand that argument. But my argument is like long run, that's actually you're doing harm to your image. You're doing harm to what we are, which is like we are just tools to promote something and people need to believe you. Like for me, I think the majority of my success in this industry has come from people believe me. They know that I love it. They know that I'm invested in this. They know that I care about whether it's kids or movies or brands, like the brands I work for, they know that I care about who I've partnered with. Like, and for me, when people are like, well, I need to get money. I need to do this. I'm just like, well, you're you're doing the wrong thing then because you instantly now look corny and you look like it's paid for. It's not in your heart. So yeah, my argument is like, you're doing yourself a disservice by selling so much value for for a short amount of time and, and like a, not that much money. I think your code of ethics are very strong and I respect the ever living shit out of you for your code of ethics, but also not everybody has the same code of ethics as you. And I think that's okay. Oh, fuck. Yeah, dude. You know, I don't, the, one thing yeah. I'm okay. Let me just, let me just say like, <clears throat> I'm sitting here and preaching and whatever. And yeah, I have my code of ethics the end of the day, I walk to their house, I give them a hug, I love them with all of my heart, and I will still do anything for them. That doesn't change. What I'm saying is, like, I think that shit being corny and bad for your image is bad for your career. I'm not just saying, like, hey, this shit's bad, don't do it. I'm saying, like, I'm looking at it long run. I'm 39 years old. I've been paid to do this since I was 21. Like, if you want, this can be a really long game. And if you think short-sighted, it will be short. So my argument is like, no, take this very serious of who you partner with because it matters. It really, really matters if you want to do it for a long time. And that came from Louis Fountain, straight up. He, at some time, I got an offer where I was going to leave quick, and I went to him, and I'm like, dude, what do you think I should do with this or whatever? And he's just like, you need to decide if you want to get paid a ton of money for three years or you want to get paid some money for 20 and when he put it that way, I'm like, I'd rather get paid some money for 20 and be able to do this because I want the, I want the life and I want the free time and I want, I want to look myself in the mirror and be proud of the decisions I've made 
are like inside of me, not this short sighted of like, oh, that might be really good for right now. So my bank account looks really dope right now. Like, I, I don't know. You want to be a lifer. Yeah. But what about all the insane projects and contests that have been funded? Like, that's what I think cool for the industry, you know, like some of the best of the best. I mean, all of it. X seems Games, like. Dew Tour. Yeah, Real Snow. I mean, Art of Flight, right? I mean, that's got Red Bull money, right? Dude, unpopular opinion. Yeah. I think X Games and Dude Tour are corny as fuck. I don't Real think Snow, like, changed the game maybe too far. Care. but I don't I, think Real Snow is of... not funded by well, energy drinks. Dude, I'm just well, saying, look, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I see all of that. Like, dude, I've been benefited by it. Yeah. I went to Travis's contest. I went to Ultra Natural. Like, I went to a Red Bull contest. Got I got third. I have a check. Got third. <laughs> I have a check from Red Bull Didn't for, cash? for $7,500 that I cashed. Oh, you cashed. And I printed drink water sweatshirts with. Sick. <laughs> you know? So it's like. Yeah, that's kind of fire. <laughs> that's fire. The, that's like some Robin Hood shit. Yeah, that's kind of fire. You know what I like, though, is when. Lately, Would our industry be healthier without that corny shit? This is like, see, would we be, would we still be relevant in, in culture? <laughs> like, dude, we've turned action sports into the shit well, that no one is. What we had when we when I looked at Meltdown Project and felt captivated by it, dude, that's it's this whitewashed, corny ass fucking X Games now. I like when these cut like Red Bull comes to people and they're like, "You got an idea? We are gonna put everything behind you to make your idea happen." Like that to me is really cool. Do you know where they get the money? I mean, selling Red Bull, right? To who? Idiots. Here's Kids. yeah, people who are uneducated. Like we talk about all of this yeah. shit of uplifting all these different classes to be aware of like. How I mean, privileged we are, life, and though. what I mean, and, look at and, alcohol companies, fuck yeah, I'm with cigarette you. companies. I'll, I'll go I mean, in on all of yeah, them. Yeah, there's a million different. That's just I, I know. Human. I'm dude. I'm no, in no, the worms. Yeah. Like, no, this is good. I, I have a. I have a. I'm. I'm just playing devil's advocate because this is yeah. fun, and and I think I really fucking respect the hell out of your yeah, take. I think so, it's amazing. So I'm, but I'm. I'm gonna just fucking play devil's advocate because it's fun. And it's, I'm good. I'm good. We'll I'll argue all day. So like, all right, so just take snowboarding, zoom out on it, right? You're talking about is snowboarding better on a grander scheme, right? So the reason why certain events take F1, right? F1 is huge because F1 has gigantic sponsors that come in and pay millions and millions of dollars to put F1 in front of people, right? And then they have these presenting sponsors that fund F1. Now, as it trickles down below that, you have action sports, right? And so for the major events in action sports, you have X Games and Dew Tours. Those are the marquee events aside from the Olympics. Without those events, right, with our, our marquee sponsors happen to be in the energy drink space. So you take those away. We don't have people funding those marquee contests. And what I think the good of those marquee contests are is they take the kid that is doesn't know they they put snowboarding in front of somebody who might not otherwise see snowboarding now they might see that and say wow i just saw sean white do a fucking 1440 i think snowboarding's cool i'm gonna try it to to the person that's just a weekend warrior so i think on some level of putting snowboarding in front of a broader audience to grow the sport i think fundamentally growing the sport they have had an impact on what we do i'm not saying I'm not going to say the positives and negatives of it, but that is an effect of 
energy drinks coming into our space. Absolutely. No, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying, and I clearly have, like, put my head in the sand of, like, this is where Brian stands on the matter. And I'll continue to be there by saying, like, that's why people don't dress like skateboarders or snowboarders or surfers anymore is because the culture has been so washed out into this, like... good point. Sell it to whoever will give it to you, like some fucking rock star. Like that's why it's it's why it's not relative or relevant anymore to like people wanting to really tie themselves to it because like oh it's pretty fucking corny, and I guess it's fine. What are you gonna do? But for me, I think that's a dead argument. Like all the power is in our hands to promote this however we want. And if it doesn't reach as many people, but it's it's more powerful and the people who do associate with it are actually affected by it and it might change their life. Like I'd prefer people to have their lives changed by this activity than just a bunch of medium level interests. Like, yeah, I watch F1 on Tuesday sometimes and I, they don't care about F1. They just want to be moderately entertained. Like I would rather have this culture be so authentic that it really drives people who connect with it and maybe it's less people maybe half the brands go away and maybe monster and all these people leave because it's not you know linking up with their numbers that they need for viewers but to me that's fine i honestly like i think that it has done way more harm than help to any of these people like you don't think travis would still be fucking shit up without red bull he'd figure it out He's like the most passionate, driven human ever. He would figure it out. He would get something else or he would now, dude, crowdfund it. Like to me, whenever, sometimes when I go heli with him, like, you should sell these seats. Like just don't even have sponsors. Just like a couple times a year, go to Alaska, sell the rest of the seats. You'll, pay, you'll get paid more by some Silicon Valley dude to come sit here and watch the most incredible damn, shit. I was a billionaire. I'd do that. Yeah, right. Straight up. Just one of those Russian billionaires. Just like, straight hey, up. Like, that's a really good point, dude. So that, for me, I'm just saying, cool. like, what is this desire to, like, unnaturally grow forever so that every human on earth will know what snowboarding is and maybe do it three times? And I just don't see that as, like, a culture that is what drew me in. And it has gotten to that now where, like, I look at a bunch of the stuff and I'm like, fuck, like, I don't even associate with that anymore. I don't know. I mean, it's weird. It's it's almost like I feel like double fucked because I'm like, yeah, I'm this dude who doesn't do drugs, doesn't drink. Now he's putting his flag in the ground about, like, I don't take energy drink money. So then it makes it weird with, like, friends and homies. And you can feel this, like, dude, when all the kids got these energy drinks, like, I'm having conversations with them that, like, dude, they kill me, like. It hurts so bad, like, I don't want them to think I'm, like, against them now or something. Like, you know, I'm like, dude, I want you to thrive. Like, that's all I've, dude, I've had your back for fucking 10 years because I've, it's all I've wanted to help you with. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it sucks to be that person that people are like, fuck, I'm going to tell Brian or like Brian's what, you know, I don't know. Uh, I got to commend you on your authenticity and, and believe it in something. And I think there's a super, super valid point that 
I tend to, to totally go right over it in the fact that, you know, what, the, what I heard or how I interpreted what you said is that snowboarding was better when it was a counterculture and we were kind of fucking punks and people hated us and that was the draw. And now that it's watered down, uh, it's not as appealing. And I think there's a fucking, there's a phenomenal point too, aside from the other side effects of, of the products that we're talking about. But um, I, I think you should you should stand up for what you believe and be authentic. Oh, I mean, obviously too. Like, I'm, I've benefited immensely from putting my flag in the ground. So it's not like I'm sitting here being like, oh, oh, whoa, it's me. It's just kind of like, I do, I love like snowboarding, skateboarding, and surfing. All of them have captivated captivated my life since I saw them. It changed. It is my whole life. So. I do really give a fuck about it. I really want to like make stuff that inspires people to go do it. I really want to connect with brands to make products that are really good, that make people have a good time. I really, really, really give a fuck about it. I'm not, I don't take it for granted. And when I see that shit, you, I don't know. It's hard for anyone to argue with it. It's lame. Like, but here, here's a here's another valid point too, though, is that I always, I mean, I'm beating a dead horse. I say this all the time, but I think snowboarding has room for it all, and I think that even inversely, the person that is the kid that just got signed with Red Bull and he wants to go to this jump and do the first ever fucking twenty one hundred, and they're they're gonna film it and make an edit about it or whatever. That that actually makes you look cooler. Right, so there, there is an inversely like I think there's room for people to want to take it in that direction, and there's also, but it, inversely, it you guys contrast each other, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I'm. Fi- I mean, I don't know. Whatever. It, 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 it. You're right. I mean, I'm. I, I've been beating that dead horse for the last ten years, and you know, s- some of me feels like I've lost with you know the kids going to do it. Go into <clears throat> who are we talking about specifically? Well, you know, it sucks though. Before, if you look at snowboarding, before non-endemics got involved, the the pros left without any money, and that kind of well. Look at Richards. Richards never had an energy drink sponsor. He did. Yeah, he but he did. was dude. He got He's sponsored like by years. watches and oh yeah. No, you like, know what I mean, he's part of that yeah. great turn of when the funding kicked in and these guys could actually have careers. The generation before that, they're like. Yeah, you make a good sitting point, around with yeah. no money, yeah. and that I, sucks. I, yeah. You know, I might be benefiting from post. I don't. I don't. I mean, it's a t- it's a yeah, big conversation. It's a, it's a really hard one. It's a really hard one too because well, you're like, well, how much money? How much? Like, did they leave? Be- <laughs> maybe it's bad decisions. We don't. We don't know. You know. Yeah, and maybe also like. There were careers were three years because they were partying fucking hard. They blew their knees out. They didn't take care of themselves. And they were an athlete. It's like, like, well, but I mean, Sean Palmer was an athlete. I mean, if Sean Palmer left with nothing, that's on him. I mean, I don't know what I don't know what he left with. Or you know what I mean? Yeah. I, I have no idea. But there's just that. From what I hear, yeah. that generation left with nothing. Yeah, I could say I don't know. Well, what about so? Let's just talk. This is a little close, but you know, we're gonna we're fucking getting into some hard hitting stuff. But you know, take. Take um you you know drink water which we got to get into the inception of but you you know fast forward you you kind of brought up a lot of people with you you know take 
uh, Sam Taxwood, uh, Blake Paul. Blake Paul just went to an energy drink company. Taxwood just went to an energy drink company. These guys were flying the flag for drink water. I mean, I yeah, I imagine that probably fucking sucks, but you guys are still boys, and that's all good, right? Oh, I, I and mean, why shouldn't you be? Oh, yeah. no, no, no. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I sit here and I get revved up. I'm obviously like a passionate human. I'll, fuck, I'll fight with those two kids, too, and I'll, at the end of the day, like... I don't know. That's brother shit. You know, like that's what that is. Like those are little brothers and I whatever spent however many years, like, yeah, definitely trying to help and guide and whatever. And maybe some of it is personal ego where you're like, Oh, I'm like mending these people to be like me. And everyone's like making an image of their self and it's some fucking psycho egomaniac stuff. But I think on the, on the base level of it is like, I care about these humans I've been through a lot of the stuff they're going through. I want to help them with it. You know, um, yes, it hurts. Or I don't know if hurts the right word. I'm fucking bummed when I see it. I see something come out and I'm just like, fuck. But what are you going to do? I don't know. That's like something. I think that actually is like very older brother, younger brother vibe of like at some point they want not like they want to push away from me, but dude, they're their own humans. They don't need to be stuck in some drink water camp because of at some point I helped them out that they now owe me forever. That that's not at all my vibe. I legitimately, when I see it, I'm like, I hope that that doesn't negatively affect your long-term career. That's where my heart legitimately is because there's like, there are stories that I've heard. I can't confirm that they are true, that there are very cool movies that get put out by like, to me, one of the best editors that clearly does not include people on the team who have large Red Bull logos on their beanie because they think it's corny. I'm like, okay, well at that moment, that hugely negatively affected their career to not be included in the coolest video of the year. So it's hard to know if like that, I don't know what they're getting. Hopefully they're getting a shit ton of money, but if it's not enough, you're like, that was the wrong decision. Good point. Well, let's talk about drink water. What, like, why'd you start it? What's the vibe? <laughs> so, real quick, can we do a Patreon question? Sure. On the- All right. This is from Snacks McNally. Great name. Yeah, great Patreon name. He says, what do you hate about snowboard culture? What do you love about snowboard culture? As we're talking about the culture. Or yeah. I, I guess mean, hate, we've already maybe covered. Yeah, I mean... I think short mind or short sightedness for sure of like that, that like that part of the industry that doesn't seem, see this as like a long game of, of, of its relevancy or culture or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I hate, I don't hate any part of it, it's whatever. But what do I love is that, um, it's clearly promoting people to live like a passion based life, which is, end of the day probably the like best counter for depression and suicide and sadness and self-loathing and just all of these things if you know like if i have kids like main goal is just like i want you to live a passion-filled life that's what i want i want you to wake up i want you to have desires that lead you to like things that are fun and beautiful and enjoyable and i want I want that for everyone, whether it's what we do, snowboarding, blah, 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 blah. If you're psycho into playing the violin and you spend hours playing the violin and you become the best violin player ever and every time you pick up the violin, you are wholeheartedly full, like, dude, that's all I want for humanity. 
So I think that's a better, that's like the best way to, you know, fight off hate is for you to like go to bed happy and fulfilled personally. You're, you're probably not going to fuck with people. You're probably not going to be angry. You're probably not going to be a shitty human. So if, if that's what I love about the industry, that, that our goal is to like go out there and promote, like spend your time in the mountains, spend your time, like encountering something beautiful and magical that's that. I mean, yeah. Yeah, spending your time God. being happy, really. God, I love that. Yeah, that's great. I, I kind of want to derail for a sec because I've lately, uh, you know, was was a rail guy for a lot of my life. Love rails, and lately, as I've gotten older, fallen in love with the mountains. <laughs> and you uh, turn your back on the straps. I t- I'm turning my <laughs> no. stone I'll, walks out. I'll, I'll, it's I'll, over. I'll this never, I'll never turn my back on the steel. Let's be clear okay. here. I, I told you say, how I, I told you how I want to die. I know. Right? That's what I, when I get to be 80 years old. <laughs> I'm gonna go up, uh, maybe a street spot. Maybe I'll take go to him the, to the Whitlake double yeah, rail. Take me to the double rail. I'll try to fucking front two onto that thing, break in half, and I want to die on the battlefield with some fucking honor in the street. That's why hearing you say these words, dude. I'm no, just but, like, who are but you? But I do think like it's it's cool how powerful this is. We're, this is cornball as fuck. Yeah, but cool. I I've lately I take my dogs on a walk every morning. And I look at the mountains, and it's great. We live in a place where we're surrounded by mountains, and it, like, fills my bucket. And when you go up in the mountains and you fucking whack a hillside, like, you're good. Like, life is good. And it is really cool. We kind of—I forgot that. That was really, like, enlightening to hear that again, that— how like I think we do it so much and we're so connected to it that we forget yeah. how fucking awesome snowboarding Take it for really granted. is. Take it for granted, yeah. And I love that take. I just want to go back and highlight like how much like if I'm having a bad day, you fuck dude. you go you go up there, you're good. There's dude. nothing bad up up yeah. there when you're in the moment on a pow day and yes. you can be alone, you can be with people, whatever. It's just awesome. I was recently listening to someone like talk about trauma and healing and and you know basic like um science around like why so many people are leaning into different um whether it's mushrooms or mdma or whatever people are using to basically rewire their brain and get these little receptors all the shit and i'm just listening to it and as a sober person it's it's hard to relate and hard for me to understand when they talk about that and when they talk about these moments and beauty and how oh, you, you do this and you see nature and you finally feel like you're seeing yourself in this way or hearing things in a certain way or the beauty becomes so much more prevalent around you. And for me, when I look at it, I go, oh, shit, like m- maybe I didn't understand that that's, that's what's been captivating me for the last 20 years in the mountains is, is you have this heightened awareness of, of magic, of, of being able to actually be in a place and you're so uniquely in a moment of like, you know, those days when like the weird frost tour comes in and you can see the diamonds all over the snow and whether you're going psycho to try to get a trick or hiking or splitboarding or whatever, even helling, like shit's going fucking crazy. But there's some quiet moment where you look at something and you go, I can't fucking believe that that's real. And I'm sitting here and and you're just trying to continue to have that in your heart or your mind so that like when you do deal with darkness or you deal with society in a way that's like tragic, you can go back and tap into that and say like, no, this shit is like, this is an incredible experience that we're so lucky to have and to not take it lightly. And yes, I mean, snowboarding is part of it, but yeah, the nature part of it where you're like, holy fuck, I actually can look at a tree and be like, it's absolutely incredible that that thing is so fucking beautiful. Like, and I don't want to walk by it and, and 
um, yeah, minimize what this shit can do for us if we let it. Dude, what's it, that crazy snow beam called that's out there? That oh, yeah, like, uh, crazy, uh, dude. so fucking crazy. Yeah, like, what is you, this? But you, how, and you rarely how, see them, and when you do, you're just like, holy how shit. How cool is it, though, that the, the, the vehicle of snowboarding has allowed us to tap in on a deeper... Because really, what when you first start going up there, you're like, I'm going to fucking front seven this cheese wedge, and that's it. Yeah. Like, there is no... And then, like... As you spend a little bit more time in the mountains, you're like, look at that fucking tree, man. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck, that's a good looking or tree. Or even the quiet. Right? Like, Probably quiet hit our heads too like, many yeah. times yeah. doing the front seven. <laughs> look at that tree. <laughs> Am I seeing two trees or three trees? But it is cool. I mean, it is, it's fucking, it's beautiful thing. We're getting into some deep, crunchy talk, but I love it. And I feel this is, I feel straight up this, I don't know how any of this works, but when I walk my dogs in the morning and I look up at the mountains and the sun's like behind them and... I, it gives me energy. Yeah. It it straight you up. You used to it, walk it, around it, looking it, for handrails. I used in the, to. Yeah. In the gives, weird little cutties. And totally. You're like looking up the mountains. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, dude, soon you're going to be out with this guy just freaking whacking turns all the time, not even in the streets. Fucking A. Dude, I got to say, I was tripping. I, I listened to Pen Sierra's podcast. And when he mentioned, like, I don't even know how he, I mean, he obviously was talking about Craig a lot, but when he was talking about Craig, and he was probably doing it in a, in a, like, Pensiero and I love each other, so it's not in a shit-talking way, but when he's just like, you know, without Craig, like, you wouldn't have this, like, Yoda or Brian turn or something. For me, I'm like, maybe pinnacle of snowboard career. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I was like, holy shit. It was pretty, like, when I went to do Travis' contest, go to the hotel to check in, put all my shit on the ground, and I'm, like, over at the front of the um, hotel, like, getting my room or something. And on my board, I had wrote, I just wrote on the nose, Craig Kelly. This was like the same year that I did that shit with Travis. So I was just in this like, try and harness whatever I could to like, get some fake energy or something, like build myself up. And he on his Instagram, like posted a picture of it. Like, I don't know whose board this is, but I love him or something. And I was like, damn, like, like the dude who owns this place. I didn't even really know what bald face. I mean, I knew what it was, but I was like, Fuck, this is crazy. Either way. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's, that's cool. Rad. That's cool. I'll be honest. I didn't. I didn't realize the impact Craig had until we started getting deeper into the research of snowboarding and our culture, and and now it's it's fucking cool. Like the whole the be the ball. Like oh, I mean, yeah, the be the yeah. ball. Not everybody knows what that is. So I mean, you maybe maybe enlighten the listeners that doesn't know his. Well, impact. be the ball also is like wildly overused because if you actually go to Alaska and like throw the ball down the hill. Nine out of ten, death. (laughs) Just goes off the biggest cliff. Just like, take that with a grain of salt. It's not fully be the ball. I'm going to just really be the ball here and keep going. Uh, But it's probably like a mindful understanding of like, and you could also be the ball under the lift at Big Bear. Yeah. Right? Like it's it's, anywhere. It's a little bit of an understanding of, of like what the train's asking for and what you can do with it. And the ball is just basically encouraging you to link turns, which is like toe turn, heel turn, toe turn. You know, you watch him snowboard, and it's a beautiful dance. It's not choppy. It's not this. It's not stopping. It's not going over here. It's not some crazy fucking side, you know, like side hill over to this thing to hit that thing. You know, it's just like you look at it, and you're like, oh, that's actually what this face 
asks, asked for is what he did. Where a lot of other people, they like impose their will on mm-hmm. the run. And I think Craig probably at the, I, you know, like he was, you know, almost trying to like do the mountain itself justice. I think, I don't know. I didn't know him. It's so weird for me. I've become close with his daughter and we're close friends and I love her. And it's sometimes. Give her an air horn. Yeah, Olivia. And sometimes it's weird for me because I'm like, I legitimately think this human has impacted my life. His perspective on my job, the experience in the mountains impacts my life. I don't know him at all. That's weird. That's really weird. I don't, I don't have any other way to put it, but you're like, that's super beautiful when you look at it as a lasting legacy of a human being's life. That's all we can hope for is that you've like done enough in your life that generations to come will be affected by your perspective. That's f- what could be like more of a legacy than that, especially in a positive way. But to also be just like a human being where you're just like, yeah, I don't know this dude I never met who said some stuff on videos and magazines. Like I recite pretty weird, but he also, <laughs> but it's cool because he kind of fucking Miyagi us. Like mm-hmm. he fucking Miyagi yeah. everybody. Cause he's the guy who he did the contest. He did it. And then he, he kind of, he seems like the closest person to figure it out. And I always, you know, there's that quote that I've mentioned before, but he's like, well, I'll try to recite it off the top of my head, but it's something along the lines of, well, I will always have the utmost respect for all of the wild freestyle stunts that everybody's doing. They're unbelievable. My highest respect goes out to the rider that's simply out there to enjoy the experience. Absolutely. Give or take, that's Mm -hmm. basically what he says. And it's like, he's just like, Fucking like basically what he's saying is the person that's out there enjoying their time on the snowboard is the person that's fucking winning. Which, which is, is the which fact. Is, yeah, is that's like, the realist. Did you yeah. talk about the beat and ball? You watch that old movie Craig Kelly Smooth Groove, dude. It's oh, like dude. he's not even out of gnarly terrain no. and you just watching him give everything to a turn. It's beautiful. In the whole movie, they're just jumping it's, and yeah. riding and it's just insane. Yeah, it's uh You seen that one, Chris? I haven't. No. It's dope. You should cue it up. Yeah. It um yeah, it's cool. I mean, that's really it's cool. It's a it's a yeah, testament to dude. Kind of it kind of goes back to what I'm saying about the energy drinks. I think it's a testament to living your life in a way that like when you're gone, people can still respect it. And you know what? Yeah, maybe your bank account isn't the same. Maybe you and yeah, that doesn't matter really in the in the scheme, right? I don't know, like. Money doesn't bring the happiness. People believe in him and believed him and still quote him because he was authentic and it, it's real. You know, it's like, I don't know. It's funny to think about life as like a really long arc instead of a short one and to try and use that in the like a daily practice of like how you treat people and how you treat your job and how you treat your partner and how you treat your parents. And, um, I don't know. The last thing I want to do is come across as like some self-righteous energy drink hater. I hope that people just listen to this and, and know that I'm coming from a place of like love and not, uh, I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's really hard to like put, your stake in the ground like that. And, and I'm not having a conversation with these people. They're like listening to this 
points. You're saying valid points. I mean, health-wise, let, it's let, like let, there's not even a conversation, right? It's like, you're right. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and talk to you guys about Bubs Naturals. Now, first things first, the coolest thing about Bubs is the fact that it's owned by snowboarders. So it's uh, snowboarders for snowboarders. You know, they support the show. So might as well support them. With that being said, uh, Jeremy, you broke both of your legs in an avalanche a few years ago, and I know you used some some bubs for your road to recovery. How did it help? It grew my bones back. I mean, straight up. I had the doctor, you know, at two years in tell me I needed another surgery, bigger rods. Uh, the bone wasn't going to grow back. I didn't like the sound of it. Um, I got on the bubs consistent, and over the course of two years, I grew – a ton of bone back enough for my right leg to remodel and, and do its thing and become strong again. Uh, awesome skin. Um, you know, my nails grow like crazy, uh, joints move smooth. I mean, it, it lubed me up good. I notice when I don't take it, I mean, immediately really cool. Well, it's a, it's a protein powder. So how do you, how do you take this stuff? I mean, however you want, I prefer it in, in tea, Coffee, um, smoothies. Smoothies is my favorite. That's kind of the morning jam. And uh, but really, the the protein powder is tasteless. So you could even do it in water. I don't recommend that. There's better ways. It's just more enjoyable. I like it with a little coffee. Yeah, that's the way to go. And if you're interested in picking up some bubs, ten uh, percent of all profits go to charity, which is cool. But you can head on over to bubsnaturals.com. Use promo code bombhole, all lowercase. Again. Promo code BOMBHOLE at bubsnatural.com for 15% off. All right, we got a shitload of guest questions, so we got to kind of rip through a few to, to just chip away at these. Okay. First one's first is uh, from none other than Jay Jones. Hey, Brian, this is Jeremy. Quick question for you. Why did you quit snowboarding on handrails? I know you used to have a mean lip slide. Was it the surfing? powder or the girl <laughs> thanks good question i love how i whispered that yeah at the end. sexy jeremy um i shit i i probably this is kind of like a a little bit soft answer i think i quit riding rails because i bought a house and the next and I had this like weird moment where the next rail trip I went on, we were like hitting something. Somebody, owner of something, came out and was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" And I saw myself in that moment of me coming out of my home to like a human on my roof and just being like, "Why the fuck are you on my roof?" And it kind of broke me. And that also coincided with like that shit is hard on your body, like really fucking hard on your body. And uh, yeah, so. I don't know, Jeremy. I I still have love for it, and I man, there's a couple times when you, I mean, I'll see like Lewif do something or Jed, you know, Kuzik. Kuzik's probably the one where you like, he's so controlled, so on purpose. Every shot, you're like, I am attracted to it in this way, the same as like a beautiful pow turn, which is like, we all think of this activity as random of like, hey, it's just like however you do it, and it's like, no, it's. it's it's like a part of you being expressed through this thing. And yeah, uh, I still watch it and I still have crazy respect for it and think it's cool. But I don't know. I fell out of love with it. Um, the trips are mad weird. Like 
filming in the streets for me personally was very weird because it you're just like eating and and going to coffee shops and driving around for hours and then you have all these weird dynamics between people who like are you being selfless or not are you helping or not is it all about you and then one person will try something for nine hours and then the next person tries it for eight minutes and gets a clip and you leave. It's just like this really weird as part of a job. You're like, this is weird as fuck. This is very strange. <laughs> like, dude, you guys are way I've never in been on a trip where there hasn't been an all out battle of fight. Yeah, there's always like, somebody. well, it's my spot. No, <laughs> yeah. you got a trick. You got a trick. It's my spot next. <laughs> the vibes. Yeah. It's always there. The no right matter crew. how good no, the friends there's, are. There's, there's, there's been, there's good trips. Yeah, you're right. It's good, you're but right. it's, it's just weird. Like, it's a good point. Like, I know that, <laughs> that humans, look at us from the outside and they're like, that's a weird job. And I'm like, inside of it, rail trips, that's fucking weird. Like, Especially when you're pulling a giant rubber band mm-hmm. back. like you're Giant going- rubber band or like, okay, so we're going up on this rooftop and I'm going to have a homie in the F-150 driving the opposite way <laughs> with a rope tied around the light pole. And then I'm going to yell and I'm going to go full speed at the end of this fucking parking garage and try and fly off to the Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> or you go all the way to some crazy country and don't see anything except a handrail. Yep. <laughs> Either way, I still, like, I don't know, Jeremy, I still respect it and shit when I I love and loved Jeremy Jones so much. Like, Jeremy was my brother's dude and, because he was goofy, my brother's goofy and, uh, yeah, I I still see him and I still go Fuck, I like have this love for him that's like yeah, fifteen year old love where you're just like, dude, you you change you impacted my life. He's the shit. Okay, next question. Here we go. We're gonna keep moving. This one's from none other than Jake Kuzik. Here we go. Hello, listeners. Eastone, Chris, and <clears throat> Brian. Uh this is Jake Kuzik. Um and I'm wondering, I guess, Brian, what it was exactly that took you so long to do this interview uh, in the first place. Thanks, guys. Great question. Um, Been asking him for a while, for the record. Yeah, he has. Uh, honest answer, when you guys started this, our community and 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 just the community at large was in a place where um, open and insightful conversations were, um, I don't think, being celebrated. They were being monitored, and I don't know. I it it weirded me out in the moment of just being like, oh, this is a strange. I was just seeing people react to stuff in a way where I was like, oh, that's really counterproductive to like learning and thinking and and growing and and having discourse with others that you can disagree and and be okay with that or you can learn from a conversation or you can learn from an activity and um yeah that's probably why it took me a while of just my own insecurities of trying to figure out how that looked in in our community and and if it would turn into a thing where people weren't allowed to speak openly about their feelings or if it would settle down and people would kind of understand like, well, that kind of went too far. Like we were, we were doing a little bit. <laughs> yeah. We were, we were harming the growth 
of our community not helping it or something. Do you want to be more specific? Because that's kind of vague. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I mean, cancel culture, whatever. I mean, there's all these hot words that are so shitty because I, I think they're like lumped into a bunch of stuff where um, there's this interesting way of thinking about social media and, and large scale, like, you know, speaking or group talks or podcasts or something where if you and I know each other and we have a rapport and, and we go back a long way, you and I can have a conversation that can explore like the depths of earth and come back and be like, well, I know Chris. So I know that when he's thinking this or asking this or whatever, it's coming from a place of, I know his heart or something. And then, so you can talk a certain way when you're one-on-one -on -one with someone you know. Then you go to like five people that you know, and you're like, well, I kind of know how people sit in these things. Okay, so I talk a little bit differently. I hold back a little bit differently because I need to be mindful of their how they know me or how I know them. Then you go to, fuck, you go to 100 people. Okay, shit, I need to be really mindful of what I say because 100 people don't know me. So I need to be clear and concise so that they can understand where I'm coming from and what my heart is and okay now you go to five thousand. holy shit what do you say now you go to like your social media hundred thousand people that you don't know that you've never interacted with that don't know where your heart's coming from so it's very difficult to communicate openly because you need to be mindful that they don't know you that they don't that there is no you know room for subtleties there's no room for jokes because everyone has a perspective on the world and once you get into that large scale speaking, you need to be you need to be mindful of that. So, yeah, I guess that's all. I don't know. I kind of I want to lean into it as well because I I feel like there is a huge problem with dividedness, right? And, and maybe maybe that's a factor. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go down this wormhole. And maybe maybe it sits with you. Maybe it doesn't. But I think it's an interesting one because talking about being very careful about what you say, <clears throat> you know. It, the dust has settled a little bit, but for a long time, we were, we were extremely, extremely divided. Um, and I think it's really interesting. I was talking to your brother about this, but like, you know, I grew up with a dad who's Republican and a mom who's a Democrat, who's a teacher. Right. And so I grew up where a politics equals fighting, which fucking sucks, <laughs> but B, I can love people from both sides. Mm -hmm. Right. I can love people from both sides. So I think it's interesting because I take, I take, for example, I'm, I, you know, motocross, ex we're going to go into this. Sorry about that. Because I always go there, but it's an extremely rural sport. And, and, and ge the general consensus of a rural sport is that of somebody that's conservative, right? There, and, and a lot of the, the people in that sport that I've, I've gone to follow, they're very, it's very right. It's very conservative. That's, that is the common direction of the sport right mm -hmm. and it's like if you're if you're not right if you if if you're a motocrosser and you're posting something politically left you will be chastised for that yeah you will be attacked right and then you take snowboarding and from what i've i've seen in our sport it's primarily left right and and that's the common you know we've kind of landed on that being the general uh bolstered point of view in in our sport and and if you if you aren't following that exact set of ideals, then you will be chastised. And I think that we have room in our sport for taking people with opposing political views or points of view, and not fucking burning them at the stake and saying, "Oh, that's my fucking neighbor," 
He's got a fucking Trump sign. I fucking hate that guy. Or that's my neighbor. They got a Biden sign. I fucking hate that guy. No, that's your fucking neighbor. That's your neighbor, yeah. right? And I, I don't know if that's where you're getting at, but I think that we we could definitely improve as a culture of just having open conversation with people with different points of view. Yeah, not really where I was going, but but pretty much I get what you're saying. And yeah, they're a little bit of... I guess I just... My goal is to operate with like empathy for others, right? Yeah. And so that that is very different, difficult when people basically use these political groups as a religion. Um, and it, I, I think it like minimizes your ability to grow and learn and yeah, empathize with people and understand. Obviously there's a line where you go, okay, well, if you do X, I, I actually do think you're, you're a piece of shit and I won't fuck with you. But I just think that line has gotten so weird and so tight around people that I'm like, Hey, like, um, yeah, conversations and, and, the ability to learn and and understand people's perspective is really difficult if you surround yourself with people who only like reverb your shit like that it you will become a version of yourself that lacks growth and and empathy and empathy is love and and like i said that's all that shit that's that's what it is like you are hoping that you can see a part of a person who loves Trump and understand them and give them love in the same way, whether it's Bernie Sanders or, or whoever is the furthest away. And for me, I, I wasn't raised in that, in that household. I was raised in, in, you know, maybe even a more interesting one, which people would probably say Republican, but is more a libertarian household, which is like, it's not centrist, but it's, it is like a little bit of everything where you're like, Ooh, like what, what uh, I actually don't want to be part of any of this religion. I want less, I want less of you to interact with my freedom or what, you know, all these words are so corny and overused at this point. But for me, yeah, I know that I am moderately siloed in this industry because I, I don't wave the same flag as everyone, but it, it actually really bums me out when, because I don't wave the same flag, they actually put a different flag in my hand that I'm like, actually, that's not my flag either. It's, it's strange to me that if I'm not, if I'm not fully going to church with you, you automatically think that I'm Satan or an atheist. I'm like, there's actually other, there's a, there's a wide breadth of ways that people can feel and think, and they don't have to fit into your little bubble and, and, uh, that definitely hurts my feelings sometimes when I'm just like, holy fuck, I didn't, I, I didn't vote for him and I don't support him. And what, what, like, how did you get there? And they're just like, well, you didn't say X. And I'm like, so you automatically go like a thousand miles away just because I didn't say X. Like, yeah. So I don't know. Um, it's hard because this is one of those conversations where like, you want to have it one-on-one -on -one with someone and give them an understanding of who you are and what your values are and what you care about and who you care about. And um, I think a lot of the time our industry yeah, doesn't want to have those conversations. They want to feel safe in the fact that everyone's exactly the same as them or they might be challenged in a conversation that they're not like well-equipped to deal with. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you get treated a certain way because of what you think? Like you get that a lot from people? Yeah, I mean, no and yes. I think the people close to me 
for sure. But there's definitely times when I'll be somewhere and be lumped into something where I'm like, I'm not even like, I'm not a registered Republican or a registered Democrat. Like I'm registered independent. Like I'm not making assumptions of like, it's like very strange sometimes when I'm, yeah, I don't know if I'm lumped in with anything, but you can tell that people are kind of like assumptions. He's, he's, are made. A, he's well, X. Yeah, you used to your your image not like was was that you know maybe ten years ago of somebody who's patriotic, which would be lumped mm. in with conservative, which would be which would make uh, put a target on your back. Mm. Yeah, still to this day, like <clears throat> I would consider myself patriotic. I think I, I feel extremely lucky to have grown up in this country, and I think that there's an immense problems and there's challenges and things that need to be addressed and in no way am I sitting there being like fucking you know an incredible amount of like eye-opening experiences have happened for me traveling right like if I would have stayed in the small town that I grew up in yeah that's probably me like maybe maybe the picture that people would paint like oh that actually is is pretty spot on or something but like I left that small town and I I you know I spend half of my year living in a different country and I spend <laughs> however much time on the road where I in, encounter all these different cultures that I feel that I felt that I fall in love with who I totally do not associate with politically or religiously or something where if I wanted to separate myself and be anti, it's like, Oh yeah, that's you're limiting yourself to go around the world and experience like beauty and love because human beings like on every spectrum of whatever they believe, whoever they worship, whoever they support in office are fucking incredible and can teach you so much about the world or yourself that if you don't allow that to happen, it's happen. It's so limiting of you just like, Oh, that's on you. you you're not going to see the beauty in humanity. You're going to limit yourself into like maybe a comfortable setting, but like in the long run, it, I personally just don't think that that's a good way to experience the world. It's like small mindedness of like, ooh, it's a, you don't go to church with me, like you're going to hell. Mm -hmm. You've seen the world, you're well traveled. It's changed you, yeah, for sure. And there's definitely, uh, you know, a vast character defect amongst all humans that is like, you know, if I point the finger, at they're bad. That which makes me good, right? And and I think that's a that's a problem in our in our yeah. society. It's the finger pointing culture, and and I do think what you're saying is just. Fucking have empathy for other humans because they're rad, right? Well, and like some shit is bad. Totally, like, I almost Agreed. think that like Agreed. That's some good, yeah. of the problem is is that we've like we've spread out the bad to all these things that you're like nah, that's actually not that bad. Like there is things that are really terrible that we should care a lot about that we should be very aggressive about, like minimizing in society and like being like oh no 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 we don't want it to go that way, but we've turned that to all these tiny little things where you're like oh whoa, that's a lot of, like, care and effort put into something like, that's not that bad. You know, like, there's things that I do want to live my my life in a way that's purposeful. So I'm not saying, like, uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, again, it's really difficult because um, I want... I want to be constantly learning and evolving and becoming a person who looks at any scenario and can see it with a positive mind frame, positive viewpoint. And uh, that kind of makes me want to associate with no group and just be a fucking person who yeah. like in any <laughs> setting you look at it and go, 
how do I feel about this? How do I think about this? What do I think is the, mm -hmm. the best way to encounter this and deal with mm -hmm. it? And not come at it from like, well, these are, uh, you know. Man, there's, there's such a good point because it's like oftentimes if we're put in a group, our values or opinions are that that are put on by our parents or that are put on by our close friends. And it's like that's, that is a fucking black belt thing to say, wait, what is my opinion on this? I think we could all learn. I could definitely get better at like, wait, because I take, for example, I'll just, I've used this example before, but like I listen to a sports podcast, right? I listen to part of my take. I love it. These guys are fucking hilarious. They have a take about sports. I fucking take that take. I'm watching the Patriots play. I use that exact same fucking take with my friends. That's not my take. Mm. That's somebody else's take. So it's like, what is my take, right? That's a fucking, and, yeah. and that same on a broader spectrum, what is my thought on this? Yeah. How does it socioeconomic yeah. situation? How does it hit your heart? Like, yeah. where does your heart really lie? And, uh, again, like I, I think on every spectrum of politics or religion, there is just like an immense amount of like beautiful human beings who are living like a passion based life who I fuck with. So I don't, I, I just don't want to be put in any box that, um, <clears throat> that is limiting to those experiences. Love it. Let's talk about drink water. Why'd you start it? Who started? What's the vibe with it? What's the deal with it? Um, started, you know, obviously I've gone in on the energy drink vibe, but it basically started with Austin and I having a conversation about a hypothetical offer of him getting a Red Bull contract after he had a couple of like hammer parts. There was like talk that he might get one. But before that, this was like, again, like so many of these things just basically point to Scotty. Like so much of this shit is like coming from Scotty being the like anti, it's almost like weird because I'm such a capitalist, like him coming from like anti-capitalism type of vibe of just like fuck the big bullshit sellout, blah, blah. even though he rode for big ass companies, you know, it's like, it's just that like in our thing. So him and I probably firstly were joking about having a drink sponsor and, and it being water. Water's my drink sponsor. Hey, like it's a fuck you or whatever. But then once like drink water itself came from basically Austin getting this offer and him being like, well, dude, what if I make them take the money and build a skate park and bend? Is that cool? And us kind of going back and forth and being like, well, what would be better than that? Like, what, what could we do better than that? Like, why don't we give them an option or whatever? So we start writing drink water on shit. And, um, Dude, he's an amazing doer. Like, he... I think of 8,000 steps before I do anything. He goes, like, I took eight seconds to think about it, and I'm a, I'm going action. Like, he's... Who's who's the... Uh, Marshawn Lynch, I'm about that action, baby, yeah. or whatever. Like, Ready, fire, aim. Yeah, like, boom, go. And that's what he did. He got these stickers made from our homie. He's like, yeah, I got a stickers made. And I was like, I don't like that sticker. <laughs> You know, because I'm such a control freak, so I'm like, oh, I'm going to, even though the sticker's dope, I'm such a control freak, I go, whatever, get Draplin, Draplin designs the sticker, we get this thing, we get us, Tonino gives us a screen printer, we start screen printing stuff at summer camp, giving it to kids, and then, like, I think Keegan or someone was like, yo, can I get one of those hoodies? Like, fuck energy drinks. Like, I would never fuck with an energy drink, and we were like, we weren't friends with Keegan. You know, That's like sick. he wasn't our homie. It wasn't like, oh, this is our crew thing. It was him being like, yeah, I'm down with that. And 
and I remember being like, oh, that's weird. Like, I thought that was weird that he, like, felt drawn to it. And then kind of the same. Like, people just kind of started coming out of the woodwork that, like, I really respected as a snowboard career person, Luif, whatever. Like, these things where I was like, oh, shit, this is really cool. And then even, like, you know, even though it kind of came brainchild from Scotty, like, Scotty's rocking the hoodie all the time. And I'm just feeling like, whoa, this thing is not us. This thing is, like, actually these weird little you know, seeds all over the industry that other people kind of also go, no, I've never fucked with that. And I think it's bad too, or whatever. So it kind of just like ramped up from there. And, um, kind of once we started doing that, my brother came to us and at the time, you know, my brother's had a wild arc of his life. He basically went to college. He got like a white house appointed internship, worked at the white house and then got, a White House appointed job um, at the USAID, which is like USAID to developing countries. So like that's what they do is they basically like try and help put infrastructure into developing countries, water, sewer, power. Like how do you how do you bring communities up to like a livable space? So he kind of came to us and he's like, yo, if you're walking around with a hoodie that says drink water on it, you need to be aware this is like a global crisis of like – X amount of humans die from not having clean water. Like this is major that you're tapping into and you might look kind of like a little bit like an idiot if you walk around and you don't know. So, you know, like why don't we do this thing real and then basically have a back-end give back? And he had all this information on on different nonprofits who do that work around the world. Went through, picked what we picked, partnering with water.org and... um yeah, basically started donating sales from like our goods, whatever shit we set up this website, our goods. And then once we started putting on events, you know, all of the proceeds would go to water.org. And at this point, I think, you know, we probably raised 250, 300 grand or something that went to water.org. So yeah, I don't know. It just turned into this beast that was bigger than us, which was beautiful. And, um, and yeah, it was so it, were you all set up as a nonprofit? No, we're actually not a nonprofit. We're a for-profit. Nonprofits are like an interesting little part of our economy that's like pretty tricky. You need to be really savvy about how money comes in and money goes out and who gets paid and how they get paid. There's there's a shitload of like kind of loopholes around it. So we looked at it like we're like, we're not looking to do that work. We know what marketing looks like and we can basically just be a Robin Hood of like, we're going to do the shit. We're going to promote it. We're going to take money from these companies, put on these events, and we're going to send it to someone who's pro at doing the shit that we're not. Like, I think so much of life is like, be realistic about what you're good at and spend time doing that part because you might be able to be more beneficial with it if you, yeah. So, yeah, we kind of. And then you guys, as it grew, like one of the cooler things, I mean, the rat race became mm-hmm. awesome. Explain what that was. Yeah, that was just like a, um, kind of like a BMX-inspired um, slalom, you know, like the the bank slaloms are huge. So we basically just did a spin on that, which came from being diggers. You know, Austin and Curtis and I were, would always be building weird shit at High Cascade. So we just took that and put this event on, and then it kind of, same deal, it kind of like blew up into like a, a summer event that was bigger than us, and people would just... Um, yeah, we, we would just get money from sponsors and then give it to water.org. And then, um, 
raise awareness around it too, but also it was just like for the snowboard community, it was fun to get everyone together. Mm -hmm. And honestly, like that's for me been one of the weirder things about, you know, um, not being able to have live events for a couple of years there was just like, man, I really missed that community time with all these people from all over the world that I love. Um, and, you know, hoping that that gets a little easier. once. How again. many rat races? We did eight. Um, Ooh. yeah, that's something to be proud of, right? Yeah, there, we man. actually have a bunch of the products for number nine uh -huh, uh, on ice, so because <laughs> you have to just stop it. Yeah, when number nine comes back, it's gonna have 2020 on it, so <laughs> <laughs> they're ready made. Yeah, it's like it's shit. gonna be a little cross out yeah. in uh, 2023. Well, I know this is this is a uh, um, well, first, actually, I want to talk about if people want to support drink water. Um, people listening, they're like, damn, this is fucking rad. You guys got a site? Yeah, wedrinkwater.com, and we still sell products. You know, we've never really been like a product-heavy thing. We always considered ourselves like a mission of just like spread the word, basically be like a positive influence that kids can tie them. Kids and adults can tie themselves to if they want to like associate with something in the industry or even bigger, you know, it got to the point where like you see people that have nothing to do with snowboarding or skateboarding wearing the shit, but yeah, so... We drink water.com and, um, you know, we'll definitely be the goal is to go back to just having events because that's that's the stuff that we felt the most enriched by basically. It's like community, raise money, and um, have a good time, you know. And I know this is a difficult subject to talk about, but um, you and Austin <clears throat> ultimately went uh, different directions on that, I guess. Uh, do you, do you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I knew that would come, and um, I think some of it probably ties back to that, like, older brother, younger brother vibe, and, you know, so much of our career and life and his young adulthood, I was just, like, kind of controlling older brother, you know, and some of it comes from, I have such a clear perspective, I mean, you can hear in this, I'm, like, very, like, oh, these are the things I fuck with, these are the things I don't, and, um, yeah, I think at a certain point, he I don't want to speak for him, but yeah, it felt like he was like, fuck, I need to do my own thing. Probably like any younger brother, you know, you kind of just want to spread your wings and, you know, it hurt it. Like, I don't know. It hurt. It hurt. But like, I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. It's super weird. Cause, uh, I don't know if it's ego or like heart. So like, it'd be hard for me a lot of the time when I'd be thinking about it and it was happening and being like, is this my ego that's hurt by this or is like my heart hurt by this? It's weird to have somebody kind of pull away from you. Um, but yeah, you know, yeah. So we kind of went our own separate ways. You know, he left nitro and, um, and, and left drink water and, um, yeah, you know, I, I got so much love for him and I've spent such an amazing amount of, my life with him and crazy experiences that I would never take back. And, um, I'm so happy that I shared with him and well, yeah, I, it's weird. It's, it's strange to operate in an industry. It's beautiful because it means that people were affected by what we've done and what we've made, but it's strange to be in a place where, um, so many people ask me about it so much that it obviously affected them and that they don't know us. They don't care They, you know, it's not like they even know the dirt on anything. They just are like, what's up with, you know, and it's probably like any breakup. You're like, yeah, we just, you know, like it, we went our own ways and, um, I love him so much. And, 
I wish that something happened so that I could be like, well, well, this happened and then fucking we got in a car accident and then like we never talked again. But it's more just like, I don't know, we just grew apart. And um, and I know, too, like. I'm not the easiest person to work with, you know, like any film we made, any contest we put on, anything that we do, like. I'm controlling you know i'm like uh i like impose my will on things that um isn't always the easiest to be friends with so and definitely not the easiest to work with i feel like this has gotten more dramatic than it needs to be but i'm just like i'm easily affected by shit i'm like i put like my heart and my energy into everything anyone who's like close to me knows that i'm like whatever well you clearly care about them it's clearly affecting you and i, I hope you guys are are able to uh make amends and do time at some Dude, point but that's fucked it's like it's not even like amends it's just like yeah sometimes people break up yeah and like i you know could have been fuck what are you gonna do i don't know you know yeah. it's crazy though sometimes you break up and then years later though you see each other and it's like oh that was stupid you know <laughs> Yeah. You never know, you know? You guys shared a lot of experiences, a lot of time. Yeah. It's life, you know? It's uh, yeah. And you I get actually, busy doing dude, your own thing. I don't minimize any of those things. Like, yeah. I, I come from a perspective that, that that was beautiful. That was an amazing chunk of my life. I wouldn't change any of it. I still, I still put all positive love towards that human having the best life he can have. And, yeah, fuck, I would, I would hope that. You know, fuck, I feel, like, bad for some of our homies, too, because it's, like, any classic breakup, you can tell homies are just, like, what up? Like, <laughs> especially probably to the young kids, they're, like, mom and dad broke up. Like, hey, what do we do? <laughs> who am I with? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> who am I fucking with? Who, who am I hanging with right now? Yeah, you know, <laughs> that shit's fucking lame. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to put anyone through it. And, <laughs> um, But, yeah, so, Boston, I love you, you know. Love it. Well, we happen to have a guest question. From probably one of those kids you're talking about right now, Blake Paul. Here we go. What's up, everybody? I got a question for Bryza. Brian, I know you are super into the creative process behind snowboarding, whether that's doing art, making videos, um, putting projects together, taking people on trips. Um, maybe just talk a little bit about your motivation behind creating the video projects you've done and your process behind that, and also just your love for snowboard videos in general. What up, Blake? Yeah, I'm going to go with... Um, that's kind of, yeah, long answer, but basically, like, I think both my parents are people who are, like, doers and DIYers, and I think one of... For me, when I got into the industry, one of the things I loved was seeing um, filmers and photographers... And their creative process on the other side of like the snowboard industry and being like, oh, that's I can learn so much from these people and and the tools that they have and how they use them. And um, so I was just always interested in like filming and editing and shooting photos and just being part of what we're doing out there, not just like the stunt man. So yeah, then I, I don't know. I just I think of it as A, I feel super lucky to look back at however many years it was to be like, oh, I, you know, started working with Pierre and Eels and then went into Justin Meyer and Hayden Wrench and Joe Carlino and, you know, um, 
Jake Price and Tanner Pendleton and and Liam Gallagher and Alex. Yeah, I mean, you just go through it. Alex Craig and and all of these people that are like incredible creatives that like come from like, you know, they've made all these things and they do all these things. So I just felt like, holy shit, this is free school. I can sit in. I can look at how they edit things. I can see how they like put things together and and um the, yeah that just drove me to like want to make things also just like oh this is amazing you're just creating this you know like in some ways like making videos or films is similar to making music you're taking all of these things you're putting them together that are in the end gonna like affect someone and it's all just kind of up to you and your little process of what you think is gonna like resonate with someone's heart or their their whatever so yeah it, it it totally has like taken over my snowboard career by being almost like more interested in the like creative process of just like holy fuck like i want to make things and shit filming video parts and being just singular in your like your own success um is vapid it doesn't like it a couple years what does vapid mean i mean it's basically just soulless right like it doesn't in the end, it doesn't like um, doesn't really enrich you as much as you thought it would. You know, I film a couple of videos. You, go, oh my god, I got a part. I'm gonna get this. I'm feeling so good. This video, that video, premiere. People are clapping you, pat you on the back. A couple of years in, you're just like, I, this isn't giving me the juice really, and it's not a good juice. Um, so yeah, then. I think, you know, it started with the Rascals was I filmed a video part. I don't know if it was Cheers or Nice Try or something, but I filmed a full video part the same year we made Rascals, that Scotty and I made Rascals. We premiered it with the part I was in at like Oakley or some place in Southern California. And then... It was a video part I was proud of, like tricks that I hadn't done. And it was like, I was like, oh, that's a good fucking video part. Not a single person talked to me about it. Everyone talked about the Rascals. All, anything that the magazines mentioned about me was the Rascals. Everything just instantly went. And I was like, holy shit, this is like a crappy little homie movie that Scotty and I made on the side of me thinking that that was my job. So then once I saw that, I was just like, oh shit, like you do your own thing. You put it out there. We edit it with like our perspective, our idea of what snowboarding should look like and feel like and then people fucked with it i was just like all right that's there that's where i'll go you know so then yeah it became um just like i want to make my own shit and and also then work with all these people that i respect of just like holy shit i love that i can look back through the catalog and be like i've been able to sit with like all these people that i admire so much creatively like what in that's a very rare industry that like if you're an artist you can go sit in like 50 other artist studios and watch them paint it's like what an incredible thing that i could sit with tanner or sit with mini bike or sit with eels or whoever and see how they like can manipulate these shots or music or whatever so that it's going to affect a person on the other side of the world like that's that really i was like holy fuck this is cool so yeah i pretty much stopped really filming for other people's stuff at that part at that time i love it and there's something really uh powerful i think too about like 
conceptualizing something in your head and like brainstorming and daydreaming and coming out with like, cause every, every project that you created, you know, the standard formula for snowboarding is, is, is video parts is yeah. quote unquote trick porn. Right. But you, every one of the projects that you've created have, has had some type of storyline or there's a conceptualization with that. Yeah. And, and, um, Man, they, they've all turned out great. I think um, we should maybe touch on Mediocre Madness, too, because that, that's one of my favorites, working with Tanner Pendleton, right? Yeah, his, like, he... he Again, these are all just, like, beautiful minds that um, I think we're really lucky to have. Um, pretty much, f- fuck to say, but, like, when you guys mention X Games and Do Tour and all these things that I, I don't think bring people to it, I think these artists who are making these films are the ones who are bringing people deeply into the culture. That effort and their perspective and their kind of like vision on how things are going to feel and what they're going to look like and what they're going to sound like and how important it is to tie a thing to a certain type of music or audio or something that affects people deeply. Like, um, yeah. So mediocre madness is just straight, like all the kids drink water and, um, we had already done pathology and pathology. Pathology's awesome too. Yeah, and 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 Liam, yeah, Liam did such an amazing job, and that was at this time that like it was still very video part driven, and there's no video parts, barely any tricks, mostly crashing, but straight vibe, you know. And then we went into mediocre madness, and it was like a week in a van with like 17 people, and um, yeah, same deal. It's just kind of this beautiful moment too of so many of those kids, Taxwood and and Blake and the Warbingtons and all these kids who kind of were like about to skyrocket into being the dudes. And it's cool getting that question from Blake. Cause honestly, for me, like, um, you know, at this point I, I interact with all the brands that I work for on like many different levels. And one of them obviously is like basically talent scouting. And I always reference Blake Paul as I'm just like, dude, that's a professional. You think he's cool. You think it's dress. You think it's whatever. You think it's just because he's good. It's just like, no, because he's seeing the big picture of like what his job is and he's filming the shit. He's editing that shit. He's thinking about the music. He's thinking about how he's dressed. He's thinking about it all. He's like, he's a professional. And um, that I think is medium rare these days because people still see themselves as this job from like 12 years ago and you're like that's not the job anymore <laughs> totally and just to kind of hone on that seeing blake one thing about him is he snowboards all the fucking time mm-hmm. and every day he goes out whether he's filming a trick for a movie he's going to get a trick for the movie then he's also going to say hey take your phone out i'm going to film my warm-up trick and i'm going to put that on the gram Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna fucking look cool. And uh, I like, like his warm up tricks, man. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, his exactly. grams are awesome. Yeah. yeah, and he's like hat or no hat on powder <laughs> day. You know what I mean? I mean, rock that beautiful hair when you got dude, it, buddy. Yeah, he's getting like shampoo sponsor for him. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Give him that Garnier Fructis, yeah. maybe. Yeah, we're talking like about all these movies. Uh, I got a Patreon question from Johnny Mandel. He says, "What was the most memorable experience during the filming of Life in General?" Whew. Uh, memorable is hard, but maybe provide some context for what life in general yeah, is. Because I think that's the most mentioned that one. That's yet. the most powerful one you've made, in my opinion. Yeah, life in general is like long story long is basically a a, a road trip in this van that my dad um, bought and built when we were kids, and it kind of turned into Steve, Steve and my brother and I's um, just like childhood 
surf van you know we'd take it to the beach and sleep in it and stuff and we'd take it to mexico and um it kind of went its own way into the world one of my dad's friends took it whatever and then it basically hit me up and he's like you want this thing got the general back and alex craig and i made this film um basically just about the weird like relationship you can have with an inanimate object um and for me, like, I'm a little bit of a hoarder or something, or I care so much about these, like, weird things. And, and that van meant a lot to me, maybe because at that time in my life it, like, meant freedom, right? It, like, meant that you can go around and see, be your own person. Um, so, yeah, we made this film with a bunch of friends and, and kind of just, like, me getting back together with this, this old thing that meant so much to me. Um, to answer the question, the most meaningful Part of the journey was I went hunting with my father. This didn't even make the movie, but on the way back up from Baja, Callie and Trevor and Alex um, and Andrew Miller and I went to Baja. My dad and mom have this little, um, it's like a trail, like a trailer park trailer thing on a river down there in Baja. And we went hunting with my dad and his friends and uh, it was beautiful. It was just it's incredible to become an adult and and get to the point where you can see your parents as as a person and not your parent. And it was just one of these moments where I remember just seeing him and his joy and his homies and doing this activity that's his and how hyped he was that me and my community were, you know, participating with him and his. And, yeah, it'll be something that, like, end of my life, you know, well, I'll, I'll just look at it and be like, oh, what a beautiful – I have all these f photos that Miller took. And, yeah, it was just – it was – it was beautiful. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I look at it, and I would say this at the Life in General premieres, but if you're a parent and, and you know, I, I don't have kids, but it, it, it's got to be just like the hardest thing ever, and probably sometimes it feels like you're just running uphill with, with no end, and uh, it's funny for me looking at it, my parents being so willing to, like, kind of do these like rogue travels and trips and to support my brother and I's like wanderlust and how much that affect our perspective. It's like, I don't know, like parents just, I don't know. Your parents seem I, badass. I got a, I got a great question from Yoder that kind of ties into exactly what we're talking about. Here we go. Hey, Bri, it's Alex. Uh, you've been on so many amazing trips all over the world. And I want to ask you about two trips in particular where you decided to take your niece and nephew on a trip for their 10th birthday to a place of their choosing for a little one-on-one -on -one Uncle Brian time. And uh, how'd you come up with that idea? And what are some of the stories from those trips that you'll never forget? Yeah, uh, I guess to preface that a little, my brother has four kids and um, I, I don't even know who really gave me this idea, but someone I was interacting with Basically, it was like, oh, you should take your, your niece and nephew on a 10-year-old trip. When they turn 10, like, basically offer them to take them on a trip. I was like, oh, okay, cool. My brother's oldest, Gavin, turns 10 on his birthday. I'm like, hey, I'm going to want to do this trip. Where do you want to go? And he's into snowboarding. He's like, I want to go to Whistler. And I was like, all right, so these are the rules, basically. Like, I'm going to be there. You're going to fly alone there. 10's young, you know, like especially to travel travel international. This is probably his first time ever traveling alone. So he picked Whistler and um, 
yeah, we just had this like incredible time. He came up, I took him snowmobiling. We went out and stayed in this little cabin. We went and rode Whistler and, and kind of just allowed him to like sit in himself as like, not a man, but kind of just be like, dude, I'm not going to put a bunch of rules on you. We can have conversations that, you know, I'm not, being a parent's hard. You kind of got to guide all these things all the time. I really like probably think about every single thing where I'm just like, I'm your uncle. Like, let's just have a good time. So that was like incredible. And after he went home, my, my sister-in-law, Hannah, she, she called me and was like, holy shit, dude. Like Gavin came back a different person. Like he left a person. And when he came back, a di he came back a different person. And I was like, Oh, that's so moving. I was like, me too. You know, like I, it's amazing to be around kids and see their view of the world. And then so is, is uh, oldest daughter, Audrey, who's just a, a, an amazing little character. She's like, I want to go to New York. And I was like, oh, I was like, okay, like <laughs> go to New York. Same deal. Just set up this trip for her and I, and we go to like the Lion King and we go shopping. And um, for both of them, one of the rules is like every day, we have to try something you've never tried. I don't care if it's an activity or a food or something we need to like, I want you to expand your desires of like stuff or whatever. So it was just like, yeah, it, it's funny because I, at the start felt like I was doing it for them to show them the world or whatever. And then at the end, it's actually just like super selfish and, hmm. you know, like, he has two younger kids that are like a couple of years away from being 10. And I'm just like, so excited, you know? So where'd you come up with this again? Just someone I was talking to told me about it. And honestly, it's so incredible. They basically were like, yo, this is the, this is kind of at the end of when kids are totally just still creative and seeing the world beautiful and wonderful and amazing. It's before they kind of start, you know, the world beats you down and, mm -hmm. and gets rid of creativity, gets rid of imagination, gets rid of all of this shit. And, um, yeah, so 10-year-old trips. If you got a niece and nephew or I got to do that with my brother. I, I got two, yeah. I'm, I'm in three. It's, I got three. Dude, I promise you. Actually, I got some that I missed, so I'm, I'm going to start with these other ones. I promise you it, it's fucking amazing. Like, yeah, 10-year-old like, I got another hard-hitting question. So we talked oh. about energy drinks. Salt. now. Run through a wall smelling salts. Do you I, do are, the salts? Are this what I mean? Where are we at with this? Is this because I feel like it's it's not it's not really bad for you. This guy's never done tried one. Dude, he's never done nothing. So yeah, you <laughs> squeeze it. I'll give you a little tutorial. You squeeze it. It'll pop. Oh, oh! And then you you let it rip. And you squeeze it this way. Squeeze it in the middle. Yep. It's not a drug. <laughs> oh! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're talking about guys never done nothing over here. <laughs> oh my god. I enjoy them personally. What is that? It's ammonia. Wakes it's ammonia. you up. Yeah, we're ready. We're ready for another six hours of podcast. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, that's, yeah. There it is. Ammonia inhalant. How often do you do this? Uh, probably every day. Every time we do an episode. Stimulant. Really? Oh yeah, all the time. But I don't feel like that's. I don't think that's conflicting with drink no. water. I think that's a totally. I no, that's um, terrible though. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I'm surprised you did it, even with all the, your rec track record you got going. Oh no, I mean, I'm, does that help? I feel yeah. just like it's yeah, supposed it to like uh, get more oxygen into your blood. All right, we got another guest question from your partner. In Rapid life. fire, Callie. Here we go. Hey, Chris Eastone and Brian Callie here. Excited, Brian's on the podcast. He's been holding out on you for a minute. 
Speaking of holdouts, Brian, when we first met, you were using a flip phone, very anti-iPhone and anti-Instagram. Why did you end up conforming and do you regret it now? Can't wait to listen to the podcast. See you guys. Speaking of holdouts, fuck. <laughs> I like that. Um, hi, Cal. Um, yeah, that is true. I don't know. I don't know if I regret it. Honestly, time will tell. I think uh, that's probably how everyone who's looking at all of this stuff from a distance. Uh, for my career, you know, it, honestly, I started because of her. She, that's like a, what do you call it? A not a crutch or something? No, like a lobbed up uh, when you do the. The video a meatball? Parts. Yeah, that was a meatball. Cause like, <laughs> what do you call it? He's like, it's a meatball. So basically, like, she is like early. She saw the value in basically the internet so early. Mm. Like, she was like early to like sell. She was like working for some like eBay clothing reseller, like doing blogs and writing blogs and working and just seeing like that the internet was going to like surpass all stuff. And so she's super confident at using it and. And using it as a tool. Um, so she basically was just like, yo, what are you doing? Like, this is where everything's going. And I'm just sitting there T9 texting like, da, 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 da. like I'm not going <laughs> to, the man's not going to get me. I thought it was a, I thought it was a bad version of, of art. I didn't, I didn't see it for what it's become now that you can, like anything, you can take anything and, and with your perspective, make, make, something good out of it and uh yeah i don't regret it but i do feel like it's pretty gnarly for us you know it's it's clearly demonstrate and demonstrated that it's like gonna have negative effects on people and probably our generation the worst because we came at it at this like crazy time where we're like holy fuck we don't know how to deal with it um and professional athletes dude it's it's a weird thing to deal with ego and and um Social media does a, a bad job at that as well as like trying to convince you of like what value is. So and you'd be well, doing your brands a disservice, kind of, if you well, didn't get on it as a job, you know. Slash at a, at a certain point, like the only the main part of my job that I love is encouraging people to go out and experience the mountains or go on a trip and see the world and open their open their eyes to like magic. That, that's at the end of the day, that's what I like love about my profession is just like I hope that this effort time and energy put into making things will result into someone being encouraged to go fucking get it mm -hmm. and live it and right now Instagram is like a good way to give that to the world mm -hmm. um yeah so yeah you know thank you Callie for uh yeah making me get an iPhone and an Instagram and uh you know, well, you touched on something too uh, that I think is a really—it's a topic we talk about on this a lot. But you know, as pro snowboarders, we there is an expiration date, right? Uh, and you know, a lot of pros—you know, their their career ends, the check stops showing up, they have no life skills, they're stuck with their dick in their hand, and they're like, "I don't know what the fuck to do," right? And you have done a phenomenal job having the foresight to set yourself up to where you're going to be okay when or if the check stops showing up. Uh, 
do you want to explain kind of how you've done that to our listeners? Uh, yeah. I mean, okay. is a, yeah, broad generalization of existence, but yeah, I, uh, basically from the urging of my father and my mother really to that, you know, they gave me this understanding of like save, invest, and then also like manage overhead. Um, because free time, um, is our goal. You know, everyone has to work. Everyone has a certain amount of energy allotted to a day. So yeah, at some point, basically my dad's like, yo, you don't need a single family home. Like you travel too much. Like you should not be paying a mortgage on a house to sit there empty. Even if you have roommates, like that's not a good use of your money. You should think about like a multi multifamily unit or get a duplex or get a triplex or something. And you live in one and rent out the other one and you can, you know, minimize your overhead and it'll change your life. And I'm just like, oh, whatever, whatever. And at a certain point, I, yeah, I did that. I bought this duplex that was super run down. And because I used to work construction, I, I was like, oh, I'll fix it up in the summers and rent one out. And yeah, it turned into this full passion that I have now, which is like, it's an artistic outlet. It's so fun. I love building things. I love the idea that you can, you know, for an undervalued price, go buy a house, put a shitload of time and effort and thinking and energy and planning into it. And it comes out beautiful or, you know, make a rental and someone else can enjoy that. And, um, yeah, so now I, you know, I have a couple or, you know, we have a couple rentals and, um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a full another job basically as far as like management and income and, and a little bit. Yeah. Obviously it's a little bit of a retirement, but mostly it's also like, fuck, I love the fact that I think of once you start interacting with the place you live, you gain a crazy understanding of society, which is just like everything you're in, everything that you use, everything you drive, everything was built by somebody and it was built by somebody by like effort, thinking, planning, energy. And I just loved that moment of being like, holy shit, like I can change these walls. I can change these windows. I can change this roof. I can change the bathroom. I can think about where light comes in and, and then see how much that affects me. And then in the rental market, see how much that affects other people. It's, it's like a weird living art, piece that other people are in you know and affects them and if you think about it in a way that's beautiful you're like fuck it's i i love that i i really have become addicted to it um and in snowboarding in this profession we 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 don't have a lot of like clear understanding of finished tasks which is like very human you know time, effort, energy, and you get the end result of like, I did all this and now this happened. Snowboarding is just kind of vague. Do you have a good year? I don't know. Did you, I, don't, I don't know. Was that good? Is it bad? Did anything come out? What'd you do? <clears throat> Construction's amazing. Get rid of that wall. Wow, this feels different. Feeling like energy time. And then you get the feeling, the payoff of just like, oh shit, you know? And that's like a part of me that I didn't know I was missing until I started yeah, basically like manipulating living spaces. But. Dude, I love what you're saying because I just finally learned this like a month ago. You can be in a house that's not really, no one puts any thought into how it's built or how it's positioned or where the light comes in. 
And then when you get into a house where someone actually took that time, it's like the whole vibe, dude. It's insane. Like uh, yeah. they think about okay, the lights, sun comes up this way, it's gonna hit there in the morning. It's gonna come. It's it's just a night and day difference. Yeah. Dif- different experience. It's a hundred percent. And um, also, yeah, and you, you're you, able to tweak you bree- that for you, these people. You also breezed over too is the fact that you set up this. You know what? What do you? It's a good a good thing to ask. You know, good way to figure out what you want in life is well first you got to figure out what you want in life right and mm-hmm. and from what i'm hearing like you value your time right mm-hmm. free time and there's not too many things most jobs require somebody to be at a establishment from x till y time right so so then with with your your job you you get in there like a dog on a stake and grind <laughs> it out and mm-hmm. fucking renovate the house and rent it out and then that affords you passive income and free time to go i see you fucking surfing all the time seems like you know you you've positioned yourself to create a great life of balance of freedom and working hard yeah i mean there's it's it's again yeah it is um that is a payoff of yeah that time and energy and um again too like it's it's funny callie's question but like she being an internet person right away was just like Yo, you're living at my house all winter. You should Airbnb your house. And I'm like, what? What's that? And she's just like, you can rent your house. Because I would basically just like fix a duplex, rent the other side, keep one side for me. And then she's just like, yo, you're gone. You're living with me for six months. Like, rent that place out. And I was like, uh, I don't know. So she's like, fuck it, I'll do it. Sets it all up, does it. <laughs> Boom. And then, you know, again, it's like those were parts of myself that like I didn't really see all that. I was a little one dimensional with snowboarding and with these things. And then she brought this perspective of like, yo, this internet thing is going to change everybody's way of travel, every, you know, communication, all these things. Okay. And yeah, so then Airbnb did that. And then, you know, that turned into another place. And then, you know, you know, we have a couple of them now. To How many total? Six. Yeah, <laughs> that's one. He's, a couple. he's fucking. Do- he was trying to Louis Vito that. <laughs> yeah, dude. Dancing around the answer. We have a couple of them now, and they're all duplexes. So that's twelve units. No, it's six. Doors, oh, six so units. Okay. But yeah, it's a dope. It's awesome. It's really like, um, it's work though. It's not fully passive. There's a lot of work going into it. There's a lot of effort. It's not. It's not just like eh, whatever. Um, you don't get a property manager. You're the yeah. That's that's a job. Yeah, yeah I'm probably pretty. It's it's a lot. So, yeah, um, yeah maybe property management. I had one point, duplex, but. and I wasn't for me. Yeah, it's a lot. You're you're doing a lot of like management of humans and feelings and communication and stuff. But again, it's it's just a job. And you know, as snowboarders, we have a lot of free time. And you know, mine isn't taken up by partying. So it's <laughs> honestly like so much of it is like I got free time, I got energy, I got work. That that's like also the videos. That's all the shit is just like I like making stuff. I like building stuff. I like I get so much value out of creation. Like and um houses are just like a part of that, I guess. Uh one thing I want to pick your brain on too, I think that's fascinating is is maybe there's an illusion that that uh like f- like all leisure is good, right? Where it's like I just want to be able to do whatever I want all the time, but I feel like personally it's the balance of hard work and leisure that makes the leisure fun. Yeah, absolutely. That's 
like going back to what I said earlier, that's love and pain, right? There's, there is, um, I actually don't desire an easy life. I like, um, I, I desire a life of substance and substance comes from, you know, caring and hard work and energy and yeah, making, making clear decisions on like where you, you expend your energy. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I, I actually feel like, you know, Yoder and I actually talk about this sometimes a lot. We're both a little bit plagued by this. We've created a life that's like so travel based and, um, kind of almost on the road that we have subtracted ourselves from like physical community. We have this huge community and it's beautiful. And you're like, I go to all these different places and I have two or three people that I deeply care about and I interact with them and we have these amazing relationships and then boom, I leave. And it's just like, I don't know when I'm going to see you again. And that's super hard. That's actually a part of this job and the part of the life that I live that's, that, is really difficult and sometimes tragic is just like people don't count on me when you're a kid it's funny you think that that's what you want is to not be held responsible for anything and just have this free sick life blank check life or whatever but you know i think as you age you're like you want people to count on you you know that's I think that's how you age gracefully. That's like that book Blue Zones or whatever. It touches on the fact that just like these weird communities that live to like really high ages and the why do they do And so many of them are just like they live in community where everyone's needed. The grandma, the parent, the kid, the grandkid, everyone's interacting yeah. with each other enough that like that grandparent has a shitload of daily value. They mm -hmm. are needed. Yeah. We in humani humanity, yeah. we like, we actually only really flourish when we're needed. Um, well, the elderly can pass away if they're left with nothing Dude, to do. That's it's like deadly. If you lose your spouse and Dude, you have nothing, everything depression. Yeah. Outliers covers that as yeah. well. They talk about that, that where they why do people live so long? And they thought it was environmental and all these things. So it ended up being the sense of community. I love it, dude. Very deep, insightful conversation. All right, we're gonna take a quick break and talk to you guys about our new sponsor, DB. Yeah, we have a new partner this winter, and they are a travel brand designed in Scandinavia. Built for the journey, DB's products feature the hookup system. And the cool thing about this is you can carry your board bag, your wheeler bag, and your backpack all with one single hand. Yeah, these are some quality bags, buds. They feature ribcage technology, ensuring all your gear is protected. DB is the brand for award-winning snow travel gear. It's backed by some of the best, Sage Kotzenberg, Kevin Backstrom, Estelle Pensiero, and Gimbal God, and many more. If you want to find out more, you can follow DB at DB Journey. That is at D-B-J-O-U-R-N-E-Y. On IG, or if you want to go on their website, head on over to dbjourney.com and sign up for the DB Black Membership. and Be the first to know when their new Sage Kotzenberg line drops this winter. And the best hooked-up luggage ride this winter wins a full Sage Kossenberg Edition travel collection. So be sure to check them out on Instagram at dbjourney and head on over to their website, dbjourney.com. Quality board bags, roller bags, backpacks, 
some of the best you can find. All right, it's time to get into the pub beer crapshoot, buds. You going to crack some can? I'm cracking can, sons, for the guys who can't. Two yeah. Of you, two of you. Do it for the people that can't. Or the guy that never tried. Yeah. Delicious. Pub beer supports us. You should support them. If you're thinking about responsibly having a ice-cold beer or maybe a lukewarm beer. Last one's called. What are you going to choose, bud? Pub beer every time, my friend. All right, so roll this dice right here. Mm-hmm. And we'll tell you what you got to do. Coon Gears is six. I'm hitting nine. Kids hitting nine. Nine. Name one thing on your career bucket list that you still haven't done. Good question for the guy with a deep career like him. Career bucket list that I haven't done. Triple cork? No. I mean, AK with T. Ricky, you've already done it. Yeah. I mean, jeez. Rails, um, you did them. Here's the deal. Still to this day, this is like really weird to say. I have daydreams about being announced as a pro snowboarder from a company. I, 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 like, since oh, that shit. moment, I haven't really, like, been like, I want this, I want last part or whatever. Like, still to this day, there's, like, weird, this, like, weird little kid energy that's just, like, this was a childhood dream, and, and I, like, I... Yeah. I've, I mean, we could help you with this. We have a well, little smelling salt company. <laughs> you know, we could announce a pro team. <laughs> We could have a cut, a video like we could we could do it all. You know? Yeah, like, I don't know. We're trying I, to put together a team. I don't know. At this point, I'm just honestly just really, really fulfilled in just being part of this industry and and having the community that I do have here. And um, I don't think my ego needs any more shit. We're gonna take a quick break and talk to you guys about Autumn Headwear. Now I'm currently wearing the Autumn Bombhole Collaboration Beanie. This thing kicks ass because it's designed by their founder, Brad Allband. He's one of the best designers in the industry. And his whole shtick, their whole shtick, is that style and creativity matter. You see that in the fits. You see that in the design. You see that in the team of who they select to be on their team. They got Jill Perkins. They got Sam Tax with Danimals. All stylish characters. And their whole shtick is that they want beanies to have specific fits so if you want to go sky high resi they got a fit for you if you want to go sailor gym rolled up above the ears they got a fit for you so again beanies are a strong form of expression and style matters so if you're thinking about picking up a great beanie head on over to autumnheadwear.com we got a little promo code for you use promo code bombhole for 20 percent off and get that dome piece looking right Again, bombhole, 20% off, autumnheadwear.com. All right, we're going to get into a guest question from none other than Rick McCrank. Here we go. Hey, bombholers. This is Rick McCrank calling in. Um, I'm going to keep it short and sweet. Brian, I know that you are a bit of a collector of things in general, and I'm wondering about your snowboard collection, if there is one that is maybe your most cherished. I mean, other than mine. Um, all right. Love you guys. Well, maybe I'll meet you guys one day and love you, but love you, Bri. Take care. He said he loves us, dude. <laughs> I love you too, Rick. I love you too. Love you, Rick. <laughs> love you so much, well, my good friend. He, lo- he said he loves us, but he did- then he kind of took, yeah, it, back. He took <laughs> it back. He kind of took but it back. But we love you. But still. we love you we either way. Even you. though you took it back, we still love you, Rick McCrank. Can't triple step a double step. <laughs> yeah, um, Rick McCrank. <laughs> love Full you, Rick McCrank. 
Yeah, prize possession snowboard. Probably my first one. I'm like lucky to have the first snowboard I ever had. <sighs> LibTech, Jamie Lynn, hibiscus flower with the ribbed rainbow mm. top sheet. Classic. Um, and I, it's not a rebuy. No, no, no. It's your it's first it. board. Yeah, it was really special, actually. I, My parents bought it for me. Um, I think it was one or two years old on, like, this, like, clearance sale at a, I think, a store called Pacific Drive or something, like, in Pacific Beach, California. Pacific like random, Drive was a... Random surf shop yeah. thing or something. I think Pacific Drive is... Either way, something uh, down in Pacific Beach. And um, rode it forever, loved it. And then um, gave it to this girl in my high school, went on with my career, became a pro snowboarder, started collecting boards and was into, I've always been into boards and art and people who do their own graphics and shit. Probably because of getting that and having it be this like kind of weirdo little artsy board, you know, it's like very feminine looking board for your first like 14 year old snowboard boy graphic. But just thinking like, this is cool. And this dude made it and he painted it and like, um, that girl, Sandy Barinsky, actually, like, 10 years, whatever, later, like, was like, oh. <laughs> yeah, what up, yes, Sandy? Sandy. <laughs> Sorry, uh, I laid on the air horn. Yeah, uh, gave it back to me. It was just like, hey, I thought you might want this. I found it, like, in my parents' garage, and I was like, holy, it, like, floored me. And, yeah, so that's probably my most prized one. But Rick mentions it, too. Like, uh, I have his board from the intro to Manic Mahdi, like, I have some JP boards, Peter boards. I have Scotty's. You got the D23 I got rainbow? The, dude, I got the rainbow. I, I have, but I mean, there's a bunch of them that like, you know, like one of Scotty, Scotty's board that he filmed, uh, the Clash song, whatever that, that uh, robot food. No, oh, the oh, robot, food. robot yeah. food movie. Him and Louis share that part. That's like mm. so amazing. Capital board? No, it's that I Love Lib board. Oh, I Love Lib. Uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, either way, just I have this weird – I think it's just – that's part of this culture that really made me fall, fall in love with it, which is just like art, you know? Like so much of it is just this portal for people to be an artist, whether it's the snowboarding, but also like all the board graphics and shit are incredible. So I think I fell in love with that. And, you know, it's weird now because basically like the boards that I put out are like the antithesis to art. They're basically just like color palettes and weird little fonts, but – um yeah, I always just like loved people who made their own graphics and and painted and and wanted to be a part of the whole big picture of of snowboards and um yeah, I mean you see it with Jamie, like what what an incredible impact he's had on the industry because he's he yeah, he just does it himself. Jamie Lynn I, for the I, listeners. I think that uh, I don't know if everybody knows this about you, but you've obviously done your own graphics, and these ones are very simple. But yeah, I didn't know you were like a painter, and you you're actually really good at drawing. Because I was watching something where you you like painted the entire graphic on like a piece of wood that's the size of a snowboard. Yeah. Sick. So and then submitted that for your graphic. Yeah, I've I've always almost. Up until I started doing well, even with these, like even with the color palette ones, like I'll mostly cut out uh, full size and paint, spray paint, roller paint, something to get an idea so I can lay them all out and see what they feel like under my feet. And yeah, board graphics, I would I would just get like pieces of wood that are the exact dimension of the board. And you know, the first board I ever had, Dave Doman helped me lay it out and. Damn. It was yeah amazing. It was rad like to see him 
kind of go through that process and like he's such a cool artist in the way that he sees it but he left it to be mine and then the second board I was basically like fuck I don't know what to do my brother and I were at the nitro offices and kind of just like getting that like dude you got what what's your graphic gonna be go to the hardware store buy a roll of duct tape go back spray paint my last year's board black and then him and I basically just like ripped out little pieces of duct tape and duct taped them on the board, wrote my name, wrote nitro, put the X's where the feet go and shit. And still to this day, like that one's probably my favorite. I board remember graphic. that one. Yeah. Man. The nitro duct tape. Yeah. Very and sick. it was just cool that it was like him and I did it. And they did such a good job of like the duct tape was, uh, had a shine to it and the rest of the board was matte. So like people all the time would like feel it and be like, is that duct tape? You know, the Mac gloss effect. Yeah, been so like yeah. nitro. I mean, that's actually why I had like crazy drama with K two when I left, um, and that's pretty much based on me being in love with Tonino. Um, when I left K two, it's basically because Tonino's like, dude, I wanted, I want you to ride for Nitro, and I want to give you a pro model, and I was just like, holy, fuck. I was like, all right. So basically, left K two and went to Nitro, and then now it's been. Maybe 15 years or so. I don't know. Maybe, I don't the know. right decision was made. Yeah. Yeah. 12 years or something. Yeah. I mean, right decision for me. It, you know, I've like always, for me in this industry, I've always really gone with my gut on people. Less on brand. I mean, brands obviously, but people, you know, like I look at the brand, look what they make, see if I can align myself with the product or not. And then I go and sit down with a human and be like, what's this human like? And what are the humans who work there like? And, um, been so lucky to interact with like creatives on the other side of brands that like I feel personally tied to and I feel proud to work with and um yeah that's a that's a huge part I think that's why I've never had an agent is because I always wanted to be like really tied in with the companies that I represented so that I knew where they were coming from and they knew where I was coming from and you know if hard times came or weird times came we could sit down and have a conversation that's like you know face-to-face like personal love it well we've been going for a while here and there's still some other important things we need to talk about and i know you went up to Baldface and did a, a case study on one of the avalanches that you went through and i think it would be really beneficial for our listeners if you could tell that story and maybe we can provide some photos on the screen and things like that for our listeners and you can walk us through the the case study on this slide yeah, I'll try and be I'll try and be as concise as I can. It's a long story, but basically I was on a tri- a company trip um with a group of people, filmer photog um and another athlete that you know I wasn't comfortable working with, just not because I didn't like him, but just because like we hadn't worked together before. So for me initially, like when I go into those scenarios, it's it's a, that's different, you know, like I've created a space where like I operate really inside of my community with like who I go into the backcountry with, why, how, how it, how it works, who's responsible for what. And you kind of know people's comfort level, you know, how they interact with the mountains, you know, what, how far they'll push it, how far they'll pull back, whatever. So this one wasn't one of those. It was pretty much like a company demanded trip. So I was feeling a little bit uncomfortable going but kind of being like, I can, you know, self-manage, whatever. First day we heli, it definitely was apparent that I was like, ooh, I don't like this vibe. I don't like the communication that we have. I don't like the communication we have with the guide. Pretty much that night I went home and basically asked um, 
if 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 we could get a different guide to come. I just felt like the energy was wrong for like risk management. I was just like, I don't, I don't like this personally. And they were fine with it. They were like, cool. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, a, a good friend of mine is close. John Buffery. He lives in Nelson. He can come up here and they they know John. They're like, cool. Yeah. Get buff up here. Buff comes up. Um, and buff is an incredible, incredible person. Yeah. He's, um, he's spent his life in the mountains and he's, he's really level headed and it's, it, he, he practices his role in the mountains with no ego. And that as you get older is like an incredible skill to have somebody who can be like level-headed in decision-making either way. So I knew I was like, Oh, this is a little bit of like uh, a pad for me between this crew and this scenario of like how I'm feeling uncomfortable. He came out, we, we knew that Abbey conditions were a little sketch, but they were medium. We weren't, it wasn't red flag or anything. And we were like, all right, we'll go out there. We'll, we'll do kind of a warm up run, see how things go. Maybe take a treed run and, and see what, what's reacting. We get set on one piece of this kind of a bigger slope, but very treed, like very broken. It's, you know, from afar, it looked like, oh, that's a safe, safe first run for the day. We set up, I basically was like, oh, I'm going to hit this little, little air into this thing, do a turn there. And then I'll kind of like fade into these trees and you know, it'll mellow. Honestly, like I didn't take much. I wasn't, I wasn't like I was scared. I was like, well, okay. Buff goes down. He's like, I'm going to dig a pit. Filmer sets up, Photog sets up other riders with me. He calls back up. He's like, I don't really like what I'm seeing. I'm going to go dig another pit. At this point, we're kind of anxious. You know, you're strapped in, you're like ready to work. You, you kind of have some level of of fucking machismo going or whatever. So the vibe in our crew is starting to be like, what the fuck, dude, let's hit this thing. It's nothing. Like, this is nothing. Like what's up with this dude? You know, what's up with your dude, Brian? Like, and I'm just like, Oh, it's cool. He's just going to dig another pit, whatever goes and digs another pit. And he's like, same deal. I just don't really like what I'm seeing. You know, let's just go ride something else. And it's definitely like on our end, the dude's vibe was definitely very like, what the fuck? Like, this is, but for me, like very few people I hold in higher regard than buff. So I'm just like, ah, I don't give, I didn't even say anything to them. I was like, cool. I just pulled off where I was ready to drop in, pulled off, basically put like no pressure. I was like above the Ridge, went to the other side of the Ridge as I was riding away from the line remote triggered, like probably a, I don't know, three foot slab. That was like, 200 300 yard 200 yards wide holy shit and just went fucking nat geo style like <laughs> like loud everyone feels it and then you just start hearing like trees like <laughs> and everyone's like what the fuck what the fuck and i'm off on the other side buffs obviously is where's brian you know like it starts to get ramped up thing plumes into the valley bottom like heli pilot takes off he's across the valley everything's just kind of one of those moments where it's like holy fuck like and I, and you know, it's a ride down to buff and buff. everyone good. You know, it just was this thing of like, oh shit. And, you know, for me in that moment, um, buff's not there. I like ride that line probably a hundred percent. We would have dug a pit. He didn't really even see psycho reactive layers. He just was like, I'm not feeling this. It's a little weird. Let's just go somewhere else. Like whatever instinctively he knew about the mountains. He's like, I'm not liking it. Um, and yeah, straight up, like 100% would have died. You know, like there's no doubt it was such a 
it was such a treed run that like you know trauma kills most people um in an avalanche so had you not pulled off that other guy might have went sure i mean there's so many things about it where like yeah it was just heavy it was a big it you know i went home i was really frazzled um really frazzled went home and callie <laughs> day i got home callie was like oh i booked us a trip we're going to el salvador like we left the <laughs> next morning and just basically like went and chilled in the sun and you know some of those things are hard um because you get that like uh, you know final destination moment of like fuck was i was it was that supposed to be my end or was it supposed to all these things lead to buff coming up here to be like not today dude you know, well, look look at that intuition. The yeah. intuition saying, ah, "I'm just not vibing with this guide." Right? That's your that that's you following that intuition. Mm-hmm. That's not necessarily logic. That's a feeling. Yeah, well, and the guide had it. Buff yeah. had it. Yeah, too. He, so it's yeah. like two gut feelings. Yeah, and you know, and those those things are, again, like you know, I'll point to another scenario. We had the Patreon question. I don't know if I should reference this because whatever, if you go on Patreon and you can listen to the questions that are secondary to these, but um, just about going to the mountains alone, you know, like closest I've come to dying was in view of a lift at Mount Baker, pretty much under the run. You know, I was riding, it was a deep day. I was riding a line with Scotty that we ridden a thousand times full speed without stopping, hit a cliff, hit like a weird down, like icy tree ball, went into a full tomahawk head first into a tree. Well, Boom, going to the tree well, board edge like sticks into the tree and I'm hanging upside down, full void down there. I'm like, can't get anything. Like I'm just hanging by my board stuck into a tree. Any movement, the like tree wells collapsing on me, collapsing on me. I'm just like, holy fuck. Like, all right. I'm just you like I knew, you know, I've like read enough about tree wells. I'm like, I just gotta sit here and chill. Like, don't move, you know, moving kills you. You like move, more snow comes in, no one can find you, you suffocate and die. So I'm just you know basically like at some point in time scotty's gonna retrace our steps and he will get to me i don't know how long it was but at some point i just hear him yelling and then shit starts collapsing on me i like basically make a small air pocket with my one hand that was free he digs out the bottom side of the tree well you know does all the right shit basically leverages my board against the downhill side of the tree well against his own body weight pulls me out I left and I was just like, holy fuck, I just would have died under a lift. Like I'm a paid professional snowboarder riding with a partner, you know, at that time, probably as good as I've ever been at snowboard, you know, like just freak like this thing hit that thing. The way you ping pong down the hill, head first in this tree. Well, don't have a buddy with you who, you know, like homie got to the bottom of the run, took his board off and went fucking Rambo back up the hill to wherever he thought I was and dug mm-hmm. me out. Like he said, I talked to Scotty, but he said it was a full like sprint uphill in like waist deep snow. How far down are we talking? <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, again, it's just one of those things where you don't have to be far at yeah. all. You know, it takes it's a hard to move through that. Yeah. Super hard to move. I mean, you didn't have snowshoes. You're free mm-hmm. riding. Yeah. It's so, it's a lot of those things. Just like that one's freak occurrence. The other one's like maybe some intuition, some luck, whatever, but. You know, the reality is once you enter the back country or side country, you are putting a little bit of like life to chance. And um, yeah, I actually, my, the thing that affected me the most was a line I rode at the end of our trip for energy with Curtis and Austin. We rode um, 
this face called Triple Shot, which is like a famous Haynes line. Austin just posted something of like the one he wrote is psycho. Either way, we pick our three, we ride our things, everyone rides their shit good. We're like juiced up that like bottom of Alaska drug that you can't replicate. And Austin's like, I want to ride that thing. And Kurt's like, I'm going to ride that thing. But there wasn't any obvious ones left. So I'm like, well, fuck, I'm getting in the helicopter. I don't know what I'm going to ride, but I'll figure something out. Get to the top. And I'm like, fuck, what do I ride? You know, like that feeling is lonely, dude. It's such a crazy thing. So either way, ride this thing, manage my slough poorly. I knew at the bottom I was basically going to be between like a large cliff and a Bergstrom, which is like a you know, if you don't know, it's a big ass hole to the depths of the earth where like a glacier separates from the hill. So I was like, well, I got to go between that. Slough hits me go into like aggressive tomahawk. As I'm tomahawking, I'm like, I hope I don't go in that fucking Bergstrom. Like, again, let's like go into that thing and I'm dead. Boom, get to the wherever I stop ragdolling, like it's shitload of snows going. Don't really know if I'm in an avalanche or just like big amount of slough. Slough, 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 it's filling up behind my back. Radio's going crazy. They can't sh- see anything from where they're perched because there's, like, so much snow in there. Everything clears. I'm just like, hey, boys, I'm good on the radio. Look over, and basically, like, where you're sitting was just, like, a fucking 200-foot hole to, like, nothing. Eka Bergstrom. Eka Bergstrom, dude. Damn. I was just like, whoa. It's just another one of those moments of, like, in an aggressive ragdoll, you have no control over, like, your direction. Like, I could have hit one thing, and it pushed me, like, two feet to the right, went straight into that thing. Those boys never – it fills up behind me. They never find me. Like, that's the end of your life. Like, go home. I, like – in these moments, I don't really talk to my parents. They're, like, frightened enough of what we're doing. I call my brother, and I'm just like, fuck, I had a heavy day. Like, you know, was like affected, really affected. Like that moment probably affected the rest of like me trying to progress skills yeah. and more just trying to yep. be like, holy fuck, I want to live, you know? Yep, like, yep, yep. These are life changers. I call him and he's like, dude, check this out. He's like, um, he's like, I got a Facebook messenger message from your first girlfriend, this girl I haven't talked to in 25 years this morning asking, hey, is Brian all right? I had a dream about him that he died today. What? And my brother was when he told me that, I was just like, fuck, dude. Like, I like, I don't know. It 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 was just like crazy moment in life where I was like, what the fuck? Like, again, like, should I have I don't know. Not like, not like, I don't know. Yeah. Weird moments where divine experience. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. You hadn't seen her in 20 years, is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, More, probably 25. I don't know. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's next level. Wow. So yeah, be I don't know. Stuff. Like what's yeah, what 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 are your uh what's the main takeaway from this? Mm. I don't know. The main takeaway is like I don't I don't regret any of those experiences because I think risking something again, it goes back to fear and love. Like if you are willing to risk being afraid or hurt, like the the love is the thing that you get by risking it and the love and the passion and the like fullness and so yeah, I I am. Um, I'm just happy to have not died because life is beautiful, and um, those things are kind of dope too. Because you're like, well, what is life without stories? So yeah. Well, I'm happy you're here Dude. to sit on that side of the table and mm-hmm. and tell us that, and that's really special and divine. And and there's a lot more we could get into with that, but we are 
uh, we got to start kind of rounding the corner on this thing because we're actually running out of recording time Dude, here. That's a bomb so, hole first. So um, we haven't hit hot takes. We got to get through hot takes. It's a bomb hole staple. So this is yeah. a little bit more of a rapid fire type okay. of situation. <laughs> I'm good round. at rapid fire, huh? <laughs> Lightning round. Yeah. Uh, Michael Jordan and or, or, you know, to you or the goat of snowboarding, both male okay. and female, who you got? Um, so this first, I'm going to answer long form because like, I just don't think this is a sport. So you relating it to a sport is really difficult because sport is based on results, winning and losing. There isn't winning and losing in snowboarding. That's why there's so much controversy over every contest. It's because it's just personal perspective on who's good or bad or who did the best. That's why people get so pissed. So for me, my goat, if you want it to be sport, it has to be Terrier. That's definitely an unpopular opinion, but goat status as far as like contest results, longevity of career, videos made that impacted people. It's just really difficult to argue that he's not the best competitor and provider of content that we've ever had. But again, I don't think it's a sport, so I'm going with Craig because Craig is the person that showed us that it's a culture and an experience, not a sport. Um, and that's why I don't really care about the X Games or Dude Tour because I think those things take away from the culture. They don't add to it. And um, alongside him, I'm going to go with Barrett Christie Oof. Cummins um, because I think that she has operated so beautifully as like a caretaker for the culture on every aspect of like ripping, being a fucking huge heart and being a good steward at business, good steward as like a female fucking beast, you know? Um, so Barrett. Great answer. And Craig. Okay. Most underrated. Underrated. Uh, I think, I think everyone goes with the same person, which is probably Chad O. But I actually don't think that he's underrated. I think he's just – it's hard to value somebody who's so consistently ripping forever. You know, you just kind of become like, yeah, he rips. Like <laughs> he Lou, does, Lou Gehrig, basically. Yeah, he's just yeah. like, well, he doesn't age, and he's fucking yeah. incredible. And yeah. <laughs> But I don't know if that's underrated. He's just, like, not as celebrated because he's still just fucking ripping. Steel or powder? Powder. <laughs> Best style ever? Scotty. Woo. Best snowboard video ever made. Yeah, I'm going to go Meltdown Project. Best board graphic ever. Jamie Lynn Hibiscus Flower. Pants over the high back or under the high back? Under the high back. I actually have like a group that thread with Todd Richards and and like all it is is him talking about like pants over the high back. It's incredible. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> if you could go heliboarding with three people, just good times, ripping powder, who are you taking? Three people. Uh, Steve, Callie, Scotty. <laughs> Dope crew. Okay, go to first try backcountry step down trick. Uh, front three. Classic. All right. <laughs> uh, we got to get into setups. People always want to know what, what you're riding, uh, how you set it up, any quirky things you do. 
you ride every one of these boards or what? It's got like 17 <laughs> pro models. <laughs> how, how do you decide, you know? Uh, yeah, no, I probably I go um, 21-0, and I think I got about a 21-and-a-half-inch stance. Mostly, though, I just feel it, put my feet down there and kind of go, mm, how does that feel? How does it look on the board, whatever? Um, if I ride a park board, I'll hit it with like a, negative six or something on the back foot just to kind of open up my hips so that I can do tricks. Uh, what about bindings? Board, what board particularly do you ride? I honestly try and, you know, ride the, you know, the majority of the quiver boards depending on the, you know, that's why we have them. It's like it just, we make that quiver to, um, so that you can enjoy each type of snow well and, also have fun and be kind of just like, ooh, that's going to be fun for today. And it, like, adds this little, like, moment of, like, decision-making that you're like, this will heighten my day. And um, mostly that works. Have you met some people that buy every one of them? Um, yeah, but not often. I mean, it, it not often. I mean, yeah, but mostly it's over, like, a span of years. Gotcha. Of, I want to get this one. I want to get that yeah, one. I love this one. I'm going to grab yeah. that one. Yeah. Well, we're randomly going to be giving away one of these Nitro Quiver Boards. Uh, how we're going to do that is if you go to bombhole.com, you buy some merch between December 7th and December 9th. This episode comes out on December 7th. Uh, one of those purchases will randomly get a little bonus purchase, uh, and we'll throw in a, a board. I'll I'm throw gonna, in one of these I'm Nitro buy boards. some merch. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. Which board are we thrown in? Do we know that? Um, we could probably let them pick. Okay. Just one of the quivers. One of you the know, quivers. You pick a winner, and yeah. then they can, they can basically pick a board. Totally. Sick. So uh, head on over to bombhole.com if you're interested, right when this episode comes out. Get some merch, you get some smelling salts, uh, maybe a bombhole hoodie. Uh, we also have prints, too, shot by Bob Plum. Yes. We got Sick some. Sick print. Uh, I don't know where you were, but the mountains look incredible. We were snowboarding a little bit above Annapurna Base Camp mm. in Nepal. Beautiful. Okay, we got by Bob Plum. one last guest question from none other than Todd Richards. Here mm. we go. Hey, Bomb Hall, Todd Richards here with a last-minute question for my good buddy Brian Fox. Hey, Brian, uh, why don't you tell the viewers and the listeners about the time that you came to my house in Encinitas with the intent of stealing a bunch of shit from my house because we met in the water and then you decided that you might want to just, like, come over and rob me after I offered to give you stickers. I think people would be pretty stoked to find out about, you know, the truth. Who is Brian Fox, really? It turns out he's... A childhood thief <laughs> all right i'm just kidding you've just stolen my heart bye have a good day you guys you actually never stole anything <laughs> whoa am i really gonna talk like this yeah we are let's just fucking do it i'm just gonna talk really high and then i'll sound normal <laughs> so what happened there brian turn this off what did you do what did you do? <laughs> did you steal his heart? Uh, no. Actually, uh, my brother and I met him, or actually my brother met him in the water at Grandview, his like local spot where he still serves. And uh, he basically invited us back to his house and he was going to give us stickers, which is also like, who the fuck are you, Todd Richards? That's creepy. Like some four, like 14. Oh, you're like little kids here. Yeah, we're little kids. And he's like, come back to my house. I'll give you stickers. <laughs> Creep. <laughs> Either way, we like go to the house, knock on the door. His wife, Lindsay, opens the door. She's like, hey, Todd's on the phone. He told me you're coming. Come inside. Just sit on the couch. He'll be out in like five minutes. And we're like, okay. 
So weird. We sit on the couch in his living room of his house. Also to tell you, like, he's an adult at this point, like full-blown adult. Homie had the craziest video game collection. Like, video game console with, like, it looked like some video gamer, like, store. And we were just like, yo, look at this fucking nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we sit there for, like... We sit there for 10 minutes and he never comes out. And at a certain point, Steve and I are like, yo, this is mad awkward. Let's leave. <laughs> so we just left his house. Didn't say bye to anyone. We just like opened the door and left. And as we were leaving on his side yard, he had all this shit, all these surfboards, all these snowboards. And he's referencing, we definitely were like, yo, should we steal this shit? We did not steal anything. But yeah, it was it, it was a funny, like it's very funny now to think about how life has gone that like that's a close friend of mine. But yeah, we were like so hyped to go to his house and um I try and actually like you know, I try and like operate that way still as a professional snowboarder myself, which is like he was cool and courteous and talked to us and and was funny and and you know basically offered for us to come into his home and get stuff from him that he knew we would like and um i try and be that way with people that i meet and definitely try and break that scenario that like i'm more important than you because i'm good at snowboarding it's just like no i'm hyped that you came up to talk to me but like i'm also interested in you as a person like what's your deal where are you from like you obviously have lived a passion-based life. If you give a fuck who I am, like, let's have a conversation. Like, I'm not above you. I'm the exact same as you. Like, please don't minimize your value in this, you know, in this exchange. Because, like, I don't know. I, I like, I love meeting people and, and I don't know. I guess that's, hopefully if people, like, have a takeaway from this, is just, like, I'm a curious person and I want to learn and I want, to be challenged and I want to like, yeah, f- fully experience life. Um, in the, like the beauty of it, you know, incredible work, Brian, great chat to throw a bow on this thing. The last thing we're going to ask you is, do you have any thank yous you want to throw up? Yeah. Um, I guess to the, the brands that have supported me and mo- more importantly, like the, the people who were there, you know, that that's that means a lot, whether it was Tonino or Canute or um Nat Johnson or Brian Craighill at Quick or, you know, any anyone who works at these companies that I interact with, like it, it's so valuable for me and I really I really do um appreciate all of it. And then my parents and like their love and support, I I don't take that for granted any moment of like having just like a really loving, supportive set of parents is that's the that is the most beautiful thing any of us can be like born, born into. So huge thanks to them. And same with my brother and to Callie, just like love um, my brother's family and Hannah and um, yeah, just friends. I, I hope, you know, I know that these things are, I listen to them too and hope that people mention me or something, you know, your ego. <laughs> but I, I think the people who are watching this and, and the ones that I've interacted with and that, I hope they know that I have like immense love for them and I value them and um, that I just like cherish those friendships and family and yeah, just I'm really thankful to um, at a young age have found a passion that's like led me to an incredible life um, that I can share with others. Well, we really appreciate you coming here and, and sharing your story and 
fuck, that was a great conversation, yeah. Brian. And uh, I want to say thank you to all of our listeners, everybody that tunes in. Our, our snowboard community kicks ass, and uh, we love you guys. And we got another episode coming at you next Wednesday. Over and out from the bomb hole. <laughs>